And everybody's doing cocaine. Baseball players have to go in front of a grand jury. They're saying, yeah, I did cocaine. Can you blame me? It's a slow goddamn game. Come on, Jack. <laughs> I'm standing out left field for seven innings. There's a white line going all the way down the home plate. <laughs> Hell. I see the guy putting it out going, <laughs> And that damn organ music. The third base coach doing this shit all the time. When he does this, I don't know whether to slide or do a line, you know what I'm saying? And people sliding in the home plate head first. Yeah, you're out. Doesn't matter, baby, I'm up now. Alright everyone, welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. This is uh, one of your hosts, Neo, and uh, joining me always is, uh, well, always this summer too, because uh, we're, we're kind of a man down, is uh, the legend, the myth, the fighting game legend himself, Solbro Ryu. Solbro, <laughs> how are you uh, How are you doing today? So legendary, don't even place it Evo, no. <laughs> I'm doing alright, sir. I'm doing good. And uh, this is episode 148 of Gundam and NMHQ. And uh, yes, we're, of course, uh, this is during Chris's summer hiatus. So we were thinking um, last episode, uh, we had a special guest during uh, Age of Extinction of All Childhoods review and uh, the review of Gundam The Origin Volume 6. We thought, why not just do two special guests in a row? Mm -hmm. So joining us from the world famous. Anime Movie Night is the own, his own uh, Shoji Ramaru show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I'm so glad to be here along with Neo and Soulbro on this fantastic podcast of theirs. <laughs> oh, Gundam. I'm finally well, here. I, I feel so special. Well, we're not only um, a fantastic podcast, but we are 4chan's favorite podcast. <laughs> Go to the 4chan boards and, and, and see all the love they put up for us. So... Uh, but um, yes, uh, show is going to be joining us uh, for this uh, for this whole episode. Um, just hanging out, just hanging out. They, <laughs> promised, out. Me, they promised me no piece of alcohol here, so I'm still waiting. Well, that, uh, well, since I live uh, 2,500 miles away from you, it'd be very difficult for me to uh, uh, have alcohol waiting for you, unless um, I do some type of delivery service. Uh, Drunken drone. Is that how you want me to give you your view? Oh, what? That'll probably be the one time that Neo will accept the robots. It's still a stretch. I still don't buy it. But no. maybe if one brought him an alcohol. No. no. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's crazy enough that I have a Roomba. And, but I have him under lock and key. What so. if you put a beer on him? <laughs> no. I'm not putting anything on him. Because that's only going to give his little mind ideas, saying, hey, I can put things on here. And what, next thing you know, what, what happens if he takes a beer bottle, breaks it, and puts it on top of him? And next thing you know, he stabs me in the ankle. Just cuts my Achilles. He's got like a fucking broken beer bottle just roaming around with it. 
Yeah, pretty much. It could be the same thing in 80s movies. All it took was a little liquid to fall on a robot, and then they become a killing machine. <laughs> well, I don't know, but we... we um, Is that what happened uh, to Christine? It's like, that, the no. stupidest little shit. It will make a robot to kill somebody. Uh, last it's year, a liquid right. or a lightning storm. One of those two. Last year, during one of our... Uh, somebody had submitted a news article where people... Uh, showed pictures of weaponizing the Rumas, you know, things like putting knives and chainsaws and things like that on them. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't put it past them. I really would not put them past them. So I could only imagine a detective that comes in oh sees the murder scene. <laughs> Rumba, Rumba just trying to play it off, vacuuming in the background. Like, it was actually the husband that made a, tra- a trail of dirt to where his <laughs> wife was sleeping and taped this knife to it. Well, Go, get it. Go get it. You'll never know it's me. It's the perfect crime. It's the perfect crime. It <laughs> does have a uh, it does have a, uh, a dirt sensor on it, so <laughs> it, it does sense that. So stab, stab that dirty whore of a wife. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> I digress. tells the cop. I'm sorry. Go on. <laughs> but anyways, we digress from Roomba oh, no. talk because well, we will be talking about some robot apocalypse news later on, but. Um, this is episode 148, like I said, and uh, we're going to have two segments in this episode. I, I guess we lied at the beginning of the summer, Solbro. We said it was going to be uh, Gundam Light with one segment, but mm-hmm. I think pretty much uh, outside the first one that we did without Chris, every other one's been uh, two segments. So. Yeah, it's been pretty hefty stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> don't ever listen to us. We're a bunch of liars. We don't know what we're talking about when it comes to how big our uh, episode's going to be. But I believe it. Yeah, well, in our first segment, we're going to be dealing with an interview with voice actress Kira Buckland, the voice of Madoka from LaGrange, the follower of Renee. So, there we go. Cool. And in our second segment, uh, gosh, this is, um, we're going to be doing a review. Uh, show's going to host this one. And uh, this is a show that, gosh, probably, I would venture to say, um, no one in our listening audience has probably heard of or seen. Because uh, it's one of those things that's just, uh, it's a hidden gem if there ever was one. And uh, we're going to be doing the uh, review of the seven episode OVA Alien Defender Geo Armor Kinshin Core. So, uh, show's going to be taking us through that. So, um, guys, anything before, as I walk over to the Larry King Memorial News Studio to do some Neos Listener Submitted News articles? I'm all ready for the news, man. I'm excited. Show, any, anything? Get your drink yet? The, the, no, I, I, don't, I don't have anything. Uh, uh, I'm just interested in seeing you walk over to that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sauntering over right now. I'm in, the, I'm in the Gundam News Studio. It's the Larry King Memorial News Studio. This is where I do my... Uh, I, 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 you probably don't know, but my, uh, my journalism hero is uh, Lord Larry King. You are the king! You are the king! It be. really sucks that he's dead and no longer... Uh, <laughs> Dead. He's still, he's still rocking. He's still rocking. But you said memorial. I know. That's, that's what I'm saying. Well, you made mean, a memorial for someone. Well, he could still be alive, and he gets a memorial to him because he's that. Well, awesome. if, if if you've seen him, he literally has one leg already in that grave. So. A whole leg, not just a foot. It's God. a semi-memorial. It, I, I, I don't. I don't even know what's going to happen that day that he finally does pass. I mean, I, I'm, we're going to have to do. I may not even do the news on that one. I may. I, I honestly think he will. He will die halfway through a show, and the show will, will finish, and no one will even know. Oh Jesus! <laughs> hey, we had that's so they, it's a wrap, right, Larry King. It's your best episode yet. 
hey, here's Morgan couldn't get those ratings. Oh, <laughs> shit. Morgan. Oh, man. Take that, England. You're getting them back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm in the news studio here, so now it's some time for uh, some Neos Listener Submitted News. And always, if you have any news articles, you can go to the Neos Listener Submitted News articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mechatalk forum. And the first one here with some uh, regular news is coming. The first one here from Yokozuna Bulldozer. And, God, this is everybody knows this already, but, uh, yes, it's been announced that the second series, uh, second TV series, Gundam Bill Fighters Try is slated to open October 2014. Um, so, Solbro, rhetorical question. Mm-hmm. Are you are you happy that we're going to get a second series of Bill Fighters? I am psyched as hell, man. Oh, my God. It's going to be are awesome. Are you doing the dance? I'm a little bit. I'm Solbro dance? I'm shimmying just a little bit in, little, my, little. in, my, in my chair. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't hear your chair, though. Oh, it is <laughs> noisy. You're lying, man. I'm, He's not doing. I'm shit. trying to be a little bit, uh, a little bit conscious about the microphone picking up my, my noisy ass chair. But I am indeed psyched for that show. Um, oh, you want to be psyched even more? Because mm-hmm. so? I'm going to give you a quick synopsis. Oh, uh, it's set seven years at the end. After the end of Series 1, mm-hmm. where uh, Uori and Reiji won the 7th Gunpla Battle World Championships. Now, Seo Academy's Gunpla Battle Club has only one member, Hashino Fumia, who is a third grade student in junior high. Mm-hmm. How does that work? And the president <laughs> of the club. <laughs> it's actually a girl. She needs more than two members to participate in the upcoming All Japan Gunpla Battle Championships. One day, she encounters a transfer student named Kamiki Seike, who has traveled from around the Kempo training with his master. And they're joined by a young Gunpla builder, Kozaka Yuma, and their challenge to the Gunpla battle begins. So uh, it's slated to premiere uh, TV Tokyo and its affiliates October 2014. So probably that first week, because that's usually how it always is. Mm-hmm. Probably that first Saturday, isn't that, isn't that always the, the power slot for these things, Solbro? I think so. It's usually early in the month, as you said. But uh, I think the last one, it aired the first I, I, I'm, I'm starting to think it might have aired the second Saturday of the month, but it's still early in the month when they when they kick off. Right, right. It yeah, it aired April uh, October seventh last year. So, oh. show you got plenty of time to watch series one to catch up. <laughs> by the I'll time get right on it, man. Currently available on YouTube. <laughs> I will say this show as uh, the the gunpla builder that you are. I think you would enjoy this series just based on all the crazy, um, uh, you know. Uh, Different gun plus out there, and all the modifications that people do to it. So, well, and a well, lot about the building aspect in there. Well, the first series, I was finding it quite entertaining up to a point, but you know, it got all into that whole. Yeah. It all got thick of the whole competition, and then you had evil people. E- e- what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, there's this evil force and shit. I'm like, what? What happened here? Yo, corporations. <laughs> It it's like people like females are being possessed and and I'm like huh? what <laughs> so happened did- to the good wholesomeness of building gun plaws and putting them into a virtual world <laughs> and watching them fight each other and explode what happened to that <laughs> So I, I, I take it you missed the whole meat bun chronicles then. oh lord is that that's actually some good fun but but well, it was a show I always meant to go back and finish watching. But no, I've seen the first half. I found it entertaining. I mean, yeah, I was yeah. already intrigued by the whole idea of it being based around the world of 
Gunpla, yes. but as always, it, it always gets ridiculous. <laughs> right. Well, uh, thank you, Mr. Yokozuna Bulldozer, for your submission. Ooh, the next one here comes from PQ Comics. And Solber, remember last episode where the Gundam Cafe had the, um, the different types of beer that were parts of the Shuffle Alliance from G Gundam? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, remember well, that, right? Yeah, I do. I do indeed, man. Well, there is more beer news from the Gundam Cafe. Oh, shit. What more could you ask for than Hayakushiki beer jug? Yes. This is what I actually... Actually, I I will say this. If we have listeners that are either vacationing in Japan or living there currently, uh, please uh, contact me at uh, neomahq at gmail.com. Let's see what the price of this is and how we would get it back because I would like to get this. uh, What's it called? It's the Hayakushiki... Uh, beer beer jug. It's just a large, um, basically just a large beer glass. So um, yes, it's offered. It was offered last year at the Zeta Gundam Fair. Uh, I, I I pulled up a picture on my end, so I'm looking at it right now. Is it golden? Yeah. Well, it's golden when you put beer in it. Oh, so of course. Golden in it, it's going to be golden. <laughs> but it's it's a clear glass. It's it's probably like a 32 ounce glass. It looks like. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Showing it for you guys. Oh, it's nice. uh, 14 uh, 1,000. 428 yen, so that's what about that's what about like $14 or something like that? <laughs> that shit does really look cool. I have that good plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I look at the face and I'm like, so, I now notice the gold and I'm like, I have this good plan. Yo, that's awesome, man. I want yeah, this. So anyone vacationing or living there at this time, please contact me and uh, we can always get together and uh, there's always that wonderful thing called PayPal to get these things taken care of. So, uh, Thank you, uh, Mr. PQ Comics, for your submission. Um, next one here, as, as we uh, go to the next article. Come on. There we go, Internet. <laughs> <laughs> next one here comes from, uh, wow, the first evil Australian uh, of the day, Mula Flaga. Oh, nice. And uh, he's got a thing here going to DualShockers.com. I've, I've never heard of this, but I would think it's got something to do with Sony PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. <laughs> and it says here that Sony has announced transformable PlayStation Optimus Prime P- PS4, 3, and 2 scale miniatures and more. Yes, they're not the actual consoles, but you can get consoles that are based off your favorite PlayStation consoles, and they transform into Optimus Prime. Wow. Guys, your thoughts? Uh, I saw this earlier this week, man, and it looks cool. I can't deny it. Um, you know, they're making a, a Megatron as well, um, and the Megatron's going to be a Sega Genesis. Uh, there's, uh, there's, there's shots of the of the prototype for it. That How funny Tom is that? He's making. always losing. Te- technically, <laughs> technically, I have to, I have to be Chris on this one. No, uh-huh. no, so bro, that's wrong. I'm, I'm wrong. Is it a Mega Drive? Is that what you Technically, say? yes. It's the Mega Drive. Okay, Megatron, Mega Drive. That makes perfect sense. I'm sorry. I, I was speaking American. Wow. <laughs> show show uh, channeling the spirit of Chris to call Solbro out on his BS. Somebody oh, has whatever, to do it. Whatever, whatever it comes to video games, yeah, I'd have to. <laughs> oh, go ahead. More than welcome. But, uh, yeah, they originally showed off the prototype uh, look of uh, Megatron turning into a Mega Drive. Mm-hmm. Most of the pictures that are surfing on the Internet right now is the prototype, so it's not colored. Yeah. Um, and they're already taking pre-orders on a lot of uh, website online. I just unfortunately don't have any in front of me because I didn't know this was going to come up. 
in the mailbag. Uh, but just recently, they showed off uh, Optimus Prime uh, that's going to transform into, what did he say, the PlayStation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, PS1. PlayStation 4, 3, and 2. Yeah. That stuff is new. So you might know some. The last I saw, they were just showing off uh, the design idea for Optimus transforming into the original PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And my argument of all this, like, really? Megatron is going to be a fucking Mega Drive, and then the damn Optimus is going to be the play. It really couldn't have been the Super Famicom. Oh, but the thing is, is that I don't think they could work out anything with Nintendo to get the license. You know that's the deal. Yeah. You know that's you, what you know it is. It, they probably, they probably, that was probably the first system. They probably wanted to do Optimus as the NES, but they probably couldn't get the rights because Nintendo wasn't God, trying to hear that to shit. It be Mega Drive and Super Famicom. Come on, the yeah. console war of that generation. That would be damn, amazing, so dude. That would be amazing. I'm just saying, if they if they could go back to the beginning and then move up the, along the line, that would be phenomenal, man. But... Um, or flow nominal, flow nominal too. Yes, yes. Shout out to Snoop. But um, what do you think? Uh, it, so it, being that Optimus uh, is going to come in all these different f- flavors of Sony, do you think that Megatron's going to also come in in different uh, flavors of Sega consoles as well, like uh, the Saturn and, and the Dreamcast, possibly? I don't speculate. Mm. <laughs> well, it, 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 I do find it funny though that Optimus will be a PS2 because mm-hmm. I remember my uh, my uh, going through about three or four PS2s. They just died on me, so that's kind of appropriate for uh, Optimus <laughs> to be a console that just up and died on you. Oh, it's that's what you got, that's what you tell the children when like, my Optimus PlayStation died. Don't worry, he'll come back stronger. <laughs> Daddy, my Optimus. My Optimus PlayStation just turned gray. Oh, crap. I feel yeah. the wounds are fatal. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> thank you, Mr. Mulaflaga, for your submission. My, oh, the next. Huh? I said, my question is, when are they going to come out the Rodimus Prime one? You know, the 3DO. <laughs> uh, the, pa- the Panasonic LaserDisc one? The system the that Panasonic c- CD or whatever? The system that couldn't. <laughs> Hopefully so, never. All keeps right. it chilling at the Optimus Shrine. I'll mm-hmm. never be as cool as you. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was true. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> pretty funny. Well, thank you for that submission, Mr. Lula Flaga. Next one here comes from EA Net Dude, and this is just some uh, news and of course, go to the link here that Mr. EA Net Dude has. Mobile Suit Gundam Shars Counterattacks now officially available for free, sub streaming on YouTube. So if you've never seen Shars Counterattack, you have no uh, excuse at this point because it's on free on YouTube. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. YouTube.com slash Gundam info, man. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, thank you for your submission, Mr. EA Net Dude. Next one here comes from Wielder. Oh, and this is pretty funny. It's not always Gundam news, but it's got a. It's got one of Gundam's favorite Gundam directors in it. Uh, oh. who, do you, who do you think, uh, Solbro? Oh well, I'm already looking at it, so I'm the bad person. I'm the worst person to ask. Well, can't you can't you just play it <laughs> off like you don't know? Let me see, Clint Eastwood. No, it's not. To, no, it's not Tamina. <laughs> or not, the guy that died halfway doing uh, 08th MS team. If I was to guess, I would probably if I, I would guess the director of Code Geass. But uh, it looks like uh, it's it's definitely not him in this case. <laughs> yes, well, I mean, if you like flashbacks, mm-hmm. then you like Mitsuo Fukuda. Yes, the uh, the director, the the heralded director of Gundam Seed and Gundam Seed Destiny, mm-hmm. the purveyor of flashbacks, uh, is is uh, part of a directing a new Sunrise venture called. 
cross-age original TV animation. So, and Mr. Wielder has a link to Animated News Network, and there's a link to the uh, the first trailer of this. So, um, well, I don't think he's acting as a director, at least according to the the story. Am I reading this wrong? Yeah, he, of course. I, I, he uh, he could be. <laughs> it's the first part. It's the first part yeah. that I'm reading of it. So. it, it he's, he's he's a creative producer for oh, the now, show. Now I'm, mm-hmm. Yeah, now I'm now I'm looking at it. Yeah. But other wow, than that, but he's involved like, uh, though. So this is the first time I've heard him being involved with something in a while. Wow, it looks like uh, Destiny with dragons. Mm. It's kind of cool, actually. It does. I saw I saw one shot of this. I didn't even know that Pakuda yeah. was involved. But I saw one shot of this earlier this week, and I didn't well, know. We'll that just this... we'll just do like what people do with Michael Bay. Michael Bay is producing Teenage Mutant Space Ninja Turtles, <laughs> and everybody thinks he's directing it. So I'm just going to go to the thing of Pakuda's producing this. I.e., that means he's directing it too. Mm. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the logic there. <laughs> I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he'll give the the, the actual director um, all sorts of headaches, but. Uh... <laughs> you know what worked for me during Gunnam Sea Destiny was using flashbacks mm-hmm. and placing flashbacks from the previous show to car- new characters in this show to of people that they've never even met or knew of. Mm-hmm. Genius. Well, I'll tell you what. Makes sense. Our audience. Brilliant. Time for a drinking game. When you watch the show, have a shot every time there's a flashback sequence. If you're dead before the series, fu- it's series finishes, well, you've lost. And I have probably halfway through the episode, they won't even know what part is a flashback or the actual show anyway. <laughs> which part of this shit's for real? The difficulty level has gone up. <laughs> That's true. Oh man. So but thank you, Mr. Wielder, for your submission. Oh, the last one here. And uh actually, you know what? Um Solbro, if you're at the point, uh, if you're on the news, if you might want to just send this link to show in the chat mm-hmm. um, when, when, when I announce it. But this next one here is from Rodimus76. I think show will like this a lot. Uh, this is coming from the Gundam Guy blog. And uh, somebody Ready made... Great. His name is Rodimus. Yes. Somebody made a <laughs> Gundam Astray blue frame out of the runners of other models it looks pretty damn cool wow and i've been throwing them out <laughs> yeah see you've been throwing them out the whole time you could have been uh you could have been sitting there uh using them as uh you know to make a model out oh, of ben- yeah. benda is not trying to hear this man they're going to sue people who are doing this real quick it's like stop building stuff out of our garbage <laughs> shit yeah that's, that's now they're now they're saying okay let's make a box of dough but runners <laughs> Oh, you know what? Making money off of this shit too. <laughs> like, there you go. <laughs> yeah, because think of all the defects that they get rid of. They're probably sitting there going, "We have a whole warehouse of these things. This is brilliant." It'll be some. It'll be some new line. Uh, runner G, get your Runner G models. <laughs> Make a whole new TV show too. <laughs> exactly. I was about to say. Wait till that shit shows up on an episode. Ooh, Pretty man. much. Money in the but, bank. <laughs> but uh, thank you. Uh, Mr. Rodimus76 for your submission. Oh, so bro, it's getting cold out, and you know what that means. Why is Neo so robophobic? Means it's time for some robo apocalypse news. Get ready to hide in your basement, guys. It's time. I always am. Do not network. And keep all the robots at arm's length. And mag lights for every, every corner of your room. Cut the cord. It doesn't feel cold over here. <laughs> it could be colder. Mm-hmm. 
Well, the first one here comes from the most evil of all Australians, Bent Noir. And he's got a link here saying uh, from io9 talking about the third machine age could destroy us. Yes, the third one. So that means, uh, yeah, I guess we're in the second one right now with the Industrial Revolution being uh, the first and then the age that we're currently in. And yes, of course, they're bringing up the thing using emotional uh, labor for using robots to care for children and the elderly. Mm -hmm. Yes, not something we want to do. That sounds like the worst fucking idea. <laughs> yes, it does. It, it, it absolutely does. There's a sociologist who wrote an interesting article in response to the idea that robots to do the emotional labor like caring for the uh, um, uh, children and the elderly. She identifies the machine age where machines take over the realm of emotional labor, whether it's teaching kindergarten or working as a nurse. And um, she says that this is kind of a dangerous thing to do. So, um, you know. Actually, some good points in there. They take some parts of her article in there, and uh, you should definitely look at this because it is a warning to us all that uh, the the robots are out to uh, to out to kill us. So <laughs> they've been telling us all along. Yes, and they'll be, and they're gonna. You know, if you're gonna round your children, all the all those children are gonna become as propagandists mm-hmm. for um, you know for the robots, robo collaborators like Solbro, but. Um, Thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. <laughs> Next one here comes from uh, Flame X, and oh my God. Yes, just when we thought it would be even worse, of course, um, th- th- this is what kills me about the Japanese, mm-hmm. is uh, they-, they feel that the way that to uh, prevent the robot apocalypse, you need to master the robots before they master us. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't that what usually ends up happening in every one of the tomes? We think we're mastering the robots before they master us, and then they end up killing us and ripping <laughs> off our faces. We thought we were the masters. We yes. were wrong. <laughs> yeah, look at this, in this article here from Extreme Tech dot com. Japanese President Shinzo Abe has announced this week that Japan will be making robotics as one of the country's most important economic pillars, and he plans to kick off that effort with a robot Olympics staged in twenty twenty. Oh, geez. He wants to triple the size of the robotics industry and make Japan once again the island from which the most amazing technological devices flow. But yet, the first thing that all they think about they're using robots for are sexeroids. But whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Sex has motivated so many industries, though. The video market. Sex and war. And and I'm telling you, robots are going to become perfect because of mankind's desire to bone a robot. I'm telling you. And that's yeah. when they'll kill us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We'll have one week of good stuff, and then that, that'll be it. That'll yeah, be it's, it. it's, it's going to be it's gonna be awful. Pack it up, yes. humans. Pack it up. Yes, this robot, <laughs> this robot Olympics, this is something I'm going to keep my eye on because mm-hmm. I'm seeing this as just being one big propagandist thing by uh, the robo-collaborators to try to get into the minds of the masses. So when the robot apocalypse happens, they'll have many minions to help uh, track down people like me in the Human Resistance League. Mm-hmm. But it won't work. It will not work. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's actually – this article is pretty long, and there's a lot of cool things in here, a lot of scary things in here too. So I, I, uh, I encourage everyone to take a look at this because um, – I, I quickly skimming over to get to the part where when we're going to be able to fuck them. <laughs> oh, believe me. Um, we, we've done previous uh, – 
um, Robot Apocalypse articles where that's been talked about ad, ad nauseum. Show man that's, spoilers, that's, man. That's a, spoilers. Yeah, that's a that's a big part of uh, <laughs> Japanese culture at this point. Uh, sex roids. How much? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All in due time. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Flamex, uh, for your submission. Oh, the next one here comes from uh, Vent Noir, Evil Australian. And I think this, I find this funny because he is Australian and mm-hmm. this is about the UK and about how the UK will probably be one of the first places to be destroyed by the robot apocalypse. So I guess in a way, this is Australia getting back at the UK for all those years of colonization and, um, uh, colonial rule. Mm-hmm. But yes. It says here off of SlashGear.com, by next year, January of next year, residents of the UK might start seeing cars without drivers, or at least without manual driver interface. So uh, I guess the UK is going ahead with trying to get these uh, self-driving cars out there, which um, kind of begs the question of, if I'm in a self-driving car and I went to the bar and I'm completely drunk, Mm -hmm. can I drive home in my self-driving car drunk? (laughs) Because... There would have to be a point in a self-driving car where you have a manual override because something could happen. Right. Someone has to ask these important questions. Yeah, these are the things I need to know. Well, I think of any place that the drinking and driving question might be answered, and I'm thinking the UK, specifically probably Ireland, would, would probably be the <laughs> wow. test bed I would do. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> And it says here in the article, self-driving cars are undoubtedly the future, Mm -hmm. but getting there is a long, winding road. Once again, like I had said, in the novel Robo Apocalypse, which Mm. is part of my robot tomes, of course, uh, this is one of the ways that when the the AI takes over everything, they have self-driving cars in this era. And a lot of people get run over by self-driving cars and get tricked into elevators when the elevators drop. So yeah, this is, uh, and once again, robot, Apo- robo apocalypse was written by a man with a PhD in robotics. And, uh, if he doesn't know, then, um, then, uh, I, I don't know who would. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> These cars uh, look hideous. They do look hideous. Um, actually I'm waiting to see them on top gear. Cause you know, they're going to show oh up there. Oh my God. That, that will be hilarious. <laughs> Maybe they'll run over Richard Hammond. <laughs> Looks like Hammond's the only one that's going to be able to fit in this car. He'll be the only well. one to fit in there, yeah. <laughs> Jeremy will not be fitting into that car. <laughs> Definitely no. So, um, yes. So thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. Oh, my God. If that wasn't scary news, this is even more scary robot news Uh-oh. from the BBC. So you know this is true. They're talking about a six-legged robot that has learned to walk again in less than two minutes after losing one of its legs. Ooh. Yes, this is disturbing. And, of course, you've got you to gotta love the old British wit here as they show a picture of the robot in question. And a few, uh, few scrolls below it, they show the T-800. So, <laughs> oh, 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 damn. <laughs> it says this terror in uh, um, an error methodology could have ramifications for robots used in the workplace and military purposes. A robot that keeps attacking, no matter how damaged, brings to mind the relentless android from the Terminator films. No shit, Sherlock. I mean, I don't need a degree in robotics to understand this. But uh, yes, uh, this this yeah it says here quote from Dr. Fumia Ida of the Machine Intelligence Lab of the University of Cambridge. Of course, Japanese guy at, at, a, at, at a university. 
He says here, quote, the real challenge we are pursuing in robotics is robots that can adapt to uncertain and unstructured environments. You don't find anything wrong with this. <laughs> I, 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 I find it a little disturbing. Yes. Um, I, I, I'm just asking everyone. I'm not just asking you, Sol, but I'm just asking the audience out there, too. Does anybody find anything wrong with this man's – yes, he's a doctor. I'm sure he's a really brilliant guy. But once again, he says the real challenge we are pursuing is in robotics is robots that can adapt to uncertain and unstructured environments. Yeah, um, that means they'll, yeah. Be, they'll be learning, and when they learn, yeah. uh, then they'll realize that human beings are, are a waste of space, and then, uh, yeah. yes, they'll, they'll learn the ultimate lesson as they, as they wipe us out of existence. It's the only thing that would times. make this worse is if he said he worked for Google or what I like to call oh, the R version of Cyberdyne Systems. <laughs> so, so um, your, your thoughts about this. Uh, self-repairing, relentless, driving robots who continue on their mission no matter how much battle damage they incur. Uh, are, you, are you looking forward to this future that we have? If they implement this into sexeroids, I don't think I like this idea at all. Oh. <laughs> Being stuck in a clingy relationship with one? No, no, man. I don't know. It's- it's bad enough with a human. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get that call. Where are you? <laughs> oh, and I, I failed to say this. Uh, this article was posted by Zatman4917, which I don't recognize as ID, so this must be a new poster. So uh, mm-hmm. thank you for that submission. And, um, yeah, you just kept me up at up up tonight. I know where, not where to go on vacation next year. The U.K., between mm-hmm. their self-driving cars and their self uh, help healing robots mm-hmm. not a good thing not a good thing so uh, self-driving cars are going to be able to run over people in the middle of the night and we'll never know because they repaired the damn stuff yeah exactly <laughs> yes <laughs> nice so thank you mr zantman 4917 for your submission and sorry for not giving you credit earlier and the last one here for some robot robo apocalypse news comes from rodimus 76 and this one's actually kind of funny. And this is coming from thegeeklogie.com. And I, I got to kind of laugh at this, even though it is uh, the scary future of drones, which will probably end up um, killing us. But I find this funny that somebody used a drone to try to sneak drugs in the prison. Unfortunately, the drone crashed. So <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess a drone crashed with a payload of drugs, cell phones, and cigarettes while attempting to be flown into a maximum security Lee Correctional Institute in Bishopville, South Carolina. No word if the group of uh, LARPers found the wreckage while playing around and rescued the fairy princess in the nearby forest. So, yeah, it's um, kind of funny. So, yeah, they say it crashed outside the prison walls before it can make its delivery. This is the police are saying. This isn't the first time drones have been used in such an attempt. In March, authorities in Australia, of course, uh, said they intercepted a drone with a drug cargo as it approached a prison in Victoria. Shouldn't it be gasoline? Isn't that what they're always needing in, in Australia? And uh, last year, a drone was spotted by a prison officer as it hovered over a jail in Georgia. Why haven't we heard about this sooner? I mean, everybody's like, oh, drones are so great. Yes, now they're being used to give illegal drugs and probably the next thing, weapons in, uh, to prisoners. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's definitely something we don't want to have there. So uh, thank you, Mr. Rodimus76, for your submission. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we're going to end this new segment like we end all news segments with probably the best of all of the news that's out there. Sir Bay News Alerts. Hit it, Soul Bro. Everybody hit the deck. Michael Bay. 
Michael Bay. Oh my god, that's bullshit. What the f First one here comes from Evil Australian Event Noir. And this is coming from the Sydney Morning Herald. Yes, I've read the Sydney Morning Herald. And it's titled Shell Shock Backlash over Teenage Mutant Ninja Space Turtles uh, 9 11 poster. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I heard about this. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just, I don't think it's intentional, but I also think in a way we're kind of being, you know, maybe we should get on you know maybe not look at things so critically when it comes to something like this i don't think it's intentional because basically the movie poster has the, tur the turtles jumping off a nondescript glass enclosed office building which looks nothing like the original twin towers mm -hmm. so and unfortunately the movie is being released on september 11th but i'm sure this isn't the first exploding movie poster that was released on september 11th so, <laughs> well, I I saw and I, this. And I know Sir Bay's being blamed because he's direct. No, he's only producing the movie. That's right. I forgot. I, I saw this news and I, I thought it was a, a bit a bit of a a guffaw. Honestly, um, I know that people shouldn't be too too upset about it because it's honestly just the poster a, says on the bottom september 11th, 11th and, and it shows the, <laughs> the top of a building exploding and it's like someone should have caught this i honestly think um granted it doesn't bother me all that much i just think i want to call it immediately awkward. i i, I yeah. just i just look at this and I, I i personally i laugh because i'm like no one caught this <laughs> i mean it's, it's in australia so i'm sure somebody probably said something and then the higher up said well it's already done we're, we're going to get it out there i don't think people are going to mind all that much and then of course the internet had its way with it and now they had to pull off every one of those posters from where they're at and take it out of the promos in order to uh come up with some other way of promoting it and it's like man just nip this in the butt from the get-go man you know anything any imagery having to do with september 11th. this movie came out like july the 4th i don't think it would have been that big of a deal or if it came yeah. out like some other day any other day but september 11th showing that imagery it wouldn't have been a big deal at all but it just unfortunately has that date at the bottom and well, because I, of that I, and i still contend too if this was if this wasn't teenage mutant ninja turtles and it wasn't dealt with michael bay mm -hmm. i think it may have gotten a pass a little bit too because yes is it poorly it was it somebody should have caught this mm -hmm. yes but you got to realize you're talking about studio people and they they don't i mean i don't they i'm sure i'm sure if michael bay had nothing to do with this people would have still said something <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know about but that's that. just that's just me that's i just yeah you you don't know about that i don't know about that. i'm just saying i don't even think michael i don't even see michael bay's name on here yeah right off the bat i'm just seeing a blowing blowing up building these guys jumping down and, and the bottom september and, <laughs> and the burning and it says <laughs> and again i'm laughing i'm a horrible person oh. it's just what and, I'm, and, oh, and I, think, wow. I think i think one of the other things that we have to put here too is it says right here that the burning skyscraper poster was to be used as a marketing tool for australia only so it wasn't going to be in the u this is only for this was only released in australia and it was supposed to be meant for australia so it wasn't like they were doing this in the u.s because I don't yeah, even know. It, it wasn't even post. poster was even here, so yeah, it's it's it was only for Australia is what they're what they're staying here. And so. the Australia wish there was no internet to to, to expose this. <laughs> and I bet you, I bet you, there's a lot of people in Australia that probably just don't associate with that because yeah. September 11th isn't 
you know, it's nothing against Australia, but it's no. not their thing. I mean, it's, 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 it didn't happen to us. And Michael Bay probably never even seen this post this poster until oh, he yeah. saw his name on the internet. Michael Bay did it again. I'm like, what, <laughs> yeah, what did I do? <laughs> Look yeah. at the poster. Well, like, I don't well, even know about this. They they have some. He blows up everything. <laughs> the buildings. That's what they pick. <laughs> they put some. Uh, they put some. Uh, they put some people. You know, of course the. Uh, the white knights and all, all the all the do-gooders in the Twitterverse are going. The first one here is who thought who thought that poster would be a good idea considering a date, or do they just think that no one would notice or indeed care? Hashtag TMNT tweeted Natalie Holt, 1982. Well, in Australia, it's probably not that big of a deal. Or this next one, the most poorly judged poster and date combo imaginable. Well done, Australia. So this guy's blaming Australia. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might be it might be the uh, the the division of Paramount Pictures in Australia that came up with this ad but campaign. Still, but, he just he just yeah. blamed the country. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, well done, blame, Australia. You can blame them for drop bears and all the other crazy crap Varnus tells us wants to kill him there. <laughs> but now he has to worry about mutant turtles jumping down to kill him. <laughs> and the next one here is wow, Paramount, you sure messed up with the TMNT poster. Ooh. And there, yeah, this is just, I mean, it, it's a mistake. It wasn't in the United States, but of course. We need to blow it up for bigger things than what it really is. So, but on the on the uh, on the bright side, though, here mm-hmm. the um, Sir Bay's classic, next classic, <laughs> uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Alien Space Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be released on uh, August eighth this week. Oh yeah, this Friday. Yeah, yeah. Well, of, this, of this of this recording, yeah. I, yeah. I, I hope to see it this weekend, man. Got, I hope your, to got see your Fandango it. pre-order? Oh so my god, oh, I gotta jump on that, sir. I gotta jump on that. No. I'll, I'll just see Guardians again. Ah. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Rodimus76 for your submission. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm sorry, Bet Noir for your submission. What am I doing here? A uh, li- little bit of a... Um, a little bit of a mix-up there, but that, that comes with the territory here. Mm-hmm. Next one here comes from Rodimus76, and uh, this is actually um, – <laughs> this is funny because how, how, how funny does it make a couple years? The person that once called Sir Bay Hitler is now defending <laughs> the movie <laughs> that she's in. <laughs> I guess she oh, had no. a message uh, to people complaining about Michael Bay's involvement, the alien origins, misleading quotes, identifying – William Fitchner as Shredder, Snoutless Turtles, and more. And she basically told everybody to go f*** off. <laughs> so, real classy. But uh, <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> and she also said, let me tell, tell you something. <laughs> but let me tell you something about those people. How much money did Transformers 4 make? Exactly. Those people can complain. They all go to the theater. They all see his movies. They're going to love it. And if they don't love it, they can f*** off. And that's the end. Wow, I actually have a newfound respect for her. Wow. She, she literally just sounds like Michael Bay now. She literally sounds like me for the last, I don't know how many years. <laughs> you know, it's interesting about Megan Fox. She um, apparently uh, at Comic-Con, she was saying that she's a, a full-on fan of the Ninja Turtles. You know, she was a kid at the time that they hit big. And, you know, the cartoon was uh, the hottest uh, the hottest thing. But um, she um, has two kids. 
And she says that when she took the role, she wanted to take this role in order to show them that, you know, she, she works on cool things and that, you know, being a fan of the, of the property, she also wanted to kind of give April O'Neill, uh, you know, a genuine depiction that would be worthy of the character that she remembered from the animated series. So, um, I, I think she went into this role with a good heart. Mm -hmm. She didn't want to be remembered for bending over and, and fixing the car with the camera up her Daisy Dukes and everything like that. That, that, not the image she wants her, her children to see <laughs> I, I appreciate that personally but no i i i'm guessing that bad enough she, when those kids are 15 and 16 and she, everybody wants yeah. to come over to their house <laughs> i mean as far as she's she's Looking stifler's mom she's trying i will say this I've, I've seen about four reviews of turtles so far and for the most part it's it's averaging uh as an average movie but they do say kind things about megan fox in it they say that she's actually uh decent if not good in the movie so she's definitely not the problem in that film oh, this and is, is this the same soul bro i know because i i, I, I so you were finally giving uh-huh. sir bay his proper due now you're saying you're you're, you're feeling and, and you're looking forward to seeing megan fox this this is have you been replaced well i, mean, I, I saw some of the interviews that she did I'm and she saying. she was really energetic about it and it's like i when she was doing transformers i didn't nearly see her be as bubbly as she was when it came to tmnt so i'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt this time well and she I, also incurred the wrath of bay after that she, she did, did better but i mean she was she was really excited to be a part of the project and and she knew going in that people would shit on her and her being involved and i i took my pot shots at it too she and i hate and i it's like man i i really don't think she's got what it takes to be april o'neill i look forward to seeing the movie and when i do um on the next episode of gundam i'll let you guys know if uh if i thought she was awesome in the movie or if she she did a good job but i i i certainly wish her well and if the movie is success then she's got a couple more rotations as april o'neill to look forward to so there you go i uh my, my favorite part she has the chops to be april o'neill <laughs> Uh, I, I'm like looking back. How dramatic of a role is being April O'Neil? Hey man, if someone can outdo Renee, well, if someone I mean, can outdo. If, if you ask, if you ask the fans out there, you, you think it would be. I mean, you, you think you need uh, Helen Miram or no, out there to do she it. Just needs well, to be... I'm just saying that's how the fans. She's are. like always oh, a desperate. Des- 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 what can't even speak? The, the bitch in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, damsel in distress. Yeah, you know, if she could do better than the voice actress for Renee uh, Renee Jacobs, the original voice actress of uh, April O'Neil, be on that level, I'll be fine. Because the other April O'Neils in the other movies, they were passable. So I'm hoping that she at least outdoes the ones in the previous movies, honestly. And uh, it looks like this movie, more than anything, is based more on the animated series, or has more of the kind of the 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 feel of the animated series than the other movies did, which were trying to be kind of an amalgam between the animated series and the comics. So, uh, like I said, I'm I'm a little hyped for the movie. I hope. hope it's at least entertaining or engaging enough well anyone that follows the turtles it's just, they reimagined them so f- many times yeah, that's so. what i thought too yeah. <laughs> so if it's you're a purist of, of what version yeah, that's it's true like being a, it's kind of like being an evangelion purist which one are you doing <laughs> <laughs> which ava are we talking about again yeah which one original perfect collection super the, samoan edition the super samoan edition the 20 year anniversary edition you know let's make a bunch of hd films edition mm-hmm. i mean come on but um any number <laughs> well thank you uh soul bro for your retort on that thank you uh show for yours and thank you rodimus 76 for your submission and of course we're going to f- close out with some survey news and some happy survey news because this is the news that we like to hear and this is also coming from rodimus 76 is coming from variety.com and transformers age of extinction of all childhoods probably 
the greatest movie of 2014 of its kind in 2014 um, was the first <laughs> the film. The greatest Transformers movie in 2014? I said the greatest movie of its kind. You can take that however you want to take it. Uh, it well, it's, it's at least got this designation. It's the first film of the year to cross the $1 billion mark in the global box office. Oh, damn. Not even, and I'm surprised because I don't really keep track of this, but I'm surprised that Captain America Winter Soldier didn't Mm-hmm. Uh, at least do this, but uh, yes, survey Transformers, Age of Extinction of all childhoods. What was what was that count? Uh, like eight or nine million childhoods extinguished that first night uh, <laughs> that we had the last uh, in last episode. I, and, for, um, I forget somebody the, somebody calculated it out. And it, it was, it was eight it was, or nine. Yeah, it, it was Elliot, and uh, I can't remember how many how many millions, but uh, it was it was quite the death toll. That's for and sure. And of course, this follows up Transformers: Dark of the Moon, which did one billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Transformers: Age of Extinction of all childhoods did a record breaking reception in China, where it earned more than three hundred million dollars. Uh, it's got at this at the date of this article, which is August third which was a couple of days ago, its cumulative total is $763.8 million internationally and $241.2 million box office domestically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, eat, all, eat that. Well, make <laughs> sure to point out the part in the article that is directed right to Bay. Mm-hmm. It says here that uh, Paramount has extended their uh, contract with Bay oh, to course. three years. Of course. Yes. Sir Bay has got a three-year deal. So all you haters out there that have sat there and went against him and wanted him to go away, guess what? He's not going away. And he's going to blow up more cities. He's going to blow up more robots. He's going to bring in more robots. There's going to be more racial humor and <laughs> off-color. There'll be more... There'll Jesus. be more Victoria's Secret uh, supermodels somewhere around there. 360 camera views. Yes. If it ain't broke, uh-huh. if it if it ain't broke, <laughs> it's not gonna. It's gonna continue to work. I so. might be broke though. <laughs> you may be broke because you'll be there every release night watching. All I gotta say is, this was the last time I when I saw it. This was one of the first times I ever. My ticket cost more than a, a large cherry coke and a medium popcorn because usually that that's always more. But when I saw this one, I paid twenty bucks for my ticket. Dude, <laughs> so. did you did you see it in like the four D seats? Is that yeah, what you I did? did? You saw yeah, it in like the rumble seat and stuff? No, not the four. No, not the rumble seat. But mm-hmm. it's like um, it's ultra HD something. My God, did your it's, eyes bleed? No, my <laughs> my eyes were crying out of freaking love. <laughs> Tr- propelled back and I was like oh my god I feel like a child again oh how cool is this a robot f- riding a giant robotic dinosaur this mm-hmm. is awesome yes it, wow. come on wow I, yeah. I, I only saw it in IMAX in 3D I, 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 I fell off and I'll pay, I'll pay another 20 bucks to see it we, we actually got an angry optimist we, we did got actually an angry optimist that we finally... got sick and tired of people's shit yeah. <laughs> and was looking oh. to he looked at the people. I'm real tired of your shit right now. <laughs> oh, and, and and the other thing for all the haters out there, we finally got Generation One Optimus. Oh, whoa! Why doesn't he look like he did in 1982? Well, those oh. trucks haven't been on the road in 25 years. Well, it doesn't matter. It's not through the source material. It's not per the Transformers Bible. Oh, oh I know the ending. Oh. <laughs> That that sweet middle finger, huh? Yeah. 
that ending. I was like, this. I'm out. I've become super oh, Superman. No. I'm out. <laughs> yes. So he did the literal, I must go. My people need me. <laughs> you could fly the whole time, Optimus, you piece of shit. He was holding back. He was holding back. Oh. He was holding back for the next movie. He's like, I know there will be another one here. Trying to, <laughs> trying to do my best Peter Cullen. But but uh, thank you, Mr. Rodimus76, for your submission. Mm-hmm. And thank you, everyone, for all your submissions. And if you ever have any news, you can always post it to the Neos Listener Submitted News articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mechatalk forum. And... Guys, anything before we go to our first segment, which is actually going to be an interview um, that just has uh, Solbro and uh, special guest Dolo. Yeah, Mm Dolo is going to be joining him on there. So, um, but uh, guys, anything? I I think I heard somebody say something out there, huh? Huh? Yeah, I actually have something I wanted to bring up. Okay, is this JoJo Uh, related? No, it's not actually. Uh, It's something because you always always mess with us there. It's like I I I got something to say. Anybody that wants to watch JoJo, (laughs) 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 gotta wedge it in. Gotta 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 pimp it out. No, no. uh, This time around, I wanted to address uh, something that happened this week. Uh, something that I, I guess you chose not to cover the story, and that's fine because uh, it's been okay. to- it's been a topic of conversation throughout the week, and um, it's the Robotech Academy Kickstarter, man. Um, it did not. Oh, I saw I saw yeah. that, mm-hmm. and because it was an utter failure, I decided not to. And Chris wasn't here to make fun of it, so yeah. it, it was going to lose. I mean, I, I didn't want to kick you any further. No. It, did you did you do, did you donate to it? No, no, I, I, and I wouldn't. Seriously, have. did you? I, no, I, I did not donate to it, and I, I wouldn't have anyway because of the complicated situation with the Macross license. Um, I was a little wrong last episode. I did come off a little strong with the fact that uh, with, with my statement that Harmony Gold is what's kind of handcuffing the Macross license from expanding outside of Japan. So and you that, were spe- you were speculating on something you had no information on? Well, you know, I I forgot about some of the some of the crazy. <laughs> I. I I, I was I was speaking a little out of turn and without a, uh, enough knowledge of the situation. And I do recall Chris had told us a long time ago that it's not actually 100% Harmony Gold's fault. I went and did a little research this week, and Ooh. I did look into that. And yeah, and to some degree, Harmony Gold is somewhat responsible for why Macross has not been able to go, go further than, say, Macross Plus and Macross 2 here in the States. But they're not alone. Keep in mind that the Macross right, license rights are kind of effed up in Japan. Japan too, uh, between Tatsunoko for the original series, and then you have um, the re- remainder of the series, which are all all the series were produced by Big West and Studio New, and they had to have they had a four year battle in court to get the, the get the I guess the uh, license rights all worked out. And uh, as we talked about in Gundam before, Studio New and Big West have a license to the character designs and the mecha designs and the story. Um, and what Harmony Gold has license to is the actual show of Super Dimension Fortress Macross itself. When they bought the rights from Tatsunoko, they, I guess, thought they bought the rights to the entire Macross name and all that stuff, which is why it's kind of in a gray area when they try to import it outside of Japan. In all truth, Studio New really doesn't give a damn about the show being anywhere outside Japan where they oh. got to deal with Oh my the, god. Uh, wait, wait. Hold yeah. on, Solbury. So you're saying mm-hmm. a Japanese country... Yes. That has a prop, uh, popular franchise that mm-hmm. people like outside of Japan mm-hmm. could give a shit if those people 
in those places that are outside of Japan yeah. ever get um, a official version or an authorized version. So th- that's what you're saying, right? I'm saying that saying and- that, that that could happen that the <laughs> that Japanese and especially anime companies all they give a shit about are Japanese consumers. Is that what you're saying? First and foremost, yes, you would you would be absolutely I don't want to be culturally on. illiterate, but no. I, just, I don't know. <laughs> But it is true, and the reason why is that they make most of their money in Japan. Outside of Japan, they got to deal with licensing the show, and really the kickback from uh, marketing the show outside of Japan is not that much. Just to get the just to get the name okay. out of there, and plus they got to deal with. Uh, eventually, it's going to come down to a court case because Harmony Gold likes to sue everybody who tries to even utter the word Macross without their permission. So um, they, they recently tried to do that shit with um, with with Hasbro. Remember uh, with 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 the Jetfire yeah. toy? They re-released it, yeah. and they lost their asses off because Hasbro has lawyers out the ass. So, you know, Harmony Gold can do shit. But um, little companies like Funimation and any other anime company wanting to localize Macross, they're not going to want to put up the expense of having to hire lawyers to get this whole nonsense straightened out just to get one of those Macross shows over here. And Big West is not going to want to have to deal with that either. So that's one of the reasons why it's not over here too. So it's a kind of a collection of things that's stopping Macross from succeeding outside of Japan, except maybe in the Pan Pacific. So I can't really 100% blame harmony gold they're part of it so but- are you saying Solbro? then mm-hmm. kind of like president obama has done where his position has evolved yeah on certain things has your position evolved on the macross question is that what you're trying to say here it's evolved that you're not always blaming harmony gold you're now blaming the japanese uh, big west and studio <laughs> nude too uh, they're part of the problem there you go i will say this if harmony gold wants to absolve itself from a lot of the blame um, they have never been forthright in actually explaining what they have a hold on and what they're willing to do to allow Macross to succeed. During the during the Kickstarter campaign, they did say, "Hey, we want Macross to come out here. We want Macross to 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 be able to stretch its legs and reach America. We're not trying to stop it." But when asked what hold do you have on Macross, they have never come out and made a public statement on that. They've kept that obscure well, for a reason. I'll, I'll put it to you this way, and, yeah. and this is one of the things that you'll have to kind of understand about this. And I sure. think this is where people need to realize that businesses are businesses mm-hmm. that's probably what they consider proprietary information right and they're just not going to release it even though it would help their position sure in things for whatever reason they feel that that may not uh they may have a competitive advantage by withholding that information so well if they I, I get your point yeah but i think everybody needs to look at it that way so well, my last statement here is this if you want to go to the public and ask them for money for donations or our interest in a kickstarter campaign in order to produce a new robotech show you need to get the faith of the public especially those who are macross fans uh, you need to assure them it's like look here's our official statement on the whole macross thing so just to let you know that robotech's continuance in the states it's not hindering macross here's where we stand on the whole macross issue and we will not stand in the way of other macross series coming out here if they make that statement they'll get goodwill maybe it will be a disadvantage to them to some degree and i, I don't ever expect them to say this I'm, I'm i in reality i don't expect that but if you want to get any good faith to get the public's backing of a robotech series you're gonna have to do that um, I, 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 I'm speaking from a Robotech fan my, uh, myself. I've been a lifelong Robotech fan. I've read the novels. I've collected the comics. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Sentinels. I don't hate Robotech at all. I think 
that it is its own universe that should continue on because there's so many people who are invested in the Except Robotech universe. Yeah, yeah, Shadow, Shadow, Chronicles. Shadow Chronicles was crap. Um, and I, oh yeah, I, I'm not I'm not one to turn a blind eye to what's what's not good, and and, and I wish that they put out, produce something else. But the other stuff I, of Robotech, I fully enjoyed. I, I recommend to people all the time the Malcontent Risings, which is a really good book about Max and Miria. And I, I I would tell people that the novels, the best thing they ever put out for Robotech. So I do want to see the universe go on, and I want to see them succeed in their campaigns. But they're going to need to straighten this Macross thing out first before they take another step. And that's pretty much what I wanted to put out there so that's my stance on it and if they don't do that then robotech's going to be stuck in limbo for the rest of time unless somebody with cash doesn't mind um giving them whatever money they need to put out whatever show they want um if they have to go to kickstarter they must be somewhat desperate to get um some kind of financing for these projects i I wouldn't i wouldn't say that well uh, i Uh, that that, that's that's i i think um no i think you may be i mean uh, just because something's on Kickstarter now, right. I don't necessarily think that that means people are desperate for what it is because I think you're looking at a whole paradigm where everybody's looking at, okay, there's a lot of – I mean, for God's sakes, a guy got $50,000 for potato salad. He sure did. So <laughs> if, if I'm a company – Mm-hmm. And I have a property out there. Why wouldn't it behoove me to see, hey, I'm just going to float this idea on Kickstarter mm-hmm. and see if it takes or not. Right. Because, you know, there's no obligation. You can stop the Kickstarter at any time and people aren't, uh, they'll get their money back Certainly. if uh, if it stops. So I I don't know. I see it as a vehicle from this point on now to start that you're going to see companies probably in shell companies and things like that to test out ideas mm-hmm. to see if they're viable or not to take the market. Seriously. And why wouldn't I, if I'm a corporation, if my fans want to put in some of the cost of me producing something, mm-hmm. why wouldn't I want to do that? I mean, seri- I mean, seriously. Yeah. You think, think about it as your own. So I, I understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I think you got to look at it in a bigger picture when it comes to the Kickstarter phenomenon and I think the way it's going to be used. And do not underestimate how corporations are going to use this stuff because I would do it myself. Believe me, I have sure. plenty of ideas where I'd love to float to see if they would even take. Mm-hmm. And as we see, people get stupid when it comes to things on the internet. Oh, yeah. And if a, like I said, if a guy can get $50,000 for potato salad, what could I get for potato salad, rotisserie chicken, and corn on the cob? That's the <laughs> just, question I have just, for you. Just to add to that story, he's going to actually use that money to fund a music festival. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> just, yeah, cause, let's just clarify that. Uh, that could single-handedly <laughs> kill <laughs> Kickstarter. <laughs> He, he 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 did start it about uh, making a bowl of potato salad, yeah, and, mm. and that's Actually. what it ended up being. But and of <laughs> course, yeah, I know he I know he parlayed it into something else. But the fact that I'm just I'm just saying the phenomenon of you just put something up there, and you have to think of you got to think about the way a Kickstarter works. Is you know you can set it where you just get a buck from people, mm-hmm. and if you get enough bucks. Next thing you know, I mean, if if you get uh, if you get a hundred thousand bucks or a hundred thousand people donating a dollar, you have a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, you know, minus the Kickstarter fees. And let's be honest, on the internet, how many people are on the internet, and how many people look for dumb shit like this? So my point is that you know these things, I, I would not, I would not, it would not, I would not have it hard to believe that people and corporations aren't doing this in some ways to kind of gauge 
instead of doing paying for test marketing, mm-hmm. you know how you would used to do pay for test marketing oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Kickstarter is one of the best test markets you got. Yeah. You put that shit up there, see how many people are going to vote for. Oh, shit. This many people did it. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we'll either, you know, we were going to devote X amount of dollars to this. Maybe we'll do that. Or what was it? That um, Veronica Mars movie? Yeah, Veronica. That, that Ver- shows. Veronica Mars has been done. They paid that, they paid that whole movie off yeah, of Kickstarter. Yeah. Zach, so. Zach Braff has, has yeah. I believe, uh, He's at least uh, successfully funded one movie, which is now out now. Yeah. I wish I were here. I think that's the name of the movie. That was completely funded on Kickstarter as well. And then uh, we talked to a uh, gentleman from uh, Anime Ego. Uh, Robert, uh, we talked. We talked to that guy, and they got the whole Bubblegum Crisis project yeah. uh, kick, uh, funded on uh, Kickstarter. So, so good things happen on Kickstarter, man. Yeah, and and I I think that I understand what you're saying, but yeah. I would not be surprised if Harmony Gold. They're, they seem very shrewd to me. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and I, I would think that this is probably the new test bet because I sure in hell would do it if I had a company like this. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would test it out. Why, why, put, why put all my production, why tie up my capital when I can get people to do it? And there's no recourse. You have no interest in the, uh, you have no interest in the project. You give up your rights to that. Yeah, it's awesome. Much. Yeah, why I mean, wouldn't I want that? It is free money, uh, in, in a sense. I mean, they do give so, bro, things. If you could have somebody pay your mortgage every month, and they, have, and they have, no, I mean, kickstarting my house. Is that what you're talking? About? No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's it's a it's an expense. You know, I'm just saying of mm-hmm. large expense that you you know everyone has. Yeah. If you had an idea where somebody and they have no interest and there's no recourse, yeah. Why wouldn't you do it? So. Yeah. And then, and then you're going to set up in these packages where the person that gives me $1,000, you get to uh, visit me uh, once a month. <laughs> I, I mean, there's, you, come there's, into, you can come into my house. I mean, they do. They for do five minutes. Up, <laughs> they do set up incentives like that. But I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if, if we look at these things and people will give money, you'll give a buck to certain things. Mm-hmm. My God, I give a buck to the freaking homeless guy outside the, you know, outside the gas station. So, I mean, it's just, it's the same type of thing. It, it so, is. Uh, I, I just I see what you're saying. Yeah. But I, I think that's the new, that's going to be, that we're going to see that's going to be the way that Kickstarter and, and donation sites that I think, what's the other one that there's oh. Kickstarter and then there's like something else that's kind of popular. I, I think what, that's the wave of the future with yeah. that. Because I sure in hell would do it if I was an evil corporation. Crowdsourcing. I, it, is, uh, it, is, it is the future. But uh, I wanted to thank The Shade uh, for posting this article in the Neo's News thread. And uh, thank you very much for bringing it back to my Yeah, attention. and I just... Um, I looked at it very quickly and I saw it died and yeah. I didn't feel like getting on Solbro today. And no, it, it's a can of worms, but I, I just wanted to clarify my statement from the last episode because I went in a little hard on Robotech saying that, you know, it's, 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 it's past its due. And I had thought about it. Robotech. I, I actually had a little bit of a, uh, what's it called? A, uh, no, nah, it was it um uh, nostalgia the nostalgia glasses I put them back on again oh. and I remembered how good the books were and I remembered how good the comics were and I remember that yeah Robotech has Young built his own Soul universe Bro sitting in his room yeah. Yeah. reading about the adventures of Admiral what is it Admiral Brick Hunter yeah. <laughs> If there was any project I would like them to do again is the Sentinels. I'd like to do, see them do that as an OVA series because those books were solid. And if they did it as an OVA series from start to finish, I think that it would be the best thing they'd ever put out. So should I um, should I just go up to uh, Harmony Goals in here in L.A.? I think they're off the sunset. Should I just drive up there and say, hey... I'm one third of Gundam, and I'm mm-hmm. sure you know Solbro Ryu. That's right. He loves your. He wants the Sentinels redone, reimagined, big budget. Should yeah. I do that for you? Yeah, with my compliments, bro. Go ahead. Here you go. <laughs>
So, all right. That's all out of me, man. I'm, I'm Show I'm, anything I'm else before? Yeah, I don't know if you can top that, can you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, the passion was, it was unbelievable. Yeah, the passion. It, I, 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 when he was going through, I just had to sit there and I was like, wow, okay. Mm-hmm. But, I, uh, I, I, I literally uh, took me a couple seconds to listen and then I went right to surfing the internet. Nice. <laughs> And donate it to what? <laughs> outsource something else. The defunct Kickstarter. <laughs> Harmony Gold. No, honestly, I can't think of any uh, anime mecha news to share out for you guys. So uh, it was, oh, you don't have to share cool anything. To listen anything. It, it's just a, it's just a nice way of saying. Is there anything before we get to our our first segment, boy? We'd like to get to our first segment. Uh, real quick, I'm noticing here that they're first to Evangelion 3.3. Oh, oh my god. It, it got confirmed by Spike Spencer, the voice of Shinji, at uh, at at some. Uh, I'm like, I forgot about. Yeah, yeah. He he confirmed it at a they recent anime beautiful. convention. He said they I actually. Will say, mm-hmm. Those things look beautiful, man. Those yeah. freaking uh, movies. Oh, the dub cast went in and Ashley dubbed it, so it's all. It's, it's Amazon. Just a of Amazon it is now taking pre-orders for it now, and it comes with a limited edition 54-page art book. But mm-hmm. here's the kicker. What's that? There's still no date. <laughs> Gotta love that. <laughs> oh, still this, but oh, maybe somewhere in the near future. <laughs> there you go. It's it's coming. It's coming. it's got like some kind of turquoise color to it. Well, anyway, no, no, that's that's it. I'm I'm excited to continue right, well, uh, sitting in on this. Well, you're gonna sit in a little bit and listen to some good voice actor interview, but then we'll be getting play a video to game. To- so feel free. Yeah. It's up to you what you want to do. Some, <laughs> some fishing needed. You, you need to get to get some fishing done tonight or I, uh, I might fire up some more earthbound. There you some go. Crafting some crafting needed. So but uh, OK, well, uh, we'll be going to our first segment. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. <laughs> In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is not that podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, Let's go again. The Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast presents... Story time with Cram. And yes, we are now presently in Cram's house. Right. So we are in the uh, the murder room. Actually. Yes, yeah. oh, this yeah. is the murder room. Oh, it's, would you like to tell? You have to tell the story now. Uh, I've told it on the podcast before, but I guess it was back in two thousand six, December of two thousand six. Uh, someone was murdered in this house. The people that were living here 
Um, the son was taking care of his mother, and she was very ill, as I understand it. And I guess he wanted to put her out of her misery, so he took a pillow and uh, asphyxiated her. Right here. Right here. Right where we're same doing to this. Tommy? Right here. Yeah, same to Tommy. Well, no, they changed the to Tommy. Oh, they changed the so to Tommy. We are, so you mean to tell me that we're actually broadcasting right now in the exact maybe square meter where a person was smothered to death? Yeah. Wow. We're also underneath my bedroom uh, where a man died of an illness. Wow. <laughs> the father. For more Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, visit www.aaapodcast.com or iTunes. Don't talk down to me like I'm a kid. I totally dig being on my own. Plus, I can eat all the pizza I want. Didn't I tell you for years to go easy on the pizza? And don't tell me that's all you're eating every day. God, you're pathetic, you know that? Please don't talk to me like you're my mom. You're not the maternal... That's enough. Look, you better explain this. I don't give a damn about your personal life. Start talking. Welcome to Gundam at MHQ.net for a special interview. I usually don't intro this one, these things, but this time around I wanted to do it because this is someone very special to my heart, at least, oh. and I'm sure to everybody else out there. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Kira Buckland to Gundam at MHQ. Welcome. I'd like to thank you for coming up on the show. It's been it's so wonderful to have you here. Yeah, I'm glad we finally worked it out. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and of course, with me is none other than your regular host, uh, Solbro Ryu. Hi, and uh, th- thank you also from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for coming on the show. It's, it's a pleasure to talk to you this evening. Ora, ora, ora. That's you, my comment. There you go. <laughs> But seriously, I like to thank Kara for coming up, and of course, we have a bunch of questions that we want to ask her. Uh, Kara, just so everybody will understand who you are and get a feel for you, would you mind uh, talking about your past? Essentially, like how did you end up getting into voice acting? Which is, of course, the question I'm sure everybody is going to ask. So we have those questions down, everybody. So don't worry about them. All right. Okay. Um. Well, I guess I started about 10 years ago when I was in high school. I feel old. Oh. I'm bringing that up. <laughs> um, I'm as old as you, so don't feel bad, too bad. I used to play DDR after school with like a local group of people, and they would show me flash animations on sites like Newgrounds. And I remember a couple of them were like, oh, yeah, we did voices for this one. And I'm like, what? Like... You, you did voices for something that's on the internet? Like, because I had, you know, I was getting into anime and video games at the time, and I mm-hmm. thought that voice acting would be, like, something fun to do, but I didn't really know anything about how to do it, or much less that, you know, because I was in Alaska, so it's like, <laughs> what's there to do voice acting-wise up there? But I didn't know you could, like, do stuff online. Oh, man. So, 
I found out about some sites like the VAA and stuff like that, and I started auditioning for things with like my crappy recording setup at the time. And I was really, really bad when I first started, as most people are, so I didn't really get cast in anything. And then, you know, trial and error, this and that. And I started doing like fan projects, um, started getting involved with Newgrounds at the time, and just like marketed myself like hey if you want an actual girl to do voices for your flash because at the time it was mostly like guys pitching up their own voices and stuff so i did that and then um just like over time i kind of like prepared to move out here because if you want to do like actual voice acting work for animating games and stuff you have to live in the where the work is which is usually like la or texas to be honest so i decided to move out to la because Texas has a lot of anime, but LA has anime and video games, and I'm a fairly hardcore gamer, so that's something that I wanted to do, obviously. Well, it also helps diversify your portfolio, too, if you can do not just voice acting, but also voice acting in different mediums, too. Yeah. So, so from there, I'm kind of curious. Uh, one of the questions we have from uh, a listener of ours, and that is coming from Russell Thomas Davis oh. on Facebook. His question is, what was it like to co-found your own convention? I think, I'm pretty sure he's talking about the one you founded when you were still living in Alaska called SushiCon or SenshiCon? <laughs> <laughs> What was it like to to found that? Because I'm, it's not every day you can find you can you found an anime convention in where you live, and get invited again to be your own guest at your own convention. <laughs> well, it was kind of like filling a void type of thing. Like um, I was president of my anime club senior year of high school, and I was always trying to find projects for us to do. And for the most part, my club members were not as enthusiastic as I was. They're like, okay, we just want to like sit around and watch stupid cartoons on the internet kind of thing. And I'm like, no, let's let's do projects. Let's make something or whatever. And I'd been reading up online about anime conventions and stuff like that. And I thought they seemed like a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. But obviously, being in Alaska, we didn't really have anything at all like that, although we had a growing anime community. So if people wanted to go to an anime convention, they usually just had to like go to Seattle and go to SakuraCon. And not everyone could afford that, obviously. So I was like, okay, what if we like start something like that? And, you know, we'll do it in the cafeteria. Like, yeah, it was, it was held in the high school cafeteria for the first year. <laughs> and, you know, I knew like enough from just like, that was before I had been to a convention, but I knew enough from like reading about conventions and stuff, like what goes on. I knew there's like a costly contest. Um, we like asked a local comic store if they wanted to be vendors, uh, just kind of like, it was only like 300 people the first year, but it was a lot of fun. Cause it's like, wow, here's an excuse for all the anime fans in our city to get together and like dress up in costume and not have everyone look at them like they're crazy kind of thing. Oh. <laughs> and the really cool thing about it now is that it's still going on. And now they're in like a big convention center up there and everything. I usually try to like make it back each year because I visit my family and just try to like plan it so I can go to SenshiCon at the same time mm -hmm. and I'm not like super involved with it anymore but usually I'm game room staff and um, for like after I stepped down as con chair I was gaming director for a couple years. Well in that case I still have questions about it, about it is the fact that when of course you were invited as a as a guest or of to your own convention I was kind of curious I imagine when you first founded it obviously you founded it as a fan 
but when you were invited back where you you were at that time living here in Los Angeles and you were a full a full-time voice actor when you were ever getting work so what was it like well no I hadn't really done that much at that time because that was like 2009 so it's like I was in some games no one ever heard of some like a couple shows no one had ever heard of um that was kind of a unique situation in all fairness because at the time like a couple of my really good friends were kind of in charge of choosing who they wanted so they're like yeah let's let's just bring you kind of thing so in all in all fairness that was more like my friends deciding to do something cool for me <laughs> well if if it makes you feel better uh by the time 2009 i knew who you were <laughs> so, Aww, I'm so uh, you, you're not that you're not you well to that be fair unknown. most people just knew who i was at that point because of brawl tons. like now that i'm trying to like market my official work everyone's like what I, i've never heard of you kind of thing oh <laughs> but at the time it was like because i was really active on newgrounds and stuff people were like yeah brawl tons. metal gear awesome whatever uh, yeah i okay. saw that in your uh in in your in your res- in your online resume for metal gear awesome i was wondering what that is it's a uh, it's a newgrounds skit i have to check that out <laughs> Yeah, I love, I I love just, yeah. So it was I've one of Vega all. Raptor's like first really big cartoons at the fu- time. Like now he's known for Game Grumps and all this other stuff. But I, yeah, I, that was one of his uh, first big ones. I remember when it uh, first came out. So you were in that. I did not know this. Learn something new every day, I guess. <laughs> Uh, Silver, you had a question. Well, I, I was. Uh, I, I'm, I'm amazed. You started voice acting when you were 16. Mm-hmm. Wow, man! Not oh. professionally, obviously, but that's when I started doing it as a hobby. No, but no. I mean, I know a lot of people who start when they're like 12 or 13. I wish I had been doing it that long. I, I, I would. I would imagine so nowadays because uh, the technology is readily readily available for people to put themselves out there nowadays. Yeah, as opposed and to now years there's ago. all these communities, and mm-hmm. so everybody can go online and try voice acting. And now, like, I don't know. It's like there's even paid work available for people who do it yes. online because now there's like indie games and you know Kickstarter and Indiegogo like that kind of stuff is really huge right now mm-hmm. so a lot of times you can even get paid if you're not living in the right area now you can't do anime you can't do like you know big name official games if you're not living in the right place mm-hmm. but the fact that you can actually like um for example a game that i had a minor role in called Dust yeah. that was um that was like an Xbox Live indie game kind of thing, mm-hmm. but the cast was from all over the world, like different mm-hmm. countries, different continents, and they all recorded by doing it online. What? But that was, you know, like an official, legit console game. So that was pretty neat. That's a Dustin Elysium Tale. Right? Elysium Tale, yeah, I, I've mm-hmm. seen it advertised. I had no idea that the cast was from all over, just just people who uh, were able to record, uh, I guess, from the, the comfort of their own home or from, uh, from all sorts of. Uh, different studios around that must have that must have been quite the effort to uh mm-hmm. to get everybody coordinated like that that's awesome <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous i think mm-hmm. i think crispin freeman mentioned that one time on his podcast but i have to go listen to that but i completely forgot that hey, that something like that was pretty diverse now that i think about it that's mm-hmm. pretty that's pretty cool yeah um, i just took a class with him um earlier this month actually oh, really nice i'm of- so jealous <laughs> Uh, yeah, his classes are really awesome. If you ever get the chance to take one, like I learned a lot and it was really cool. Yeah, he doesn't just hold uh, like uh, classes where like you have to go to a classroom like in UCLA or someplace like that. He does have online hosting classes, so that is an option for everybody out there who wants to check it out. Voice acting mastery by Crispin Freeman, ladies and gentlemen, look Hell it up. Yes. Hell yes! So I'm a huge fan of his podcast, so I listen to it every day. Yeah, definitely. Like. 
because even if people are like, well, I don't have money to take a class, which is totally valid. I wish I could take more classes, but it's like classes are expensive. Um, yeah, just like the free resources, like podcasts and stuff like that. And if you can, I highly recommend that anyone who wants to be a voice actor, especially if they're thinking about like, oh, I want to go pro and stuff like that. You have to take classes because it's just like stuff that it'll make you see things in a different way, mm-hmm. like see acting in a different way. Um, one of the things that I really liked about Crispin's class was that he taught us like his acting method. Oh. And I thought that was really neat because I'd only really been introduced to like one or two acting methods in the past. And so like learning his unique way of approaching a character or a script, that was really helpful to me. Yeah. That's that's really awesome. Uh, that leads into like a question since we've been talking about like uh, voice acting and like the process of doing that. I wanted to know like what was your I wanted to ask like uh, how are you how are you still very involved with uh, VAA? That's the voice acting uh, alliance if I'm remembering right because I actually went to a panel you once did like a 2000. 13 for a voice acting panel of people they actually get in do you hold those panels very often or do you uh take it every so often to actually do stuff like that at at expos and stuff like that well the thing is unfortunately is that i just can't afford to go to too many conventions i mean i go to like anime expo and anime la every year because they're local Mm -hmm. but it's like you know like when i first started voice acting and i was living at home and had like the money to fly out and go to all these conventions and stuff then it was really fun to do that but now i'm kind of limited to like what's within you know not breaking the bank like what's local and stuff like that so like um pretty much anything in the la area i'll do a voice acting panel if i can um anime expo it's really hard to get a panel at so i usually don't do anything special there i just kind of go and cosplay and go to jojo gatherings (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, made sense okay well that's good um sober do you have any other questions for kara i've got a a million questions uh (laughs) go ahead well um i'd like to know being that you were you came up in anchorage of of all places a place that i would i would see as isolated um you also came up when the internet also was in prominence so even though anchorage seems like a long a long way away to me there's you can you can get in contact with all sorts of anime communities all over the world thanks to the internet how was the anime scene in anchorage before you guys uh founded the uh the convention um for for uh I, I want to say SushiCon. It's not SushiCon, is it? It's a SenshiCon. Yeah, Senshi. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as in as in uh, as in the the Sailor Senshi, right? Uh, was yeah. was it named after uh, the the Sailor Scouts, or was it just? No, it was just like, oh, this sounds cool. Like Senshi <laughs> means warrior, kind of thing. You know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> we were all like otaku and stuff. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, I didn't get like really into anime till I was about 16 and then I oh. founded Senshikon the year after mm-hmm. so I don't know exactly what the scene was like but I do know at the time because there was our high school and our anime club and then like three or four at least of the other high schools in the area also had their own anime clubs yeah. so then for the following year we um we did it at the university mm-hmm. and I started an anime club there as well when I went to university and wow. um, we kind of like just got the little anime clubs connected and we had like a forum and stuff like that and there was a lot of drama I mean oh, that's no. like the one thing is <laughs> people are like oh yeah it would be really fun to staff a convention or this or that it's like okay no, it's but not. <laughs> drama like we called it drama con at one point nice. back then like now it's a lot more professional mm-hmm. but you know at the time it's like we were all like 18 19 years old I mean of course there's gonna be like 
conflict, you know. Yeah, a lot of egos clash and a lot of politics having to get through. Yeah. And plus, you, you're getting all these anime clubs together from different schools to come together to, to collaborate and put a con on. And I'm sure that there was all sorts of trouble from that, <laughs> to say the least. But uh, it's still awesome that you were able to get that off the ground. Uh, my, my kudos to you. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really cool seeing where they are now. Like, they're getting huge. Mm-hmm. What, what I mean, they have, like, um, my friend is actually going to be a guest there this year, one of my really good friends. And oh. in addition to her, they brought back our very first guest that we ever had. Because we didn't have any guests our first year because we had no money. But mm-hmm. the second year, we invited Caitlin Glass. Oh, and um, so, uh. so now what's really cool is they're bringing her up again as like sort of like an anniversary thing. Like, hey, what? you are our first guest back when we were tiny now. Uh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> she she can see where from where from what you guys grew from so that's that's pretty cool just to see the juxtaposition yeah, nice I think that's really neat <laughs> have, you had, have you had the chance to work work with Caitlin at all or uh, work in the same series that she's worked on as well no um she if I know correctly she still lives in Texas so oh, she does right. um she's on the Funimation side of things that's right that's right well um when you when you got into anime what was the what was the the bug that bit you when it came and when you got into anime what was the series or the very thing about anime that I got you into it. Well, as I'm sure most people can say, the first, like my very first introduction to anime, the thing that was like, wow, I want to learn more about this was when I was like 11 and found out about Sailor Moon. Oh, man. (laughs) An appropriate title. Yeah. But I didn't start like really, really getting into anime until I was about 16. And then I, you know, it was like a lot of the classic kind of stuff that I started with, like Evangelion, Cowboy Bebop, Trigun, Fully Cooly, like that sort of stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. I love when people call it classic. I remember it was new. Yes, I'm I'm thinking about that. I'm so old. I remember watching it in high school. Gosh. It's it's a wild perspective shift, but... And I kind of, like, fell out of anime for a few years because I was just, like focused on gaming yeah. but now like because of jojo i've gotten back into it because i'm like oh, anime can be fun again it can because <laughs> i was getting like sick of it for a while because it was like i felt like there were a lot of like cutesy shows and yeah. this and that and i just felt like i grew out of like that kind of like oh high school life kind of anime you know because i'm a grown woman by this point and i just like couldn't relate to it anymore kind of yeah. deal and then um i watched watamote and i actually really liked that because i'm like oh super socially awkward main character i can relate to this <laughs> um but then i found jojo and that just wow man like that ignited a passion burning like a sunlight yellow overdrive that was the nerdiest thing i'll say this entire <laughs> interview so please excuse me i appreciate it i do no fun. uh no fun. It's okay. We have a huge JoJo fandom that listens to this podcast. We so. do actually, and um, I, I guess uh, I remember from what you told us when you when you chilled with us on uh, JoJo with Sobro a couple weeks ago. You had mentioned that I guess the way you got into JoJo's Bizarre Adventure was um, you were cosplaying as Judy from uh, Street Fighter, and um, so when it I guess made the correlation between her and Jolene Cujo. And well, uh, yeah, people had mentioned it to me at the time, and okay, this is like really embarrassing, and you guys are gonna like <laughs> be like, wow, when I tell you this, but. But at the time, I had no idea what JoJo's Bizarre Adventure was, oh right? <laughs> so when a couple people, like, mentioned to me, oh, yeah, well, you know what character Jerry was based off of, right? And, mm-hmm. and Jolene from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And I was like, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? That sounds like some dumb kids show. Like, I had no <laughs> idea. It was actually, like, gory, like, manly, muscle men kind of thing, right? So I didn't think about it for, like, years. Mm-hmm. And then 
you know, like recently or well, like a year ago, a couple of my best friends were really getting into the series and they were like, oh, yeah, it's really good and this and that and you should give it a shot. And I was like, when they kind of explained it to me, I was like, oh, I don't know if that would be my thing, you know, and they didn't think it would be my thing either in all fairness. But they're like, hey, you got to give it a shot. You never know. So, you know, watched a couple episodes and this and that. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, and by the time like Joseph's part came up, I was like, okay, I'm like really getting into this. This is really good, man. And then finished Battle Tendency. I'm like, what now? Because that was before the Stardust Crusaders anime came out. Oh, yeah. And everyone's like, well, the manga's up to season eight. So I'm like, okay. So I just like started like marathoning the manga. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's the mad dash I made for it, too. When, uh, when I, uh, I, I got into it in uh, 97, 98 when the OVA became available, the old school OVA on oh, like, bootleg tapes. OVA. I, I, I dig it because that's all there was at the time. And then the Capcom fighting game came out and that cemented it for me. And then I just wanted to know everything about it. And there were a few scandalations that were being worked on. So I started to just slowly go through those. And then inevitably we get to this point where we have an anime series now. And it's just amazing how it's come from one point to the next. Um, when you think that you know it's it's down and out and you're never going to see an anime of it then it finally gets announced and then it airs and now we have uh stardust crusaders airing on uh t- on japanese television now and on crunchyroll and uh a, a test dub being released at uh, anime expo and since you were at the panel for that what did you think of it um i actually really liked it overall i thought it'd be super critical because you know being such a big jojo fan yeah. it's you know but i think it was it was good like i was you know worried that it would fall into the trap of the because <laughs> i'd watch clips from that horrible ova on oh my youtube gosh. and <laughs> you know what i mean it was like mm-hmm. oh no like not even like the cool like joseph like oh no or it's all charming but just like no emotion and stuff and yeah, um i just remember dope. there's this one horrible clip of whole horse where he's like ready to leave and it's like this oh it's like so like if you ever want to cringe just like watch clips of that but i mean in all fairness that was dubbed in like what 2000 so we've come a long long way since then and i think you know for its time it was probably pretty decent but now it's like our we've come such a long way that people can look back at something like that or like the old like zelda cdi stuff yes (laughs) wow it's an oddity it's a big oddity um you know, I, I, I was uh, collecting the DVDs as they were coming out, and I will tell you straight up, that dub is terrible. Even even <laughs> even at that time, sta- that standards of that time, that dub was one of the worst. We were so pissed at that dub. It's like, wow, they really just phoned it in. <laughs> well, yeah, I heard that they got, like, because they did it, like, somewhere that wasn't even, like, um, you know, it wasn't, like, in L.A. or Texas or any yeah. of those places where they have, like, actors trained in doing, like, the anime kind of stuff. So I heard they pretty much just got, like, like random commercial actors and things like that. And the yeah. thing is, those are two very different beasts that take very different skill sets. I couldn't necessarily do what commercial actors can do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the same time, it's, like, the will- the really well-rounded actors can do everything. And that's what I'm working towards. But, like, I'm a character actor, so that's... Like the side that I see of things, and then people would do like commercials and promos. Mm-hmm. It's different. It's about like selling the product. It's about you know like being relatable, that sort of stuff. And so if you take people who have been trained in that and try to have them like play a character, it's like it either goes super over the top or like not emotional enough. Yeah. A lot of the time, I've noticed. 
That, you raise a very good point about that, um, and uh, I, I, that explains a lot when it comes to that original dub. The, the new dub, though, I watched it, and I thought it was phenomenal. Uh, Richard Epcar being a part of that, playing Joseph Joestar, I just I want to see more of it. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I just, I, to, take it from me, who was actually at that panel as well, thanks to, uh, since I was at Anime Expo, I was sitting there, and I was, like Kara, I was actually going to have thought I was going to be care, uh, critical myself, but yeah. the, just to have that, you know that in the second episode where Jotaro has that big, huge speech about himself and he says i can't take this because you're you're just evil as himself (laughs) i i just couldn't believe it because like at that point i lost myself because that was when the entire theater blew up like (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i just couldn't help but think about everybody at here at gundam saying like there's nothing to worry about (laughs) everything's gonna be fine yeah i was really worried um before i heard it about jotaro because i just knew that with a character like that it could be so easy to underplay him and make him sound boring or overplay him and make it like okay this is like ridiculous you know what i mean it would be Mm -hmm. so easy to go too far in one direction and i think matt mercer just nailed it and i was really really happy with his voice and that was like the one that you know obviously he's the main character of that arc so (laughs) obviously that's the one that people are going to be most critical about but i think aside from him probably kakyoin and abdul were my favorite of the dub voices man they all they all were on song and I, i i'm campaigning for you to be a voice on that show too if they actually green light the entire series what we should would, get you to do Lisa Lisa what would be your dream character to play actually that would be my next question in um, Stardust Crusaders or the whole Jojo everything um, if, you, if you want you can you can name off any uh, any particular characters from any saga but uh, we'll start off with Stardust Crusaders there's not a lot of females in that one but I know there's yeah, a few female antagonists <laughs> that's why I said Lisa Lisa for the for, for the, the long future for the second series I mean I, I, I'm definitely vying well, for you to be well to be fair I think they would probably go with a more mature actress to play Lisa Lisa like yeah. I could imagine Wendy Lee or somebody doing right. her voice yeah. um, Mary Mary Elizabeth McGlynn would be my pick for her but mm. um, I mean I, I'm definitely campaigning for you to be Jolene but that's that's years down the road <laughs> I know that's the thing but here's the thing I'm hoping that you know by what five six years from now if they ever animate part six then I'll be like more established and actually have a shot at trying out for Jolene that would be so cool because this character is like literally me <laughs> it, it'll all meet up in the middle <laughs> you would be you would, be, you would be exactly like Matthew Mincer, who basically, when he first came to Anime Expo, he said his first anime he saw was was the original, as he stated, the original OVA that we talked about. Mm-hmm. And he talked about the fact that being now Jotaro now was kind of a dream come true almost. <gasps> that's so cool. Yeah, that, so that's awesome. I didn't even realize he said that. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, if you go back, if you go back to one of our to the voice inside the voice acting studio that I took from uh, Anime Expo, mm-hmm. he does mention the fact that he does mention that story oh wow so uh just check it out when you can so but to bring it back from jojo because i wanted to let it run for just a little bit Mm -hmm. well i didn't answer your question in all fairness (laughs) by all means please yeah yes (laughs) but i but at the same time i want to bring it back just a little bit because i wanted to talk about another series that's really close to my heart and that's five centimeters per second which is by far my favorite anime movie of all time (laughs) and that's 
and that goes a long way saying considering I'm pretty sure very few people know about it or own it nowadays because it's out of print. Oh man! So I'm kind of curious. You were still very young when you did when you did five centimeters per second. So I was curious. How did you? What was it like to uh, to actually get inside the uh, the mind of like Kaine's head uh, for for five centimeters per second? This is a question that comes from uh, Jay Steinberg uh, on Facebook, and he also asks as a follow up, what was the experience like doing five centimeters per second? Well, I was very young and very inexperienced when I recorded that. So I'm thankful that they were willing to put up with me and me being a total noob, like not necessarily a noob to voice acting, but a noob in terms to like being in the booth and like, you know, just knowing like how to be easy to work with kind of thing. As far as Kanaya though, I could really relate to her character. So I would say like acting as her was pretty natural for me because like, you know, there's some characters where it's like you haven't really been there or experienced what the character has. So it's like you're kind of it's a lot of like imagination and trying to like get in their mind and stuff. And there's characters that you just like feel and connect with. And she was one of those. So I think that was really helpful. Um, like in contrast, whenever I play a character who's say like a like a military commander or something like that, that's always fun, but a little bit harder to get into and make it realistic just because I don't have that connection or that experience. That's really that's really cool. Uh, I wanted to know, like, uh, in have you gone back to watch that show? Like, uh, or some of your earlier works that you've done? Like, uh to see if you found something because i recently just rewatched watched uh five again just to prepare for this interview and i'm i'm even surprised by how emotionally driven i am just hearing your performance because it's such a it's such a relatable story so yeah very relatable um i have it on dvd i haven't watched it in a while i guess i probably should go back and watch it at some point <laughs> uh i'm not forcing you <laughs> <laughs> well no it's like and here's the hard thing that, too, is, like, um, I have, like, you know, that on DVD and uh, several other things, like Blue Exorcist. There's a lot of shows that I'm in that I really want to own because it's, like, how cool is that to own, like, a physical copy of something you're in? Oh, but yeah. it's, like, anime is so expensive these days. I can't Ooh. always get the stuff that I'm in. I wish I could. But, like, you know, 60 to $120, it's kind of, like, I have to choose, like, which ones are my all ultimate favorites um blood lad which is another underrated series but one that i'm really proud of is coming out on dvd i think next month so i, I, I want to pick I know that it's, one up i know it's soon but yes uh um there is one i wanted to ask you an, another thing about a, a lead role that you actually did and Solberg can help me out here considering yeah. he watched the f- opening uh, uh, parts of the show and yeah. that is uh, Lagrange. Yeah, I watched, and, the, I watched the first two episodes and since our, since our podcast focuses on mecha anime primarily, I wanted to mention your, your role as uh, Madoka, the hot-blooded Madoka in, in, uh, it, uh, actually in um, uh, Lagrange, Flower, Flower of Renee, which uh, our viewers can watch on uh, Neon Alley and on Hulu and um, her character's kind un- of, she's kind of a unicorn in this genre and um, being a young female lead opposed to opposed to the angsty young male we're used to getting in this these kinds of series uh was it a blast planner and how was the experience it actually really really was mm-hmm. i'm sad that that show didn't take off like you guys are i think some of the first people actually like the first people have ever interviewed me who mentioned lagrange or bring it up really 
because really? yeah it's just something it's like no one comes up to me and says like I watched this or whatever and I wish they did because I had a lot of fun playing Madoka because she's like kind of a derp but in like a lovable way <laughs> And I just well, she, really like that because I feel like a lot of female protagonists in anime are just like too perfect. Yeah. They're like very much like, oh, I'm the president of my class and I'm super sociable and all the guys like me and I never make mistakes <laughs> and this and that. Mary <laughs> Sue's? Like, yeah. And I don't know. It's like that gets tiring because it's not relatable to, let's face it, the majority of people who watch anime. Absolutely. <laughs> so <laughs> it's. it's- Despite you know, what, how much they want to say so, they, they, it's not. <laughs> it's refreshing to see characters who are a little dorky in in a cute way. Like um, Anna from Frozen is another example, which is one of the reasons I loved Frozen so much. As oh, I'm yeah. sure most people, you know, <laughs> everyone's like, yeah, Frozen. I only met maybe two people who actually didn't like it. But. Oh, oh, <laughs> I, know, I know another two, so don't worry. <laughs> But, uh, we'll, we'll put them in their own town. They can take. They can keep to themselves. Yeah, <laughs> frozen town. Yeah, it'll just be like yeah, the frozen over. <laughs> so I, I, that's kind of curious because of the fact uh, nobody's uh, really approached you about that. I find that crazy because when I first met you at Anime Expo, like that was like the first thing I mentioned, wanted to interview you for because mm-hmm. that was such an amazing show. It's actually that show that inspired me to want to bring you on on our show uh, this, in the first place. So. That's yeah, kinda... I remember that because we talked about it what like a year ago, and then now we're finally doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I we wanted to do Lagrange on Gundam for a while, but uh, we uh, scheduling and you know Gundam beast in itself so uh, now that we are here we can at least talk about it in some capacity so yeah, now that i started now, watching it i'm gonna knock that show out so <laughs> if anything uh i i find i find madoka really really engaging and i like i like the challenges she's been presented uh granted some of the old mecha tropes are in, are presented in the show like her getting used oh, to yeah. piloting but her approach is what makes it fresh and new and your performance mm-hmm. as her is really is really exciting i i i, I tip my cap to you and uh what were you gonna say i'm sorry i didn't mean I mean, interrupt you. <laughs> um, no, I was saying the good thing about doing the interview now is now I actually have more roles I can talk about, like Doug and Rumpa and stuff like that. So it's like it worked out. <laughs> that's that's awesome. That's awesome. And that's awesome. Uh, Solo, do you have any questions about Skullgirls now that you think about it? Well, before we jump to that, out of all the shows, movies, games and web series and other projects you've been a part of, uh, what's your favorite one to participate in so far? Doug and Rumpa 2 and Blood Lad. Oh. And then one other thing that I can't talk about, which oh. just makes me so sad because it's like I would say that one in a second, but oh. But oh. I can't, and I'm like, no. Those pesky NDAs. Uh, <laughs> it's it's we all right. Fall, <laughs> we fall in bits into them. Hey, we and can at least talk about it some like, other time. I don't know if I can ever talk about it kind of thing, because sometimes oh. that happens in voice acting, too. Like, sometimes weird things happen with, like, licensing or this or that. Yeah. So it's like you don't even know if the thing is going to be released or if it's something like, for example, me and a whole bunch of other voice actors I know were in a web series a while ago that is out and on the internet, but they didn't credit the voice actors. So they're like, what? well, you guys can't really talk about it because 
you know, there's nothing like there's no there's the no proof to, like there's no necessary proof to to say that you were in the show. So am you, I right? you can't well, even no, we've been able to talk about other things that we were uncred like Dungan Rompa is uncredited, but the producers specifically said, Yeah, you guys can talk about your characters now at a certain time because you know, mm-hmm. everyone was like, Oh, who are the voice actors and are getting hype and stuff like that. But for like the web series, for example, I don't know what's going on with that, but it's like me and a couple of the other actors were like, I just I don't think we'll ever be able to put this on our resume. So I guess oh. Just move on. <laughs> is that frustrating? Like, uh, how, like to not be able to talk about it? Because I understand that obviously there's certain things, but what would lead somebody to actually say, uh, "No, you can't really talk about your your role in this in this said web series or show." After it's come out, I I honestly don't understand. Um, I totally understand why the NDAs are in place for say recording for a video game because mm-hmm. they don't want people giving away like details about the game and stuff before it comes out because the companies want to make official like press releases about that you know they don't want the voice actors going and leaking like oh yeah so this is what the name is being changed to in the english version and this happens and this happens and these are the mechanics like they want to also sometimes things can change like you can post for example if you could like post as soon as you got cast for something and say like oh i'm this character and then there have been instances unfortunately where the client decides they want something different after they have you in to record once or twice and they're like okay we're gonna go in a different direction and unfortunately that happened to me once i was recast for a a big thing i can't talk about and it's happened to several of my friends as well yeah so it's like, you know, in all fairness, I guess if we had been allowed to talk about those things right when we got cast, then it would be like, how embarrassing and disappointing would it be to have to update and say, oh, I'm actually not this role anymore. Oh, man. <laughs> that would be an and awkward also, situation. <laughs> yeah, I know for like big anime and stuff as well, they like to make it like an official cast announcement. Like, um, I remember when they were announcing the Attack on Titan cast, I mean, they, they did that one over in Texas, but um, they would like release it, like first they release some of the minor characters, like, oh, here's the cast for these characters. Mm-hmm. And then they would do like announcements every week or whatever until they announce like the big main characters and everyone was getting super hyped and so it's like a, a marketing thing as well okay absolutely okay. yeah they, they want to control the information that comes out and, uh, yeah. and and that way it doesn't get spun anyway but the way they want to spin it which makes sense they, they protect I themselves think that is like the best like way to describe when people are like <laughs> why, why do voice actors have NDAs blah 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 it's because the company wants to control the information that comes out in the time and way that they decide is best exactly. <laughs> that's like the best summary of it so thank you for that <laughs> oh no it's, it's quite alright oh, when videos leak you can see like after Comic Con every year videos get dropped from, uh, from, from panels and as soon as they get put up they get taken down <laughs> Because I don't want people to see them in their unfinished form. So it's just, yeah, NDAs exist for a reason. And as much as it can be frustrating to, I'm sure you and, and to, to fans of such projects, it's, uh, it's a necessary evil from what I, from what I see. But, um, thank you for that answer. And, uh, did you, did you think of a character from JoJo that you, uh, a dream character that you would like to play, uh, somewhere along the way? Oh, yeah. I had I had had my answers ready to that question when we were still on that topic. And I was like, wait, let me change the subject. The, the, the train left the station. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, it's OK. I'm but like, I could go through and tell you, like, which character from each arc that I wanted. To yeah, play, please, but... please. By all means. Go ahead. Go ahead. But to be fair, some of the arcs don't have a lot of women. So <laughs> sadly. Like... <laughs> OK, so like part one, I, I would probably be like. 
I guess I would be Arena or like Poco's sister. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Who I think is in the show more actually? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there aren't really a lot of choices there, but I could see myself playing either of them. Mm-hmm. Um, for battle tendency, realistically, I would probably be Suzy Q. Yep, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> I could just. I don't know. We kind of have like that voice type that I could match. Mm-hmm. Um, Stardust Crusaders, I would be Midler or possibly Mariah. Oh, Midler, she shows up for, does she show up more than once? I can't remember. No, it's just like a one-time thing. And if I remember correctly, they didn't even like show her in the manga. Like it was, um. Just a fighting game. Like you see her stand. Yeah. And then they actually like made a physical design for her for the fighting game. So I don't know how they're going to handle that in the anime. But if they have her speak, then I would really (laughs) like to play her. It'd be interesting to see how they play that out. What about, uh. Uh, you'll probably kill me for this. Well, what about Anne? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I certainly wouldn't have to act for the oh, oh my god! <laughs> like I, I don't think I really have like like her vocal tone is really unique. I don't know if I could match that. But we'll see. Part five. There's like no wait. Part four. I totally yeah, part, missed part. Four. Yeah, I was gonna say is like anyone in part four you're interested in. Part four in? is my favorite. Oh like, yeah, it's awesome. What am I thinking? Um. I guess Yukako. Um, I don't know. Yeah, Yukako's a good. <laughs> it's a good selection, I would say. I, I can't think of too I, many. I'm other sure females. I could do a decent Raimi as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. What? Uh, it, but yeah, that suffers from the same. Hardly any females <laughs> <laughs> until series six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know who I want to be for that. One. Oh yeah, no doubt. No, <laughs> we would uh, all want you for that one. So how about series five? Uh, I forget her name, but um, uh, the daughter of uh, the villain. Trish? Right? Yeah, Trish. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Trish would be fun. It's you're on part five. There's like all, all the no, no, no. I don't want to be Naranchia because Naranchia like has oh. to be played by a woman. Yes, so yes. I, I would love to do, and I've I've played little boys before. I'm playing a boy role right now for something, so I would love to do that. That's a nice pick, actually. This is a very nice pick. <laughs> and it would just be so much fun screaming Aerosmith all the time. Although <laughs> they probably have to censor the name. Oh, they'll probably change it. That that's heartbreaking. <laughs> Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, some of the censored names in the game just made me laugh so hard. Like, my favorite band, I'm like, they really couldn't... Uh. Mm-hmm. Like, I accept the, the necessary evil of the censored names, because at least we get the game over here. But I'm like, but my favorite band, they changed it to Green Tea. Like, oh, what is that? Damn it. <laughs> and then the best part is you can clearly hear him say, Green Day. Oh, yeah. Oh, the latest episode when uh, Steely Dan shows up. Yes, Dan. <laughs> Steel, I died. <laughs> it killed me. <laughs> well, how, how about a uh, steel ball run? Because that has a few more females in it than, than that the average one's easy. Lucy. Oh, I yeah, want to cosplay Lucy at yeah. some point. Like if I ever actually learn to sew, like Lucy is just awesome. I, I would definitely, um, I think aside from Jolene, Lucy would be like one of my top characters to voice in all of JoJo. Wow. Yeah, Lucy's a lot of fun, especially since she plays a, a big role in the final conflict. So uh, I know. I was surprised at like, without giving anything away, mm-hmm. I was surprised at how big of a role Lucy ends up playing in part seven. I thought she was going to be like a side character. And I was like, man, it's a shame when we get these cool female characters and they just end up being relegated to being like, you know, a character that everyone has to save sort of thing. But yeah. she was, wow, that was something. <laughs> It just shows that Rocky is growing as a writer too, so that's pretty cool. Uh, how about uh, 
how about Jojo Leon? Yasuho. I, that's another one that's like really up there. I just think <laughs> Yasuho would be so fun. And I already have a voice in mind that I would like do for What? her and stuff. Well, well, in 10 years, we'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll sound like a middle-aged woman. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll, be, you'll, you'll be able to dig deep. I'm sure you will. <laughs> Anyone else think part eight, Holly, looks just like Lady Gaga? And then the fact that they have a born this way stand is like, okay. It, it kind of makes me wonder if she, if Lady Gaga is knowledgeable of the series or um, if, if they'll ever collaborate sometime in the future. Because her, 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 uh, her dress style reminds me of JoJo so damn much. <laughs> I just <laughs> I know. I always like wonder about that. Like somebody brought up the point once um, because Vanilla Ice was doing a concert in Alaska and my friend yeah. was like I should just get a figure of Vanilla Ice and have him sign it and be like what do you think being this like this man in a leotard who's always like wants this vampire to date him kind of thing <laughs> it'll blow his mind <laughs> the Vanilla Ice figure is very um anatomically accurate shall really? we say really? <laughs> if you've seen it so <laughs> I, I almost wanted to say he would say I didn't authorize this <laughs> I know. That's that's why he's cool ice or just like iced in the old fighting game. Man, that hurts my heart. But <laughs> if anything, though, I, I wonder if I, I wonder if those paths will ever meet. But um, I, before we get into Skullgirls and fighting games, because I know you're a big fan of fighting games, <laughs> I, I read that you're a DJ also. Um, yeah, I'm kind of a noob at it, but it's oh. fun. My friend taught me because back when I was really involved in the My Little Pony community, I always cosplayed Vinyl Scratch. And yeah. I was like, okay, so I see all these people cosplaying her just like posing with turntables. But mm -hmm. like, to my knowledge, none of them actually like DJs. So I was like, what if I learn? That'd be really cool. Because one of my good friends at the time was a DJ. So I like went over to his garage where he had his equipment set up and had him teach me like the basics and this and that. And so for last year's SenshiCon, I got to play for the dance, which was really fun. Oh, right on. Well, who, who's your favorite artist and uh, who do you like to spin? Oh, like all sorts of stuff. I mean, I like a lot of like independent, like EDM producers and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, again, like when I was involved in the My Little Pony fandom, there's actually like, you know, like say what you will about ponies, but the music that comes out of that fandom is phenomenal. Like some of these producers, I'm like, you know, you have like so much talent. It's crazy. And some of them have gone on to do like bigger things. Like um, if you're familiar with the living tombstone, for example, he's like really getting up there. And um, I don't know, my friend Eurobeat Odyssey, he um, does like a lot of, um, he did some stuff for the initial D soundtrack over oh, in Japan. What? It is just crazy. That's wild stuff. I, I, I dig EDM. I saw a trailer for a uh, documentary that's coming out about EDM, and it looked phenomenal. Uh, I guess this is big EDM, um, uh, I wouldn't say convention, but concert or, 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 or music festival, and they light the sky up practically. Do you know anything about yeah. that? No, I don't. Oh, my God. But <laughs> I, no, just like talk of this just like brings me back to my part seven husbando or husbrando i should say <laughs> oh diego <laughs> <laughs> oh man that guy's a that guy's a card but man and i love that so, like i feel like that's like probably the first song a lot of people hear when they're like edm noobs just getting into it and mm -hmm. so it's like i always get it stuck in my head whenever they talk about his ability and i'm just like oh <laughs> Oh, Diego, why are you so hot? And then that 
that certain moment that I won't spoil for anyone listening who hasn't finished reading part seven, but that that certain moment where the thing with the stand happened, Mm -hmm. that was one of the few things I didn't have spoiled for me for part seven, because the downside to, you know, being active on a lot of like Jojo fan discussion groups and stuff is I had stuff spoiled for me before I was caught up. And I had a couple really major things from part seven spoiled for me. But then that specific thing (laughs) was a complete surprise when I came across it. And my friend was over at the time while I was reading it. And I'm like, (gasps) (laughs) he's like, what? What just happened? What just happened? And I showed him the picture. And he's like, oh, yeah, that was spoiled for me, too. Oh, damn. Well, it wasn't spoiled for me. I'm very lucky. And I'm surprised. Like, I am so lucky that it wasn't considering how much I Google image search Diego Brando like it's embarrassing if you look through my history mm-hmm. I am really really surprised I didn't see a picture that gave that away because wow that was so cool to see that. <laughs> <laughs> well I'm glad you had some surprises I know um playing I haven't finished all of uh seven yet but uh playing all-star battle I've had a lot I've had a lot spoiled for me <laughs> just by playing that yeah, game yeah I had a certain like there's a big spoiler with one of Johnny's moves for mm-hmm. part seven and um but I had already had that spoiled for me by other people. But part seven will make you cry. Like, just have tissues ready because you will bawl your eyes out. Like, wow. Uh-huh. I hadn't cried that much since, like, the end of part three and the middle of part two. Oh, you got me hyped for it now. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's one of the things I love about JoJo is it makes you feel. I mean, even, like, my grown man friends, like, mm-hmm. they're like, if you didn't shed a tear for Caesar, you have no soul. That's right. Like, at least one tear. <laughs> that, 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 that's real talk. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, man, I, I, uh, I love JoJo myself. I, I could talk to you about it all day. But I do want to bring up uh, another love of yours, which is fighting games as well. And yeah. um, how, you, how long have you been playing fighting games? Just out of curiosity. Um, since about the same amount of time I was voice acting, like, since really? I was 16, I started with, like, Soul Calibur, and, mm-hmm. now here's the thing that I'm sure that you can kind of relate to, like, mm-hmm. if you start with Soul Calibur, the inputs are, like, so easy. Oh, yeah. So by the time I tried playing something like Third Strike, I'm like, what is this Shoryuken oh motion? I can't God. do this. And I was playing on, like, a PS2 controller mm-hmm. at the time, because that was, like, you know, before I had a stick or anything like that, and... Mm-hmm. I was just like, this is so hard. Why is it supposed to be like a, you know, I know, I know the feeling. I can't even move of the character. I still can't play uh, uh, Street Fighter, Street Fighter to this day. At least not comfortably. I could play King of Fighters, but not Street Fighter. Hey, there you go, man. King of Fighters is not a bad game to get into, man. That's awesome. And it has Polnareff in it, or excuse me, Benny Maru. (laughs) It's got a ton. There's a ton of JoJo-inspired characters in fighting games themselves. Like you, you can go through the whole pantheon of fighting games and just see characters that are just based on uh, any uh, a ton of characters from JoJo. Uh, uh, What's his name? Uh, uh, Polnareff. He's represented by Benny Maru in kof mm-hmm. and then you got uh all sorts of characters but uh guile rose jerry yes yes absolutely oh, i cosplayed athena since um we're talking about kof like, really athena back in the day yeah it was like her 2002 version i believe with nice. like, the skirt and the yeah yeah because she changes outfits every every year so uh um, yeah so that's one of the cool things about her character and uh the course uh the cycle soldier theme song too yeah mm-hmm. it's fantastic and i also cosplayed um a character named akiha tono from a very very underrated game called melty blood which more Ooh. people need to play Yo, melty blood uh, oh man you are you are you are deep in the crates <laughs> 
that is that, I, I like that game a lot. It's it's a lot. Of, a lot of people find issues with anime fighters, but I always thought Milty Blood was a solid game. I, I have it on the PC, and um, I, I've always dug. I, I I'm no good at it, but uh, I, I enjoyed the design of the game and the characters and all that stuff. But you cosplayed as her, huh? Yeah, um, Akiha Vermillion, to be precise, with nice. the, the red hair version. My God. Um, I also uh, read up that you uh, not only um, were, of course, part of Skullgirls, but you also played Mai Fong in the Battle High series as well? Yeah, I was really sad that no one I know played Battle High because, I mean, it's only a dollar. Come on, people have no excuse not to buy it. And it's like, finally a playable character in a fighting game and nobody played it. Oh, hey, you know what? I'll pick it up just for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even and, and I use mm-hmm. I use ice attacks, so it's like Dio. Yeah, like exactly, exactly. Also. That Sub Zero yeah. type uh, te- <laughs> techniques. <laughs> you know what? You know what I think is just adorable mm-hmm. is um when you're playing as Phantom Blood Dio and like your opponent tries to super you or something and misses, he goes Hinjaku. Yeah. <laughs> So arrogant. So I was playing with my friend and I blocked his super and I'm just like, Hinjaku. And he's like, no, not Hinjaku, you, you little piece of crap. Uh, <laughs> the salt is real. But the funniest thing ever is um, I was playing against like a computer part three Dio the other night mm-hmm. and I was using old Joseph just for like the hell of it. For nice. Fun. Nice. And I did the oil drum thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so there's like this like this puddle of like tar or whatever on the ground. And Dio was doing that like you know that move that's like a counter move and he's like, he told the chance to go yard and he sounds so arrogant and he's like strutting forward, right? So he's just like doing that little like, oh, he told the chance to go yard walk and he looks so full of himself. He walks straight into the puddle, slips falls on his ass nice (laughs) and old joseph just looks like he's enjoying it too much and dio's facial expression when he just slipped and fell into that he looked so butthurt and he's like (laughs) 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 serves you right dio i mean you're hot and everything but yeah i've got to see that play out old koyasu that guy's that guy is a legend yeah So great. It is fantastic. And I found out that he actually voices um, a character from my favorite fighting game as well. And I was like, <gasps> now I can hear it, you know? What, in uh, Guilty Gear? Yep. Yes, yes. Speaking of which, are, are you pretty excited for um, Exert? Which is, like, I guess, oh, coming I'm on in a so few months. Oh, I'm so excited. And I'm so glad that I got a PS3 for my birthday so yes. that I'll actually be able to get it when it comes out. Hell yes, me too. I am I, I am psyched. And the fact that we'll be able to play cross-platform between PS2 and PS... Uh, sorry, PS3 and PS4 owners is a nice touch too but um, yeah. game looks gorgeous it really does and uh, a, a, another tip of the cap to you because Guilty Gear is not an easy game to get into at all <laughs> and the fact that you play who do you use in Guilty Gear? Dizzy and Slayer oh my gosh Slayer is awesome I, I like Dizzy too I used to use her in uh, XX uh, years ago but um that's fantastic. But Skullgirls, I definitely got to bring it up because you play the voice of one of the hardest damn bosses to beat <laughs> in yep. Skullgirls, Bloody that makes Marie. Me happy. Yeah, I mean, I you- wish she was playable. That's like the one thing because that's like my dream is to be a playable character oh. in a fighting game. Well, I hear they're working on making her playable. Is is that true? I don't know. I don't know if you've had not the that chance. I know of. I mean, I know I- she was on like the the voting thing mm-hmm. where you could vote for which characters you wanted to be added and of course i voted for her and like tried to get everyone i knew to vote for her but you know as expected people wanted the 
like the characters they didn't know anything about yet. They wanted yeah. the completely new characters. And I mean, I'm excited. Like, I'm excited for characters like Eliza and the fact that, like, Big Band makes a JoJo reference and stuff oh, yeah. like that. <laughs> I'm just like, I want to be playable, too. Aww. Yeah, she's 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 awesome. She's an awesomely designed character. I, I, I've got to say that um, you you really killed it as as her as her voice. And um, uh, what I was haven't it? played Skullgirls, but is Bloody Marie like an SNK boss? Uh, the, she, yeah, she, like, she's very. Said that's what they wanted. Oh yeah. To, like, I, I, I fear I fear for playing the game now. She's in that pantheon, most definitely. <laughs> Oh, gosh. <laughs> the, the tough stuff, as they say, quarter crunching. But, um, yeah, um, uh, you're definitely infamous uh, in, in my household because of that character. And uh, I, I, I will say that Skullgirls is one of the best design games out there. For anybody who hasn't picked it up, you should definitely give it a shot. It's on PC, Xbox Live, and PSN on all the different platforms. And a lot of great work went into it. Did you uh, – And it's going to be on PS4 and Vita in the future. Yes. Now. So yes. it's going to be on the newer platforms too. That's right. So it's going to be exposed to other people, and I hope people do dig it and check it out when it comes out. But what was your experience working on Skullgirls? Uh, did you uh, get involved with any of the the fundraising during uh, when they were campaigning for it to be at uh, Evo 2013? Unfortunately, like for the fundraising rewards and stuff like that, people mostly wanted stuff from the playable characters so it's like you know they were doing this promo where it's like oh you could get like a recording or a voicemail from one of the voice actresses and of course I volunteered like oh yeah I want to do that but like nobody wanted one from me they just wanted one from like the you know whatever character they mained or whatever so it kind of sucks feeling left out like that like oh well that is an awkward place to be because no one could play your character as of yet and uh, on the other hand it's like but but I'm Maria I'm, I'm the skull girl <laughs> well I, I ask our leaders to reach out to our listeners to reach out to Mike Z and tell him that you want Bloody Maria <laughs> to be playable in Skullgirls. I'll be the first to do so um, I can predict it now he'll be like wait did Kira send you <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my senpai just followed me on Tumblr. Oh, I am, I am very excited. Oh my goodness, your senpai who, who who's that in particular? Um, she goes by Silence Drowns on Tumblr. Oh, nice. And is like the best JoJo cosplayer, and has been making JoJo costumes for I don't know how many years now. And it's like I didn't like we met at Fanime and then like actually talked at AX, and it's mm-hmm. like. I didn't think I would ever meet someone who was as passionate about JoJo as I was. Oh because, like, let me tell you about, <laughs> about my JoJo problem. I've lost friends because my oh, friends dang. are like, you are too obsessed with JoJo and it's annoying. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'll try to stop. And then, like, but it's it's hard when you have such a passion for something and you don't have people to talk about that with. Because it's like the friends that were kind of into it, I would, like, talk about it with them. But then mm-hmm. they'd get annoyed, too, and be like, man, I like JoJo, but oh, come on. Haters. <laughs> and so, yeah, so meeting somebody who is, like, you know, could, like, theoretically just talk about it for hours and all, like, our crazy, like, theories and this and that and... Mm. Well, Solbro really cool. can well, Solbro can uh, can uh, can vouch for this, but he had to go through years of going through a, a JoJo fandom that wasn't really that big. Yeah, and people and people who did weren't really into JoJo until that anime hit, and everybody was in in into JoJo at yeah, that point. To me, it's awesome is- now because it was it was a desert beforehand. People, I would tell people about it, and it's like ah, I'll pass. And now the anime broke out, and now everybody's watching it. So it's like, man, this is this is so gratifying. <laughs> Which is really neat. I mean, the one thing that 
can be kind of frustrating with, you know, talking to people or making friends in regards to that is that people who have only seen the anime, that the anime is just such a small part of the JoJo experience. Like when you've read the manga, it's like there's so much more like world that's opened up and all these other characters and stories and stuff that you can talk about. And so, I mean, it's really, really great that the anime is coming out over here and like getting more promotion and stuff because then more people are getting into it. And I just hope that those people will eventually read the manga. You know, absolutely. Talk about all the things. <laughs> well, you're, well, with the help of JoJo with Solbro, that everybody can actually <laughs> join up. We can talk all about JoJo. There. I'm going to drop in the pond, my friend. <laughs> But but it, it, if anything, if it if it does ignite passions for people to be a part of that and to to talk about JoJo, which we do, um, I hope it goes well. And the, and you mentioned the manga. Uh, uh, it's great news that uh, Viz is re-releasing uh, series one and two um, very yeah. soon. And manga f- uh, releasing, I should say re-releasing. They never released them, but series one and two, and they re-released series three. So for people who are getting into watching the anime, so uh, it, it's just great to be in an age now where we have a lot of JoJo stuff coming at us and. Uh, that's pretty fantastic. Um, being that you cosplay as uh, Jolene, and uh, and uh, have you cosplayed as uh, uh, any other characters? I guess besides Jolene and uh, and uh, and Judy, uh, anybody in particular that uh, you uh, that that's, that you've dressed up as so far? Josie from Guild to Gear. Oh um, yes, as I mentioned, like Akiha and Athena. That's right. Um, I've I've cosplayed. I've probably done like a hundred cosplays in my life. I've done so many, <laughs> but I don't. The sad thing is, is I don't know how to sew. Uh, so most of my costumes are either they're like uh, pre-purchased, or I like take existing things and I like modify them. Like for um, when I did Sasha from Ace Attorney, I like nice. I guess you could say I made that, but it was more like I I bought a bunch of stuff and modified it and you know glued stuff and cut things and this and that. <laughs> um, So I want to, like, I took my first sewing class finally. I sadly can't afford a machine at the moment, Mm -hmm. but I really want to do, like, the, I guess, like, technically the Irene costume from part six with the sweater and the little hearts. Oh, yeah, gorgeous Irene. Hell yes. And, um... I also want to do the Jolene variation with the skirt because it's like, like I, I like my Jolene costume, mm-hmm. but because I bought it off eBay, it's like, you know, it's not custom fit. So it doesn't like fit me perfectly. And, you know, I'm trying to lose weight and get in shape so I can be more accurate to being a Jojo and embodying a Jojo mm-hmm. when I cosplay. <laughs> and, um, well, I don't know. I don't, it's very hard to get to that level of fabulous. <laughs> well, yeah, but I can at least make an effort i mean i have one friend who cosplays shadow dio and he is that level of fabulous no joke like stuff (laughs) well if if they're anything like the jojos i saw at the jojo panel i will they they have some really they have some really stiff competition no he was at the jojo panel he was like up in the front that the shirtless dio oh i saw him yeah yeah i saw yeah they were actually uh they were actually having a make-believe fight and yes nice i think i i saw him there yeah that's awesome yeah that's fantastic <laughs> well uh, uh, be, before we close out um what was what do you, do you have do you have any uh crazy experiences you've ever had at a convention uh any any notable stories that uh come to mind at all whether it be cosplaying or just doing a panel or anything uh, um that comes to mind at all um 
I don't know. I mean, I guess there's sort of a funny story from Anime Expo. Uh-oh. I don't know this if it's one, really funny or just th- this last one. Ooh. Or if it's just kind of like a dumb inside joke with my friend <laughs> sort of thing. And it's probably that. But um, <laughs> my friend was cosplaying Josuke for one of the days. Mm-hmm. And he goes to the coffee shop and he orders the drink and they ask for your name. So just like for the hell of it, he decided to say Josuke. And mm-hmm. they put it as Joe Suck on his drink. Oh, no. So there's this picture. I Oh, no. I reblogged it on Tumblr. And it's of like <laughs> me pointing at I'm Jolene. And I'm like pointing at his drink and laughing. And he's like, ah. like <laughs> <laughs> That's and awesome. then whenever um, we would walk around that day, people would like point at his hair and say different things. And a lot of times they'd compliment it. And he's like, no, I don't want people to compliment my hair because then I can't be in character. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> they get the opposite effect. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but also just walking around with, with that Dio cosplayer that I mentioned earlier. It was just really funny. The stuff that, you know, at a convention, a lot of people's... Um, I guess you could say, like, internal so, filters just go out the window, so they'll just say whatever they're thinking. Oh, yeah. Well, there's so, there's like, silly sides come up. Yeah. So I was walking with him to get coffee, and people would just randomly shout out, you have a really nice body and stuff. Oh, Jesus. And then, like, <laughs> oh, wow. and then we passed this one guy, and he just, like, he was, like, looking at him up and down, and he's like, damn, boy, you fit. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame them, but (laughs) it's just funny how many people would just, like, straight up, like, shout things at him. (laughs) That's awesome. People come unglued at conventions. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I remember when when everybody was finally got to autograph for a certain for a few people, they would get so emotional that they ended up hugging each other. I was one of them. Oh, listen, that even Dalo getting some love. Well, I get even I get emotional. Oh. But I, before we close out, I do oh, yeah, have some please. questions uh, here. Just some silly yeah, ones. I'm sorry for totally just like no, derailing no. to JoJo. Yeah, oh. that, I, that's a thing I do. Much appreciated. It's, Trust it's, me it's, on that. It's perfectly fine. Like I expected that towards the towards the end, and it was at the end. So we, I'm sure everybody appreciated their JoJo this coming out. So yeah, I know I, know I, I did. Then, oh, I now I'm like, oh, I should tell them the story about my Joe Star tattoo, but uh, another oh. time. Oh my gosh, which I think is awesome i always wanted that tattoo myself but uh i'm too cheap you think so like, i think you get it <laughs> yeah it did honestly because um of like the placing and the fact that it's small and simple it didn't hurt that bad like my navel piercing yeah because mm-hmm. i also got that to be jilly inaccurate i'm crazy but oh. <laughs> that hurt so much worse like my tattoo i mean it it hurt obviously they're sticking needles in the skin but it wasn't that bad like as somebody who doesn't have much pain tolerance i was fine getting that oh wow well man uh if anything I, i've never gotten a tattoo before so uh but if i am yeah, if I, my first if i am to get the tattoo i want it right 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 at the base of my neck where they have the the joe star star so uh i will definitely uh let you know if i get that and uh i'm sure yeah I'll, I'll, and the cool thing about that is that even if you know like i don't like thinking this way but you have to think this way if you're getting something permanent on your body i had to think okay well what if you know i'm like 40 years old and oh. jojo's not a thing anymore and i don't <laughs> like it will i still like this tattoo kind of thing because i mean yeah. that's just a thing you gotta think about when you're when you're getting a tattoo Absolutely. and um the the cool thing about that was like when i was like 13 i was like man if i ever get a tattoo someday i want a pink star because it's my favorite color and favorite shape oh, yeah. and i also like always kind of wanted a tattoo on like you know my upper back mm-hmm. and so when i saw jojo and got into it the fact that that was like it was like a pink star on the upper back it was like 
destiny. No ah. jokes. We have to get it. Yeah, Sono Chino Sodom Head. Awesome. <laughs> Joe, Joe. It all worked out. But back to you, uh, Dalo. Back to you. Well, okay. Um, I don't have any more JoJo questions. Uh, so I'm sorry. I, I you bastard. I it more than, than Valentine's D4C love train at this point. <laughs> but I appreciate the, the enthusiasm because it's good to have some JoJo love out here. Hell yes. But um, my question is, uh, this stems from when, uh, like something that came out like a little over a year ago, and that was Soul Saga. Uh, it's an indie game RPG game, which was, as anybody, uh, the way to describe it, it's basically a PS1 classic, basically. Anybody who plays who plays RPGs from like the PS1 era, it's basically designed in that style. It's going to come out for basically PS4, Wii U vita and all sorts of stuff i'm sure it's on steam or at least on its way to there but it's currently in development and i heard and one of the things that surprised me is like i heard that you were actually doing a voice in there or at least some sort of temporary voice for one of the characters in there so i wanted to know like what's your involvement with the with that kickstarter yeah um i was cast for the lead female character um to my knowledge it was just sort of like uh like the demo sort of thing like they cast for the Kickstarter video, but they might keep her voices for the actual game. Who knows? I don't know. I haven't heard anything about it in a long time. So I hope I get to stay on. That would be cool. But you just never know with things like that. Like sometimes you're like, oh, we'll cast like a temporary voice and then get more established voice actors. But the lead male was cast to Todd Habercorn. So it's like, I know they're going to keep him. I mean, they got it. But, you know, the issue with when somebody like me, who's relatively unknown, gets cast is sometimes... You are not unknown. I mean, come on. <laughs> In the grand scheme of things, yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> oh, so, you know, sometimes they they want to go with somebody who's more, like, well, established because hope- it'll get them more publicity kind of deal. Oh. Well, I hope they keep you. That, that, I hope that, so, too. Likewise. Because uh, that was one of the reasons why I, I took notice of the project. Aww. So, uh, that's... Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, I feel like people, I guess, just, like, be vocal with your support or whatever. It's the same thing. Like, I really want to go to conventions. Like, I mean, I go to them as an attendee, but I really want to, like, be, like, a guest at conventions like a lot of my friends get to do. But it's like, I kind of have to say, like, okay, people suggest me because it's like I email them trying to market myself. But unless, like, other people say, I want to see this person. Person, mm-hmm. then nothing usually comes of it so okay well i will be a little bit more vocal than with uh with anime expo considering this year i'm hoping to oh, well, get some- anime expo i'm not they only have like top of the line guests but i mean like smaller cons and stuff like that are usually more realistic like um mm-hmm. i don't well, know so just like heads up to everyone out there if you know like a, a local con or something and they're like who should we get yeah I'll definitely I'll keep, campaign for you in my neck of the woods. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll make. I'll make a. I'll, I definitely will try harder than considering. Like, yeah, like I, I, I mean, said, the big cons they usually don't. You know, because they can afford to get like voice actors from Japan. That's sort of, on a side note. If Iraqi ever comes to an American ooh. convention, I will like. Oh my! Uh, b- believe me, people have been asking me for Iraqi too. The immortal one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like uh, I keep telling them at SenshiCon, I'm like, man, we should like do a fundraiser to just be like, hey, you want to come to Alaska, right? Right? That would be cool. <laughs> you like traveling to different places. You could make part nine set in Alaska. Hell you could yeah. use this inspiration. Oh my Please gosh. come to our convention, and <laughs> you know, I will, I will be your liaison and take you to eat all the best food because I know he's a foodie like I am. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's true. 
I wanted to ask you about Blue Exorcist, Imozo, Imozo, which was also on Toonami, if I remember right. Oh, yeah. Bef- and yeah, bef- that was a surprise, because when we were recording it, we had, like, I had no idea anyways. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't expect that. I had seen it all on Neon Alley when I was a member of Neon Alley. So uh, I was just kind of curious, what was it like to play, uh, play her? Because she's, like, very Sundere towards uh, <laughs> towards Rin. And I'm, like, I really like her as a character uh, to... to not to a, to a great degree, I will say. So I was just kind of curious. What was it like the player, uh, somebody who was like very sar- sarcastic or just that like is my absolute favorite character type to play? No oh. joke. Like I'm really really happy. Like sometimes people say like, oh, does it ever like bore you to get typecast so much as Sundere girls? And I'm like, no. I I love playing that kind of character. Like the brattier or meaner. That it's funny. I'm not a mean person at all, but I love playing mean. <laughs> I just like like Sionji from Dagadaropa was just really fun because she's just so mean. Um, <laughs> Must be an like outlet. To me, playing a character who's like really nice and sweet and shy, like that's. I mean, it's it's fun to have that experience because it's a challenge. But that'd be boring if I was always playing that character type. Like I like to play characters who are just like you know snarky yeah. and <laughs> yeah. Dastardly. And then, yeah, and then it makes it all that more fun when they have their emotional moments. Like you, like for me, a really fun moment just in terms of this is what challenges me as an actor sort of thing was um, because most of the time when we first meet Izumo, she's very like, oh, you're such a klutz and stuff like that. Like <laughs> she just seems like she really doesn't care about anyone around her. I mean, you know, she cares about Paku, but it's like she seems very like closed off, like, oh, I don't need anybody. And people are just an annoyance. And my classmates are idiots kind of thing. But then when you see her have those vulnerable moments and she really breaks down, I think it makes it that much more powerful because it's like, wow, this character is like shedding like her tough exterior. And especially when she says to Rin, like, I don't want to let you see me cry and all that kind of stuff. That's like, yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a it's a it certainly is a different perspective on her character, to say the least. I remember that moment. And of course, like the next episode when she says, like, here's a shirt back. Uh, thank you for everything. Don't think it means anything. Was it really that exactly. stinky? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my favorite moment when he basically when you basically tell him off it, it, it was and you just watched it because it was stinky. And he's complaining about. Is it really that stinky? <laughs> yeah. So, it basically seems like a, I don't know, like almost like a defense mechanism. She's like, oh, I don't I don't want you to think I'm a loser or vulnerable. So here's your shirt and it stunk. So you're welcome that I washed it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate that. One final question. And this is my final question, which is, uh, and this is just Are you a, sure? Yes, it's very. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I like to think it is, but uh, I and it's just a silly question. It is like of all the characters who who you play, do you, is it, do you ever find yourself you wishing you would ship a character and hope that they get together in the series or from other shows that you've done? This is just a really silly mm-hmm. question. I'm sorry. This is just my pure fanboy moment right now. <laughs> well, it it just depends. Like I tend to do that more with like something that I'm watching because the thing when I'm recording something a lot of times you get like bits and pieces of the story so you don't get like the full experience of like being immersed in it as like a viewer or reader Mm -hmm. until maybe like after the fact if you go back and watch it um so like I can say I've definitely done that with with other things I've read that I haven't been a part of um maybe like once in a while with my characters like with um the show Blood Lad that I'm always 
trying to promote because it's good and it's it needs more love. Um, of course. My character has a thing for the main character, and he he doesn't like her. He likes the other main girl, and so she's always like you know kind of doing the same thing, like sometimes being mean to him and getting frustrated because she knows that he doesn't like her that way. But it's kind of you kind of like root for them to get together because you're like, oh, but it would be cute and. They would probably fight all the time. But it would be cute. <laughs> I find it amusing. Her name is Bell Hydra. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, Hell Hydra. Hell. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but if that's the case, then I, I'll I'll cheer for them too. If that makes you feel better. <laughs> but seriously, I think it's also you. because the the main character Bloodlad Staz reminds me a lot of Car Cat from Homestuck, and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> There you go. I would totally ship, like, my version of myself with Carcat or whatever. I, I don't know. That's my fangirl talking, too. But <laughs> Well, again, thank you for, for everything that you've done in your life for, as a voice actress. And, again, thank you for doing five centimeters per second because that that's an emotional movie that had a real big effect on me. So I always think about it, and thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kira, you're definitely the genuine article, it, and uh, I, I, I really uh, uh, this interview has been awesome. I, I wanted to know: Are there any uh, current projects that you want to let people know about that they can check out or, or look that, for that are not under NDA? That, that, are, that are not under NDA, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> that we that we can um, openly Blood talk Blood about. DVDs mm-hmm. coming out soon. Oh. Um, Rompa 2 is coming out soon as well. There's another NIS game called Fairy Fencer that me and a bunch of my good friends are characters in um what else what else can i talk about i'm trying to think yeah i mentioned that obviously Uh, (laughs) Mm. that's like all i can really think of at the moment (laughs) i want to i want to i want to let people uh know to make sure to check kira out on asmodoka on uh, rene no lagrange Currently airing on uh, Neon Alley and Hulu.com. You can also face off with her as my my Fong in Battle High 2 and Bloody Marie in Skullgirls Encore. Uh, and uh, I also follow her on Facebook at uh, Facebook.com slash Kira Voices. And on Twitter at Rina Chan. That's R-I-N-A-C-H-A-N. Any other ways that they can uh, they can they can contact you or, 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 or check out your work as well? Any other websites? Um, I mean, I have a Tumblr, but my Tumblr is just like me being a fangirl and just really, <laughs> you know what jo- I mean? It's, it's like JoJo I don't even stuff. put my real name on my Tumblr because oh. it's like okay, this is just my face where I can be an unapologetic fangirl kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's what people people dig that too. So uh, if anything, uh, 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 what's your what's your Twitter? Uh, sorry, not Twitter, but uh, your Tumblr. Your Tumblr. Miss Rena Chan. Oh, cool, cool, awesome, awesome. But Dalo, back to you, sir. All right. Well, again, like I said, Kira, I thank you for being on our show. It was very much a dream come true for all of us here at Gundam and myself included. Absolutely. And we hope to someday maybe have you back when you have more roles to talk about, especially if when, especially when we can talk all sorts of like JoJo stuff and uh, <laughs> when you finally become a playable character in a fighting game. That's and- right. <laughs> and more JoJo stuff, and of course, when you get another lead role, and more JoJo stuff. <laughs> so I appreciate it, it, it all, all the same, Kara. And I thank you. And I'm sorry it took so long to get you on Gundam. I, I but you never left my mind. Just so you know. So thank you very much. And with that, we will cut it out from here. We will be right back. You're listening to Gundam MHQ. Oh! <laughs> 
Where's Sumire? She went home. She said she only came here to see that you were all right. Gun Damn, the babe's leaving already! You didn't tell her anything about me, did you? Let's see, I think I mentioned that you're so behind that you needed to take summer classes or else you'd fail out. And of course I let her know that you had severe diarrhea last night. You got a problem with that? Greetings, I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. We're looking for a few good new types. Over the last couple of months, the Gundam Nation has been getting together to play Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme Versus. We call those sessions EX Versus the Gundam Nation. Well, we as a group recently upgraded to the sequel to Extreme Versus, known as Full Boost. We're inviting you to come on out and play the new game with us. Even if you don't have the game, you can watch our live stream and also join in the conversation that we hold on Skype during the stream as well. It's not only a gaming session, but a social event for mecha and anime fans as well. If you have the game, you can add the PSN ID, the Gundam Nation, which is the tag that we use to network all the players for the sessions. Also, make sure to add to your Skype the contact of Shinjuku-Station. So you can have a chance to join the Skype conversation during the stream. If you want to watch the stream live, make sure to head on over to twitch.tv slash fighters ready and follow us there so you can be alerted to when our streams begin. If you missed any of our sessions, head over to youtube.com slash and you'll find a lot of our sessions that we've already had archived there. Just be in mind that the conversations held in these sessions may not be safe for work. For more details on the event, make sure you visit Gundam.net and click on the EX versus the Gundam Nation section. If you enjoy the game, the podcast, or Gundam in general, then you owe it to yourself to come on out to EX versus the Gundam Nation. We'll see you there. Kigley. It was an accident. That's okay. We'll just say you tried to catch a cab. Welcome back, uh, and as promised, uh, we're going to be having a review hosted by uh, Anime Movie Night's own Shoji Ramaru about some Alien Defender Geo Armor Kinshin course. So, show uh, we pass it on to you. Thank you for uh, doing this, and we can't wait to hear about some uh, Kinshin course. Oh, no, no, thank you. Thank you, Neo. Thank you, Sobro, for having me on the show to talk about this anime that's uh, always been a favorite of mine. But as uh, Neo just said, uh, I am here uh, to talk about Kinshin Core, also known as Alien Defender Geo Armor. Uh, it is based on a series of light novels drawn and written by Masaki Yamada that ran for about 10 volumes between the years of 1990-94. Hmm. But, as we said, this is a segment we're going to be focusing mainly on the OVA series that 
uh, runs for about seven episodes at uh, 30 minutes apiece. And these were released back in 93 and 94. So it ran in between those two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I'm going to read the description from the back of the actual DVD case that I own. <laughs> so this is something we always do on Anime Movie Night where I actually own no everything that we show. Who knew? So here we go. <laughs> So here we go. 1941, the Nazis have joined forces with the ruthless alien invaders in a bid to conquer the world. And only the valiant actions of a small band of heroes and their armored giants stand between humanity and the brink of oblivion. From the Manchurian Railroad to the heart of Europe, the international organization uh, known as the Kishin Corps counters the attacks of the Japanese army and plots, uh, and plots by the German spies leading up to the final confrontation between the behemoth Penzer Knight and the four Kishin robots. And that description really glosses over a lot of things, but it don't worry. It sure we'll, does. We'll, we'll go into a little <laughs> bit more as this segment goes on. This uh, anime was produced by then Pioneer, which we all know as Genion. Mm-hmm. It is co-directed by Takakashi Takaki Takaki Ishiyama. I'm, I'm probably ruining these, these names as bad as Neo does. Takaki 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 uh, Ishiyama and Kazunori Mizuno. Mm-hmm. Uh, character designs are by uh, Masayuki Goto, which I looked at a lot of his past work. I haven't seen a lot of them, but I do know one of them was Mage. So Ooh. a lot of people may have seen that. Mm-hmm. Uh, music is by someone that I know a lot of us has heard is Karu Wada, uh, yeah. which sounds uh, should sound uh, similar to those fans of Three by Three Eyes and yeah. Yasha. So when you guys saw this, don't tell me that music didn't remind you of those because oh, it's yeah. the same guy. It did. Uh, mechanical design is by Takeshi Yamazaki, and other than that, gave you some of the background behind the people that worked on it. I should also note that um, after they brought out the OVA, they did uh, a short like manga run oh. of the series, and it was uh, drawn by Shuhei Oka, and it was publicized in the Monthly Shonen Captain for three volumes in 94, 95. Oh, man. So they actually did a manga for this. Dude, I want to uh, read that. <laughs> early after the OVAs came out. But mm-hmm. yeah, man, I would also go into the freaking voices that showed up in this ship but there's so many characters in here i'm sure you uh Solber will bring up some voices oh boy. as he goes over his feelings of the show itself <laughs> but um i guess before we go into uh our reviews and stuff i would also uh, point out that uh i personally came across kitchen core uh on vhs back when i was renting and copying these movies back in the mid 90s oh man the old bootleg and days yeah, man, I remember when I first saw it, I'm like, holy shit, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. The music, the characters, the story was good. You had fucking Nazis and aliens. Mm-hmm. And you have mecha designs that were, like, antiquated as f- <laughs> And it was, like, it was pretty damn unique back in the day. I remember mentioning it. Uh, I know, I want to say, you might have to remind me, I, did I bring it first and you watched it with me? Or did I just, or have you seen it so, bro? No, I, I, I watched it at your house. Um, because you got it on DVD, so um, we we I'd always seen promos for it on the Pioneer uh, tapes and whatnot, and I always thought it was a cool show. I still remember the trailer to this day, and um, I always thought it was an amazing, uh, amazing series. It had a lot of, it seemed to have a lot of um, a lot of character to its design and the concept behind it. So I always wanted to watch it, and when you finally got it on DVD, we watched it at your house. So um, it was years ago. Oh my god, a long time ago. But uh, I dare say we even mentioned it back on Flip the Script days because I remember mentioning it in front of Neo. Oh yeah, Neo had said that he's seen it before, but it's been so long. Mm-hmm. And before he moved out to California, 
I uh, lent him the DVDs so he can watch those mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then even back then, we always said, one of these days, we should talk about this on Gundam. Yes. And here we are, guys. Oh, my God. How many episodes? This is episode 100 and what? It's 147 episodes in the making. We're on 148. Holy God. It's like 148 episodes, and I am finally here. <laughs> talking about an anime that we've always said that would be interesting to talk about. Well, believe me, this isn't the first one that we've said that it's taken a while. <laughs> and believe me, there's some other ones that we have not, um, we haven't done. Yo, uh, didn't any Oregon anyone? <laughs> yeah. That was a while ago, and it was there was some there was a show was show was a busy 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 person back back at that time. So the schedule got in the way, but um, I'm happy he's here now, man. And it, it it's 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 been a long time coming, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to talking about this. So now that I read the description for the back of the case, should I attempt to try to describe it in my own words? Yeah, sure, <laughs> absolutely, or, some, or just some key points that you have. I mm-hmm. mean, however you want to do it. The show obviously it takes place during World War Two. Uh, did the back of the case even say that? I mean, we assuming because it, <laughs> it says Nazis, but I don't think it even said once. It takes place during World War II. Mm-hmm. Now think, the kitchen. I think they try to be the way that they do the dub. At least you get the impression they're trying to be kind of uh, neutral, you know, mm-hmm. because it's one of those weird. This is always a touchy subject, especially yeah. since it's being handled by the Japanese. Yeah. And what's interesting, because I'm going to get into this, um, Kishin Corps is the main team that they focus on. And what the Kishin Corps is, is uh, it's literally a, a military that's in, the Jap- in Japan, mm-hmm. but they separated themselves from, you know, the Axis. Yeah. yeah. They're not part of the Nazis. They're, technically, they're not really part of the ally no i I think they go the kitchen core themselves have one purpose and is to protect defend mankind from aliens right and so that's what the kitchen core is and their main rival is actually a japanese evil team man i'm saying good and evil because when you watch this show it's ridiculous you literally (laughs) have these character designs of these good guys and then these evil designs of the bad guys they're literally opposites yes <laughs> the show when you watch it is so cartoonish it has a lot of charm and character to it so mm-hmm. the bad people their army is called what the kanto army the kanto army yep yeah. that's mm-hmm. it and they are working for the nazis they are working under hitler but they kind of doing their own thing in japan mm-hmm. trying to collect these modules that um is needed in order to power these things called Kishins. Now, this is where it gets confusing because you got the main team called Kishin Core, mm-hmm. but both sides are using the term Kishin, Kishin. Yeah. to uh, name the mechs yep. that they pilot in the show. Kishin Core already got three of them. <laughs> the good guys are already ahead. This is the funny shit about this show. The good guys are already well off. <laughs> Already ahead of the game, right? Because remember, they're trying to fight the aliens. There, that's a whole nother situation. While the Kento army is trying to get this technology in order to, you know, to give it to the Nazi, the Third Reich, so they can have their own mechs and shit. Mm-hmm. But the whole time, both of them are dealing with these alien pieces of shits that explode <laughs> when you shoot. Them. How inconvenient! <laughs> so. Uh, 
and so that's pretty much it. You got these guys to defend the Earth from aliens, but then you got the bad Japanese Nazi guys that are not really so much fans of the Nazis. I don't know, it's weird. Mm-hmm. And then they're trying to get these modules to power their own Kenshin that they can't even fucking get yet. Oh yeah. And but every time these modules even fire up, the aliens decide to fucking crash the party. And then between all of this crazy shit happening, of course you got the war orphan. Oh, yeah. of course. You gotta have Always. this kid show up, you know, which is funny because this kid starts out in the in the beginning of the anime. He's he, they literally draw him and animate him like oblivious as f- <laughs> of the shit that is going down. He looks like he's part of a rich family, which literally looks like he's a Wayne. He looks like f- little Bruce Wayne. Nice, <laughs> you know. Oh, and this the show f- throws you right into the action. You know, he gets sucked into this whole thing. He becomes a war orphan. He, uh, he joins up with other war orphans. And then he en- eventually gets part of the Kishin Corps. And then we ride with him through the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. And not to get any more in detail, that's some of the stuff that goes on in the story. I mean, it's what makes it so unique, as uh, Neo and I will agree, is probably what his favorite part of what the mechs are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, These bitches are not computer-assisted. Uh, Analog. There's like a whole team of people, and that's my oh, yeah. favorite part of the Kitchen Core is that it's a team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got the you got the colorful people in the foreground, but what makes this show so appealing is the amount of people you see in the background busting their asses to make sure that these meg pilots are up and running. Mm-hmm. They're not, and a lot of them start to stand out. They all have kind of a cool design to them. Yep. So it's like everyone is a character. They may not say much. But you can see the amount of uh, shit they're putting into it to make everything work. And so they got tons of people putting in so much power and juice just to get these damn things started. Mm-hmm. You see these guys literally winding shit, like moving things, really busting their ass to get these mechs up and running. They are. It, it, it's quite the endeavor for them to get those <laughs> to get the suits moving. It's like, like a combination of like steampunk and, hy- and like super hydraulics. Like just impossible hydraulics, but they managed to do it, and it's like having they they needed a massive pit crew to get them moving. It's it's awesome to watch. And then, yeah, it's just not only is the rest of the kitchen like characters, it's also the vehicles they use. Now, yes, there's a um, series of mechs in here. Uh, if I can remember them, there's a Kitchen Thunder, mm-hmm. which is piloted by Borejo. Right. Yeah. Uh, she's the female one, and you have Dysok. Mm-hmm. He's the one. He's the one with the Kishin. I can't remember what it's Dragon. Called. Dragon. Mm-hmm. Kishin Dragon. Yeah. And then you have uh, Kimiko. It's got uh, Kishin Win. That's it. You've got Kishin Win. So those are three. And then the main character, the kid, uh, the war orphan. Uh, his name is uh, Taishi. 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 Yeah. Takamura. Mm-hmm. And eventually down the road. What is another cool thing about the show is you see this um, him evolve. Yes, throughout the show. I mean, and actually grow. So I, never because... say, I never say he was. He doesn't come off as annoying right off the bat, like in a lot of other mecha shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's oblivious. There's a lot of things he's learning. He does stupid shit, but at least as the show progresses, you know he's actually trying. And I think the span of the show itself, it's two years, maybe three. I think it's three. Yeah. yeah. You know, so he comes in probably like 14, 13 or whatnot. He's damn near 17 at the end. Mm-hmm. And you can actually see the these kids, some of the kids uh, in the show actually redrawn as being, you know, a little more, a little more mature and older. Yeah, they actually age, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> 
And over the seven uh, episode run, it, they, it never really feels slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, there might be a moment here and there when we're focusing on some back uh, backdrop characters. I mean, for fuck's sake, Albert Einstein's in this. Yes, it, yeah. <laughs> that tickled me pink. You know, and Ava, just, a- Ava Braun and her twin sister Maria. Mar- which, Maria. She don't even know if that's even true or not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I know, as I was saying earlier it's like this is a show that should not be taken as a history lesson they took oh god no they yeah. took quite a bit of liberties of uh, this shit that happened during world war ii for fuck's sakes you got a japanese team of goodies with mechs fighting an evil japanese team of their uh, exact off of sits fighting a bunch of aliens that eventually at the end team up with Nazis. The Nazis get their own goddamn kitchen, mm-hmm. which pissed off the guy that ran the Japanese team. <laughs> <laughs> and then they got this whole other shit that's going on. So, um, that's without going much deta- details into the story, that's about what you can expect. So, if you, any of that shit sounds interesting, definitely gotta check out the show. Is there anything else that I might have missed on describing the show itself before we were we go into I want to no. say, let's go into the voice acting, the dubbing. Well, I mean, we could go into maybe, um, before we go into that, maybe uh, some quick uh, thoughts with maybe Solbro and myself, just of, of anything that stood out with us mm-hmm. when it came to uh, the, uh, the show itself. So. Well, well, Neil, your thoughts, sir? <laughs> well, I remember seeing this a, lo- a long time ago, and I don't think I ever really finished it. In, I, n- I don't think I saw it in a succession or anything like that, but I, it, what always stood out to me was these mechs that are very, um, you know, very analog, very just very crude in it, the World War II setting. And when Sho had mentioned about this, I was like, oh, my God, that sounds freaking familiar. And then as I got into it, I was like, oh, my God, this is just really amazing. And I think what really stands out about this is, you know, there's always these, um, you know, we've seen it in comic books and whatever. There's always this thought back in World War II because uh, Nazi Germany had like a lot of these fantastic weapons and stuff. There's always this like conspiracy, I guess you may think, or some, some theory that, you know, they had alien help. And it's like this story takes upon that story note and just puts it in a whole different way and uh, yes it is it is kind of interesting where you see how the kinshin core works and you know you can definitely see that this is a japanese produced ova in a way that they're trying to hey you know not everyone was bad during that whole situation or not everybody was with imperial japan during that whole situation mm-hmm but um you know i think probably the thing that really stands out about is you have a situation where you have a team and they really are all a team because as you can see especially with the uh penultimate uh you know fight with the panzer knight it's all the mechs all four of at this point all four uh kinchins from the kinchin corps that have to sit there and try to fight this thing because they they just on their own they can't do it and you see how they grow as a team, and you can see how, like Sho had stated, a guy like Taishi, who's just kind of like this naive, dumb kid, and at the beginning, whose family's like kind of taken away from him, he grows into really kind of understanding what his role is and what he needs to do. I mean, he makes some dumb mistakes and stuff like that, but um, unlike you know, that, a lot of other mega shows, he was quick to become a team yeah. player. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, 
and and the fact that it, it, not only the emphasis on the mecha team, but like Show had stated too, the the support team, because you know we 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 <laughs> we've guys. seen in we've seen in a lot of these mecha shows, you might have like one or two you know uh, support guys that are kind of highlight. Usually, like the chief engineer, kind of the you know kind of the Scotty syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah, Scotty's the chief engineer of the enterprise, but there's all these other people working underneath them. So it's like yeah, he's the miracle worker, but who's really doing the work in the end? You know, and 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 that's that's the thing that you get with Kinshin Core is you see that you know to launch these mechs, it takes uh, many people to get this done. And it takes a lot of energy. I mean, th- these things are powered by uh, the, this thing called the module. Mm-hmm. And just to get the module running, they have to get to a certain point of like electrical en- energy to get this thing moving. So they have to get to a point and it, we see like at the final battle, they can't get enough voltage at one point to get the uh, kitchen thunder started up. <laughs> so, because one of the one of the power generators has been damaged and, you know, it's that that's the thing. And um, you know, it, and it, it, it it's just it's it's a good take on a a period of time that people know a lot about World War II, uh, but it's it's what just makes it so great is it's it's a different take of Mecha in general, and I guess you could kind of classify it as steampunk, but in a way, it almost seems like Kitchen Core seems to me like a bridge between steampunk mecha and mecha that we think of because you can see, yeah, they're not computer driven and they're, you know, they don't have, uh, you know, some of the, some of the things that normal mecha that we think of like Gundam or Macross or whatever like that. But then they're not all like completely steampunk where it's like they're powered by steam or some type of crazy contraption that's just, you know, these are electrical and they have a power source and stuff like that. But it seems like it's almost a bridge. And there was not like really a lot of Victorian themes. Yeah. You know, that steampunk seems to utilize... It seems like uh, steampunk on the, on its way out into the modern age is what it seems like. It seems like a it's like it's a bridge. Yeah, it's, it's a bridge. Like industrial revolution style to yeah. it. Very oily, greasy. Yeah. Look, it's like whatever technology we've seen in a lot of even in like Captain America. You notice all the technology they use for like the Nazis were using. That's a that's perfect example. Of, yes, that's the kind of look they were going with this. Yeah, it, it seems like it's not out of the reality of what could have happened back in that time Mm -hmm. and it's it's not overly complicated and 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 it just seems like in a way too because it's a war effort you can see that they kind of uh slap things together because if you really look at like the makeup of like the kinshin thunder and the you know the dragon and the wind they're very much like vehicles that they were taking like kinshin wind is the flight mode so you can see it's got like bomber wings on it and, it, and, it, and, it, and, you know, they take pieces from existing uh, weapons systems and things like that and kind of put it together. Uh, Kinchin Dragon is the underwater mode. So mm-hmm. it's got like, it seems like it has like the, the, the front part of, um, what was that, the bow of a, of a submarine. I may be wrong because I'm not a naval guy, but I think that's the front part of a submarine. It's got those like on its shoulders and stuff like that. And I mean, Kinchin Thunder, it's the land mode. But it's kind of crude and, you know, it, yeah, they have eyes, but basically the eyes are just windows to the cockpit, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so it, it's, it's, it's very crazy like that. And it, and it, but it's, it's, 
it it's has a you sit there and you're like yeah this is a fantastical thing they are um fighting aliens with mechas in world war ii but you almost sit there and you go wow it doesn't seem like that out of reality that something like that could have happened back then because they're not fantastic machines one thing you wonder is how did they get the resources (laughs) well i mean it's a wartime economy so everything's based on that point so i mean you have to remember i think the i think they've said like the last the last year of World War II for the United States, the war effort was 125% of GDP. So, I mean, that's, that's probably the way they do it. But, um, but yeah. Some, me, are, there's, there's a lot of questions I, I want to bring up, but not till after we hear Soul Bros. Yeah, definitely. Soul thing, Bros. But there's a, lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of things about this that I, I, I question. But anyway. Soul, Soul Bros. I, 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 I love... Uh, fictional retellings of historical events and watching this series I was so giddy with watching uh, World War II reimagined as a conflict that involves not only the Axis versus the Allies but then you have this third party group that is kind of a culmination as show mentioned of different nations from what I remember in uh, in the series it said it was a, a, a group effort by the US Britain, France and Japan uh, and I think it was established before um, World War II started uh, when they knew that there was an alien threat. So it, it preceded it, but they definitely were on the minority. Uh, um, if, if people want to know about the politics of this series, yes, it doesn't gloss over that uh, the Nazis were actually persecuting the Jews. They've mentioned that yeah, in an episode. Mentioned they mentioned that. So they keep they keep it real with what's going on, but the Kishin Corps themselves are independent from the Japanese government. Matter of fact, the Japanese government acts as kind of a hindrance to them and pursues some of their members. Uh, shit, I think there was even a line. Doesn't doesn't uh, he have some Jews to kill or some shit? Yes. Like that? When I heard that, I was like, yo, yeah, it, it, yeah. damn. It doesn't shy away from that. You will see the swastika in this. So if you're offended by the swastika, oh, yeah, probably. A lot of stuff I've watched recently that involved World War II, like animated series, they find a way to take the swastika out. This is one of those runback series where you will see it. So if it does offend you, definitely. And Neil's half Jewish, so and he was on board. Anytime he sees that the, the, the Nazis get their asses kicked, we already signing up. <laughs> well, and man, do they get their asses kicked? I think uh, I think one of the good points about it too is what mm-hmm. makes it really and not to get into your thing, but another point and what makes it really great is mm-hmm. yeah it's part of it's part of a retelling of world war ii but they're not they're all the operations that they do are kind of like behind the scenes yep. you know it's not one of these situations like the kinchin Corps landed on normandy mm-hmm. you know stuff like that like you would probably get in a lot of things so you i, I, I wondered when going into the series again because i don't i didn't remember from the first viewing if they were going to kind of sugarcoat japan's involvement in the axis and make them look to be they heroes and and yeah. they don't. It's like, yeah, the, what they did was wrong. What they were involved with was wrong. Hell, they even it bring up China and China's oh, involvement. Well, that one woman, boy. Yeah. Uh, what's yeah. I forget her name's Rin May, but she goes by a different name. In uh, uh, she has like a pseudonym, uh, but her real name. She, I think she's uh, Yoshihiko Fujishima. Yeah, but she, Fujishima. Yeah. But you find out, of course, she's Chinese, and she. Well, oh, that's has, the funny thing about the naming of this. <laughs> They're all got <laughs> yeah. Japanese names. They're Japanese names, but, but she's uh, actually Chinese. Yeah, her, hers particularly is a pseudonym for a real name. Which is Rin May, which gets brings up brought up later, and you find out what her agenda is as the series goes along too. But there's a lot of politics in the show that you would not expect from a from a time. You know, you figure it'd be more simple in its execution, but actually, it's very mindful to bring up certain things. I love the fact that they involve historical figures like Albert Einstein 
and they mentioned Roosevelt and Roosevelt's death also sets the tone for the final um, the final confrontation as well because uh, it ends in 1945 right as right as the war is wrapping up so you know that's the last episode takes place that year they bring up Roosevelt's death and it, it has an impact a profound impact on everyone and then they they move forward into the final battle which you know I can really appreciate as a man who enjoys uh, fictional retellings of, of historical events <laughs> but the 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 um the ambiance that's in this show the um the design of the characters and the um and the mecca and the look of it and the feel of it is so unique unto itself i don't think i've seen anything else that's taken place during world war ii that's anime related that uh has had 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 the gall to just pull off what it pulled off and 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 exude so much character like this show does i know that i think there's another series called valkyria chronicles or something like that that takes place during world war ii but i've never really seen it is uh, maybe valkyria chronicles Chronicles is not the name of it, but it's another fantasy retelling of World War II. I'm sure the audience will will, will check me on that. But um, I, sure. Uh, <laughs> but this series definitely predates it, and it's 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 exciting from start to finish, from what I've seen. Other than that, uh, you guys brought up a lot of great things, so I'll just keep my my uh, my ideas short. But show back to you. So as we mentioned, uh, the visual aesthetics of this show is very appealing where I feel it can bring a lot of people in. Mm -hmm. It may also be in a way kind of misleading because when you actually get into the story (laughs) after watching these visuals, Mm -hmm. you're like, holy shit. As um, they both uh, mentioned that they don't really shy away from the the atrocities that did happen during that war, especially by the hands of the Nazis. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, don't shy away for the fact that Japanese had their part in there. Pearl Harbor too. They bring that up also. <laughs> you know, and yeah, which ma- which makes you believe, which makes you wonder in this time and era, especially with some of the changing attitudes in Japan, if um, uh, anime like this would even make it on the big screen. I don't think or so. Or on, on a thing because you know, there's there's no secret that there's a changing tide in in Japan about being a little bit more militaristic and stuff like that. So you, you, you wonder, you know, how this would, the reception would be made. So I would also interject that, uh, as much as we enjoyed the mech design, I, I dare say the mechs take a back seat to the vehicles that transport them. Oh yeah. Oh, Kitchen express and stuff. Kitchen express. Wow. And the name of the Fugaku. The, the Fugaku. The, the Fugaku is this massive plane that actually carries Kishin with. <laughs> and they have to be so immense that it also has to carry the energy source in order just to fucking turn and them the crew. on. Mm-hmm. And the crew to help and turn the them on. Of, yeah, and the amount of crew that's on there. And again, the characters that exist on the Fugaku and the characters that exist on the Kishin Express. The magical train that manages to get anywhere it needs to be. <laughs> there, 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 are, yeah, yeah. there are scenes where it's like, like, how is this? There's railroad tracks there, of course. There's tracks <laughs> everywhere for that thing, yeah. But it 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 does make some very interesting storylines with that that Kitchen Express about some of the situations it has to get it to because of the railroad tracks. But it, that's cool shit. But again, that's just some more shit. Is like you kind of want to question, but I'll leave that later. Mm-hmm. We touched on the um, the characters. The characters are all interesting, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you actually want to know stories of the characters on the bad side, of always you know the good side. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys thought of the music? The music's great because it fits. It's it's um, to me it's not it's not like it, it's not like the big huge uh, like orchestraic type of thing, but it's not like the gen- kind of you know the '90s in some ways has some kind of generic music for a lot of their animes. Oh yeah, but it just it really meets with the. Um, 
the mood because it just kind of it's not a sense of doom but it's just like it's a sense of foreboding like these are just bad situations to be these are you know people that are caught up in these things especially taishi and they don't overdo it you know and, it always and seems th- to fit the the scene yeah. And, and, and it, you know, unlike some, you know, especially in a lot of uh, newer animes where it almost seems like every they don't even want like dead air at one point. You know, it's they bring in the music when it's needed to yeah. when we don't need music and there's just something going on or we just need some type of dialogue going on. There's no music in the background. And I, I say, think it makes it a little bit makes it a little bit nicer on that aspect. Yeah, the, I want to say the music that they did with this is not so much they went for quantity, they went for quality. quality yeah. You yeah. you actually do get well, there are only seven episodes, thirty minutes each. Mm-hmm. You will hear the same score yeah. here and there, but uh there's like at least five that really fit the scenes. And I say they say there's a couple of them that are quite whimsical almost. Yeah, especially with the um, when the kids show up, the uh, some of because Taishi's uh, living with these war orphans after his war parents orphans. are attacked, and <laughs> when they kind of show up, you know that's um, you got kind of a whimsical thing. And in the aspect too, you see that there is kind of I guess one of the things that kind of stands out for me, and I kind of didn't remember this before, but I did when I watched this is the fact of they kind of relay the human toll of civilians in yeah. this one because you see there's yeah. there's two of the war orphans that we see at the beginning that when Taishi reunites with them later on in the uh show they're not around anymore. Yeah. And they just they don't say that they died or not, but they basically they the did. way they well, the way they kind of <laughs> everyone reacts and the things that are they just it, it just up and says that, you know, they're they're gone. Yeah, so. they, they 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 were unfortunate casualties from the sound of things. Um, I love the music in this. I, I thought that um, it was it, they they did use an orchestra. I saw it was the uh, it was a Japanese orchestra um, that they. But that it they didn't seem that. From. It didn't seem like yeah. it though. With a lot of insert songs too, which I thought was a nice touch. Um, and almost every episode, there's at least one insert song that kind of set the tone for uh, specific moments in it's the very series. Symphonic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, it's, it's got a symphonic feel that sets the the tone of the era that. It takes place in uh it kind of i guess maybe it takes uh, a couple notes from john williams it's uh, uh shinsai japan philharmonic orchestra yes there you go uh yeah they worked on it and they've worked on other things too like uh i know them best for the uh, symphonic suite from act razor when i listened to that album years ago so um they worked on uh, they worked on that too and so a lot of other uh, symphonic albums that i've listened to throughout the years uh, for anime soundtracks but yeah I, I think the composer did a great job and the musical direction was on on par for the most part um i wasn't crazy about every insert song but i'd say most of them were 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 enjoyable to hear well some of them were comical yeah <laughs> that's yeah. true i felt they always it, it felt the mood mm-hmm. uh but let me also point out that uh the dvd i'm not sure um uh, what version of these guys seen it carry yeah. it has both the japanese and english yes mm-hmm tracks and they also translated the music Mm -hmm, they did yeah if you watch it in english you will hear those lyrics in english so they are off (laughs) yes i had to change i had to change the audio (laughs) i assume because there's two there's two scenes right maybe three uh there's the one with the kids getting together enjoying Mm -hmm. their borscht oh yeah Yeah. uh and that one i remember on vhs i swear to god i I remember hearing in japanese but when i heard it in english it was i was like ew well keep in mind yeah but yeah you got to remember back in that day (laughs) when everything was 
the DVD, they translated everything. They did. And I think the reason why is, remember when uh, Kitchen Core was first released? It was just called Kitchen Core when it was on tape. When they re-released it on DVD, they added the Alien Defender Geo Armor uh, prefix to it. <laughs> and then they, they remastered the audio of the show, I think, on the DVD to, to kind of be split down the middle. I so. know I heard it first in Japanese. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> As for the dubbing, uh, as far as I know, it was still dubbed in English, but the music? Oh, hell no, that shit was in Japanese. <laughs> you can keep that. <laughs> so whatever that those songs came up on the DVD, I was like, yep, let me switch this over. Let me switch back over to Japanese, please. <laughs> With the so, quickest. that's a good segue, unless you have anything else to add about the music. No, not, not me. All right, so really the last thing we can talk about uh, before we really give our final opinions is the dubbing. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Well, I I, 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 I guess I'll start off. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Uh, unless go for you it. want to start. Off. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Um, the dubbing. It's you know the funny thing about the dubbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they all got they're all unique voices. Every voice actor yeah. in here is you know it has character uh, character to it. Mm-hmm. But I I guess this is like really old day beginning they're really new to this shit yeah we're like yeah a lot of their voices got character and it fits the character but the delivery on uh, most of the time is horrible yeah and the timing on some of them <laughs> are a little bit horrible because it is you, you can actually hear on some of them where they feel like they're um rushing the line to fit the mouth mm-hmm. they, they will put an emotion yeah. in the delivery that does not fit to see that yeah. all <laughs> <laughs> oh man well i mean it's an mm-hmm. so i would say the dubbing is dated mm-hmm. uh oh yeah but said i love the voice actors in here i mean you'll hear a lot of the voice actors mm-hmm. a lot of these names might be familiar to uh, you know i think it's ocean isn't it yeah it's an early ocean dub absolutely yeah. if it's not an ocean dub it's got a lot of the regulars in it that's no, for I think, sure no, i think it's ocean because i yeah. saw in the credits yeah yeah i see it right here in the, on, on this page i'm looking at it. yeah it's definitely ocean group you got harvey gold you got paul dobson you, michael donovan you got the legend david k man as the voice of dysock uh the 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 pilot of uh the the dragon the kitchen dragon I, I knew that voice as soon as he started talking Steely <laughs> smith venus terzo yeah venus terzo man of rama half fame yes Sherry Thurston, it's like my man. These were like voices. I'm like, I've heard these before. These are good voices. Yo, and I guess back then I was fine, but man, yo, my, yo, my man Terry Classen, who was the voice of the original, the original Krillin off the Canadian dub of Dragon Ball, man. That's, that's the voice of the engineer, and I love mm-hmm. that old man. Oh yeah, Michael Dobson, <laughs> Michael Donovan. I'm sorry, Michael Donovan and Paul Dobson. These guys have been in the business for a long time, but you can. Oh, and 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 Mark Hildreth, who uh, for our listeners will know very well as the uh, the voice of Hiro Yui. In Gundam Wing, he was the voice of Jack, uh, more, Jack the more, Knife. More emotion in this one than when he did here. Oh yeah. Here. Also the voice of Ter- <laughs> Terry, Terry Bogard too. But back to your show. If you want to hear these guys' early works. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I think I think you're bringing up a great point, though, show because this shows when the dub is when anime was very young, where you see that they have multiple people doing the different characters. Because nowadays, let's be honest, a lot of times they they try to get they try to minimize it as much as they can and they you know and a lot of these people are talented enough that they can do various different voices Mm -hmm. and 
you know, it's it's like back then you had so many different actual voices. And, you know, they in a lot of ways, you think that these are these people's just regular speaking voices. Should we, should we, should we blame the voice director on this one? No, no. I think, I, I think it was a trial and error thing back then. And I, yeah. I think they were probably they were looking at it as you well, would look at like um, – like doing a movie where you're going to have different people play in the different parts instead of, you know, maybe sometimes in some of these minor parts, you have one person doing like two or three different versions of that voice, which we see in today's anime dubs. Because if you look at today's anime dubs on some of these shows, um, the voice actor, the, vo- the dub crews are not as extensive as you would see like in a uh, kitchen court because when that voice acting list comes up for the the english dub there's a lot of people there oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are a lot of people there so it's just and a different very, very and very rarely you see a um, a voice actor doing double duty obviously the only one is going to be uh jane c john because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, she's doing the voice of the twin sisters oh yeah yeah she did Ava Braun and Maria Braun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had to point out, man, come on, that first uh, episode where the Nazis uh, went into that one car, uh, room with all those passengers, you could hear this one sh- scream for someone that just not even fit. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? It's just uh, some of the background noises and some of the things that they recorded just seemed so silly and off. Where it's almost comical, like Resident Evilish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely it's definitely a thing of like for all your uh, your anime dub fans now, the things that you take for granted now, going to something like this and listening to the dub, you can see where they were trying to make. I mean, you know, they were they were trying to make it up as they went. I mean, <laughs> and, and this, this is you, you said what uh, ninety two and ninety three is when this when this show came out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's over twenty. That's almost twenty years ago. So. Yeah, the the anime industry is much different now, even with all the upheaval that it had, than it was back then. I mean, these are just, you know, these people made it up. And I mean, um, uh, Solbro, remember when we had, um, oh gosh, um, the voice of Bato. Oh yeah, oh sorry. (laughs) Uh, Wake up. Yeah. Uh, um, Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, what is it? Uh, Richard Epcar. Richard Epcar, yes. Yeah, and I mean, he talked about how you know, it was much different then. And, and, you know, when you kind of put that all together, you can kind of see it's not that it's, it's not, I, I guess for people that haven't heard it before, it might be a little off putting and you may want to be on the Japanese thing, but for, you know, people that, um, you know, appreciate the old dubs of anime. It's very comical. Like I think there was literally a scene where Taishi said "all right" without even moving his lips. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. That was uh, towards the end of an episode. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. saw. It, I was like, "Yo, what is this?" Are you <laughs> I wrote that down in my notes. Taishi can talk and say "all right" without moving his lips. Is he yeah. throwing his voice? <laughs> yeah, it's. Woo. I mean, to me, the dubbing is still, it's, it's now charming and whatnot looking back. It but is, I want to say yeah. one of the first things I text Neo when I was re-watching the show it's to tough. get it fresh in my mind. I said, uh, this dubbing is quite dated. <laughs> it is. It definitely is. Antiquated, sir. So so badly. Oh, my God. But again, I love the voices, these characters they had in yeah. here. Uh, it's just that anyone who's going to hopefully will watch this show after hearing this uh, discussion about it, it's like, eh, that's a little fair warning. Mm-hmm. Just again, if you do enjoy dubs, this is a this is a, a trip back in time to uh, some of your favorite voice actors. Uh, uh, not at their best moments, but uh, this is when they were getting started. So if you do enjoy dubs from Ocean or some or, or David K or, or people that you've come to know very well through other animes, it's an interesting listen. 
So with that being said, with the voices now, we're almost at the end. There's only one thing I want to ask from you guys. All right. Mm. What is the thing about this anime that you did not like? Man, um, I thought the the pacing of it um, from 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 episode to episode uh, was a bit fast. I mean, granted, it's an OVA, so it's got to get his job done quick and dirty. But um, I could have done with a bit more <laughs> filling in on some of the events that happened in between, like uh, the, like the uh, your Armageddon argument. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, when they throw when they throw well, actually, when they throw well, the kids back into the to the story because they were gone for like three four episodes and then you finally see Jack again and it's like I almost didn't recognize him at first. It's like, oh wait a minute, that's Jack. He's older. Yeah, it he's actually, older. It's like two years have passed and yeah. we didn't know. <laughs> like, and, oh, and he was the only one that grew. Yeah, right? whatever. And the girl. And, and the girl, the blonde, the blonde girl grew too. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Captain didn't grow because of the bullet in his spine. Oh jeez, oh, he got he got Professor X. Is that what you say? <laughs> got that lip, Cap. Right, so, so your argument is you kind of wish the series could have been longer. Yeah, a little bit longer I, I, because it's based an extra on episode it's based, in, an extra episode in there could have helped. It's based on light novels. It w- I would have rather seen this be a television show, uh, and 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 got a, a, a nice twenty six episode run. It, de- it, de- it depends yeah. how long the novel is. So yeah. too. I mean, I wait, don't know. how many how many light novels were there show? Ten volume. Ten volume. That's that's more than enough for a twenty six yeah, episode TV I guess show. I would be. Yeah. yeah. They so, ran for four years. So. I mean, if they could make Unicorn out of seven novels. <laughs> Well, <laughs> not, not that's that's not, the best example, but again. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I, I think they could. I think they could do one. We're talking yeah. yeah, true, true. But uh, yeah, uh, I think it could stood, stand to be a lot longer. This whole era um, is an interesting era to look at in anime, and uh, through the veneer of an anime series. And I would have liked to have seen uh, uh, it being a little bit longer. Honestly, what you're saying kind of leads into what it's probably my major issue with the show is mm. that we have to take a lot of shit. At face value. Yeah. Yeah. With the show. Very little explanation, but again, I'm under the assumption, well, it is based on a bunch of light novels, so there's probably a lot of details. Like, uh, I've watched it a couple times, so I'm still like, where exactly did these modules come from in the first place? Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, so a lot of things we just gotta, like, take it, just say, okay, whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> just, we're rolling with it, man. We're just gonna roll with it. So, yeah, uh, maybe another... Uh, episode here and there to be able to really put in some details of some a lot of the questions that were never really fully realized, really answered throughout the show. I mean, the uh, thing at the very end, we're going to use Glamour Girl. Was Glamour Girl also being powered by a fucking module? Yeah, you that, notice that shot when it was like when they canceled yeah. it, the module powered down. I'm like, mm-hmm. huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would say on my issue with it is especially with Glamour Girl because you kind of wondering is it powered by a module or because it has that foreboding thing of looking like um, the bombers that dropped the atomic bombs. It was yeah. an atomic bomb. Well, powered down. It was creepy. Well, what and the- then and then my other thing would be is just what was the issue with the aliens? Kind of like what their whole yeah. motivation. Yeah. And and I, I didn't need much. I didn't need much. I just needed maybe like a quick like scene of like the alien leader talking to the Fuhrer. Yeah. I would you know talking to Hitler would have made like some. It yeah, was just like it was a weird little thing of like. How okay, do they part the deal? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, to answer the go back to the question about the uh, the module powering off. I I remember them saying that the modules resonate 
near the aliens. So once the alien right. source was destroyed, I think that's what that was, is that the modules, uh, was that the modules the, the, and the, the resonance had nothing to, had nothing yeah. to resonate, uh, in, in reaction to. So it was, it, it was just, just it was, that, a, it was, it was a note that, that showed us that the threat was over with and that it was gone. It was just the thing it, with it, the camera down, girl. This one was saying cancel the yeah. drop. Yeah. Drop, cancel. Yeah. It's just like the thing with the camera girl, though. They always, they always talk about that bomb. And the the way they denote it is the E equals MC squared thing. And it's like, because isn't that, that deals with his uh, Einstein's theory of relativity. It's like, was that bomb like some type of like bomb that dealt with relativity or something? Or I, because it, it looked like one of the atomic bombs that were well, dropped. The whole, the whole reason Einstein was even in the show, because he did tell them, I just want to tell you guys, I shared this idea with these people. Yeah. He's yeah. To the people at Glamour Girl. He shared that idea. So it, technically, it is like an atomic bomb, but he yeah. was warning. But his whole warning was that, you know, if men start to use this, you know, we're going to become slaves to science and this something is going to change yeah. the world forever. Yeah. And in real life, once we use the atomic bomb, shit changed. Yeah, the, the genie is oh, yeah. out of the bottle at that point, yeah. And um, it, 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 that's actually a very good moment in the series because it just goes to show the, the cost of doing business when it comes to developing new science. It takes away as much as it gives you. And, it was um, Marcia's character well, that, throughout that, the whole thing. She was a slave of science, but then she yeah. realized that was a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, that that was that was her thing. Is like, don't be a slave to science. I wish she remembered yeah. that before shooting Captain. Well, that, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> she was a bitch. Yeah, Ooh. that's a that's a character in there that we actually see in a very interesting transition from yeah. beginning to end. Oh, and the other thing that I'm supposed to accept, I swear to God, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that should not have been alive. Oh, at the end. <laughs> There yeah. should have been some major casualties towards the well, end. I mean, if if you it, in almost the way that last scene where you see everybody walking on like the meadow there, yeah, it, 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 when you first look at it, you almost kind of because the way they kind of do the ending of the final battle, you almost get a point like, oh, the Kinshin Court, everyone sacrificed their lives for the world mm-hmm. to say. It kind of feels that way, but then you know it's not the case. But yeah, uh, Kinshin Express. <laughs> yeah, Kitchen Express, everybody should have been gone. Fugaku. Fugaku. <laughs> There's no f- way. Yeah, it's... it's yeah. So, yeah, that's my complaint. There's a lot of shit we just, like, we... we there's a lot of shit we just roll with in Kitchen. Yeah. It's still a fun f***ing show, but, man, after watching it a few times, whatever. Yeah, you just kind of... You just kind of go with it. That's, Let it rock. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> man. <clears throat> but yeah, um yeah, if 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 anything, man, um any 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 detractors from you, Neo, any any anything that, that, that I I agree that it's just, it's the same thing. My biggest thing like I said was just kind of the thing with Glamour Girl and just a little maybe a, a tad bit of the motivation of the aliens. Mm-hmm. I just you know, they just show up and they're, you know, they're doing their alien thing. And then they, it's like they, they meet up with the, the, uh, or they team up with the Nazis and stuff. Granted, I'm sure probably in the light novels that goes into a little bit more motivation in it. And, but, you know, hey, whatever. So, all right. So, I'm looking at my notes. I wrote down, a, I jotted down a couple of notes here and there while I was watching this show. Mm-hmm. And, um, I already went through a lot of these notes. Like I, I'm, I mentioned how dubbing's a bit David, uh, dated, mm-hmm. uh, and I did write in the end here when I said that there was some weird sounds I heard, like in the train. I swear to God, someone says penis. What on that train? Just in the background. Are you? Uh, sh- wow. <laughs> 
I had I got these amazing headphones on, so I'm like, mm-hmm. really? Uh, Chun Li out of nowhere. I yes. wrote that in my notes. I was gonna, uh, I, f- I totally forgot to mention in the first episode. In the first episode, when the bike chase is happening, right at the beginning of the bike chase, watch, look for Chun Li. You will see her, and it's it's like, yo, you can't miss her, really. But uh, it's funny just to see her out of the blue. Yeah, she's there, out there, standing right there. Uh, first episode shows us that Kish and Co are literally everywhere. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they don't give true. a damn about kids. <laughs> yeah. One of the war orphans' name is Captain. He learns that bullets hurt. They do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the ground. It hurts. No shit. <laughs> I, and I, I've wondered too. Is like, what is he the captain of? Like that was never established either. It's of, like, of the kids, he he pretty much was in charge of the the group of kids, and I did gave him that that honorary name of yeah. Captain. Um, but yeah, it was pretty much he, cause he ran things before, um, before homeboy got there. So Tai Chi, uh, tai Chi yeah. So yeah, they just call him captain out of, out of, out of adoration. Oh, here's a good one. And Kishin Corps, apparently things can be tastefully ready. <laughs> True. Yeah. That's or that scene. It's like, all right, tastefully ready. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, apparently, uh, an insult is, uh, not being able to make borscht. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, he was telling uh who was it that was saying that to Ava? Oh, it was uh, it was dumbass uh Taishi. He said, Oh, you know, you should you, you might be good in the lab, but you can't make borscht. And I'm thinking in my head, it's like, are you telling her to get out the lab and get in the kitchen? Is that what you're trying to say, bro? <laughs> Sorry about that. Apparently my the call went to poo-poo there. Oh man. <laughs> you sound horrible right now, too, just to let you know. But uh, we're gonna continue with the show. Keep on you sound good, so keep it going, keep it going. <laughs> And not really much else there to say other than Taishi doesn't know shit about bullets, even though Captain yeah. learns that bullets hurt. Oh, my God. And War Orphans. Yeah. I apparently well, have that in my notes. All, all over the place. <laughs> I, I, the, the general would not approve of this, 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 this show. He would hate it. Every bit of it. So I guess the final thing would be um, our ratings the, based the on scores, the... scores, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... All right. Well, uh, I guess I'll, I guess you would go first, Silver. I'll go first. Uh, I will give this uh, this series, Kitchen Core, four exploding aliens out of five. Yeah, it is funny that initially they say don't shoot them, mm-hmm. cut them with a knife, but then after that point, everybody just shoots them. So <laughs> that, that I guess that is what the thing that just kind of came to my mind. I remember to say, don't shoot them, hit them with a knife. Or hit him with a blade. It's like okay, and then after that, everybody's just shooting them. So. Shoot the fuck out of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would give this. Uh, I would give uh, Geo our Alien Defender Geo Armor Kinchin Cores uh, four out of uh, five um, Glamour Girl bombs. There you go, man. They, that they... we don't know what the hell they are. <laughs> they just have a. They just have a really hot chick on the side of the bomb. Did Which they, looks like she should have been on the side of the plane, but they put a lot of detail on that picture on the side of the bomb. But whatever. And and you got to love the intros and uh, and outros of the show where they focus on one shot with a slow push. <laughs> yeah, they do, as, as you as you see the credits, it's like, all right, uh, are we going to see something else? <laughs> that old directorial style, man. Good stuff. Yeah. I guess I'll go ahead and also give it four out of the five bullets that shattered uh, Captain Spine. Oh, oh. damn. Ouch! Captain! <laughs> Captain! Captain! It hurts! It hurts! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! 
Welcome to the war, Cap. Welcome to the war. Welcome to the effort, son. <laughs> well, I, I guess we'll just uh, close it out then. Uh, that, that was our review of Alien Defender Geo Armor Kinshin Cores, hosted by Anime Movie Night's own Shoji Ramaru. Again, you're thank listening you so much to, for having me on here. Yeah, you're listening to Gundam. We'll be back in a little bit. Hello everyone, I'm David Kay, a.k.a. the voice of Professor X from that old series, X-Men Evolution, and you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Logan? Logan, where is Storm? Tell her to come for tea. From a time long ago. In a basement far away, there comes a time when there's only one hero to protect us all from the trolls, warranted and unwarranted. Is it him? Against Gundam Sea Destiny. It appears destiny is firmly on my side. What? There stands a man who alone will defend the honor of said show for all to enjoy. You're something that shouldn't have been allowed to exist, boy! His name rings out and is like curses to those evil doers. If people learned of your existence, they would want to be just as you are! That name... Chairman 025, Defender of Destiny! You shouldn't blame me! This is mankind's dream! Mankind's desire! Mankind's destiny! Coming this fall on WSBR, your home for DVR hits. Wow, this is pretty cool. Al, okay, listen carefully. Inside this package, you'll find a full tape confession and all of the evidence. I wanted to explain just why this colony has been targeted for nuclear attack. It's important that if I die, that you take this to the police. If you can get an adult to believe you, the colony can still be saved. You're probably wondering why I didn't just take this to them myself. Well, you see, you have to understand, it would have been like running away. If I ducked out of fighting now, I don't think I could have ever lived with myself. It's not like I hate the Federation or anything, or that I want to avenge the Captain and the others. I'm not sure how to put it. You see, I need to fight the Gundam now. Maybe it's because I'm a soldier. I really don't know the reason why. Hey, Al, I'm most likely going to die. Whatever happens, don't hate the Gundam pilot. And don't go hating the Fetty soldiers. Because they're like us. You and me. They're just people simply doing what they think is right, that's all. I know that it's hard. But try not to hate them. And don't blame yourself either, okay? Please, Al. This is all I ask. With luck, if I do manage to get out of this alive and the war ends, I'll visit you. I'll come back to this colony. 
That's a promise. Well, I guess that's it. Take care, Al. By the way, say hi to Chris. See you, kid. Hey, this is Stephanie Shea, and you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is episode 148, and in this episode, you had got, you guys had heard uh, our first segment, which was an interview with the awesome Kira Buckland. She actually sat down to talk to us about voice acting, and um, if you want, you can follow her on Twitter at Rena Chan. That's R I N A C H A N. That's Rena Chan on Twitter. Uh, many thanks to her for joining us this interview, and shout out to Dalo for um, arranging the interview and uh, being a part of it as well. Um, in our second segment, we were joined by our guest this episode, Shoji Ramaro. At Shoji Ramaro on Twitter. He won't respond to you, but you know, he's on Twitter. <laughs> but uh, he joined us for a conversation and a review of, was it uh, Alien? I had Defender. A, Defender, Geo Armor, Kishin Core. Yes, yes. Uh, one day I'll do my job right. But yes, we sat down and talked about Kishin Core, and it was awesome. And uh, I hope you guys check that show out if you can find it. Um, but many thanks to Show for taking time out. Show, man, uh, let the people know where they can find you all over the internet, man. Balmung, uh, the Balmung <laughs> server on like, Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn, which usually I'm on there with him. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, if you have any questions, you need the direct of my way, get on Balmung. <laughs> look for uh, Shadow Link and yep. just walk up and ask some questions. And I'll still look at you. It's like, why are you bothering me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a dragoon doing dragoon things. Or I'm cooking, <laughs> cooking, or fishing, or, or knitting, or fishing, doing or jobs, crafting. Oh my god! But uh, also, you can follow Show on Twitter at Shoji Ramaro, and uh, also he has a Twitch channel as well where you can watch him play Final Fantasy XIV mm. and other games as well, which is twitchtv Shoji. Romero. That's twitch.tv slash Shoji Romero. Definitely go over there and hit that follow button so that way you too can get caught up on all, all their Final Fantasy antics he plays with other Shinjuku Station members of the guild that's there yeah. are the Link Shell and uh, like Neo. Like Neo. Neo also streams at twitch.tv twitch.tv slash Admiral Neo Loranoke also is a place you should go to and hit the follow I'm a, button. I'm a hot cat girl. Yes. So Some, keep my keep my numbers going up because every time everything, uh, what was it? I think I got to 23 the other night. The most I've had was like 28. So, so yeah, some, summertime cat girl. Sad. Summertime cat girl no, is in not full summertime swing. Summertime cat girl. It's, oh, that's over. I, no, it's uh, I think uh, Tank as a it's a it's a it's a uh, <laughs> homage to Kilgore. Uh, it's Tank and Kitty. Even though there's no tank there, tank? unless we're in a unless we're in a dungeon, so shut up, tank. Well, well shout out to Kilgore from Madox Zero One for those who've seen that anime. That, but that man's a star. He's a legend. <laughs> he's a freaking star <laughs> at this point. But uh, before we close this episode out, we also have some business to conduct in the Gundam mailbag, mm. and um, we're gonna we're gonna be answering just a few questions today. Uh, before we do, you can also leave a voicemail message. Just by calling the MAHQ Google Voice line at 305-792-8324. 
and leave a question on our message that's no longer than four minutes. Make sure at the beginning that you leave your name and specify that your message is for Gundam at MHQ also. We're looking forward to hearing from the Gundam Nation and answering your voicemails. And going to our, 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 our mailbag thread that's on mechatalk.net, if you want to submit your questions the old-fashioned way, head on over to mechatalk.net and go to the Gundam forum, and you'll find the mailbag thread there. Just jump on in and post your questions there. Uh, I do want to mention that um, I've noticed a few questions that are really conceptually complicated to answer. Um, and sometimes they're not really all that well explained on what they are asking for in the question. So all I can say is keep it simple. (laughs) Try to keep it simple. There's, there's a, yeah, I I think the best way to say it, there's some with huge setups Mm -hmm. and I know Chris has mentioned in the past that, uh, the whole idea behind this is just some quick, you know, quick questions so we can get some quick answers Mm -hmm. because, the more time we spend on one question, the less time we have on answering other questions. And we're just okay. trying to be fair to everybody else. So I kind of want to hear one of these ridiculous questions. I, I, I would, <laughs> but we'd be, we'll be spending the next 30 minutes trying yeah. to answer it. And so we will just go on to our first submitter here, which is Fear Junkie. And he writes, I just watched Bernie's Lament. Can someone direct me to the nearest therapist? Ooh. <laughs> Young Asian boys. Oh Jesus Christ! Hey Al, and, and it's I funny. I don't think I'm going to see you anymore. Which 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 is funny because the man that first told me about the perils of Bernie's lament is in this conversation. <laughs> so, so he's really asking a question for directions. Yeah, he's asking a question for directions. Did he, did he supply the zip code so you could find the nearest? Hey man, once yeah. you see Bernie's lament, you, once you see Bernie's lament, you can't wash it out the brain, bro. I'm sorry, fear junkie, you're screwed. <laughs> I still remember that day when I first oh. saw that shit. I'm like, what is this? Oh, my God. But those Why are you showing me this? For those who don't know the Bernie's Lament story, go all the way back to Flip the Script, episode one, <laughs> which we did in 2006. But uh, 30. Why am I watching this? Why would you do this? Am I in trouble now for seeing this? Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> now, I'm not good at elevator... <laughs> I'm not good at oh Jesus. I'm not good at elevator pitches, but his next question is also if you were given the chance to write a full length Gundam series, what would be the elevator pitch for for your series? And um Neo, uh any 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 thoughts, sir? All right. I'm gonna say this. I'm I'm gonna do this. You're good at not these. just in an elevator pitch, but mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna add a little Don Draper to this. Of course. Of course. <laughs> I'm just gonna channel my inner Don Draper and say picture this. Three former soldiers from a previous war mm-hmm. who have been dealing with the sins and the losses they felt in that war with alcohol. <laughs> now a new war arises and because of the incompetence and the inability to find qualified pilots to fight the new alien menace with the mechas that they have, these three soldiers have to be brought back in and they have to prove that you can still fight drunk. Yes. <laughs> Mobile Suit Gundam Alcoholics Anonymous. Nice. So, Mobile Suit Gundam Triple A, uh, Double A? <laughs> Instead of Double O? Double A, yes. <laughs> Mobile Suit Gundam Double A. There you go. Yes. There you go. I'd yes. watch it. Solid pitch. Uh, <laughs> Solid pitch. Brought, brought to you by Jack Daniels. <laughs> and Crown Royal. And, oh, no. uh, and Jose Cuervo. <laughs> 
actually, that's and a so, great way. We, we just name them after. We can have uh, Commander Jack Daniels. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and don't, don't forget about Suntory Whiskey. <laughs> oh, Got to keep it local. <laughs> oh, my God. God, that's a, that's a blast from the past there. That's what's up. Hello, lost the translation. Oh, my. It's story time. <laughs> Can I can I can I pitch a show? No, go for it. Go for yeah, it, sir. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I would like to see a a, a Gundam show mm-hmm. where every single person on the planet has a Gundam of their own. <laughs> yeah. There's giant Gundams that take the children to school. <laughs> people use have their very own Gundam to like commute to work. No. So you got traffic. You got Gundam jams on the highways. <laughs> you got Gundam jams on the freeways. It's like, oh my god. So there's Gundams everywhere. Mm-hmm. And for entertainment, they make the people fight. <laughs> what? The, gun- the Gundams watch the people fight. What? Oh, is- <laughs> we got fist fights in space. <laughs> I wonder if we can get Tamino on this. Woo! Yo, Sunrise, get on that. <laughs> I'm sure they're listening. <laughs> you see Gundams and elevators. And giving pitches like this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. But man, I, I, I don't have a pitch. You guys you guys outdid yourselves. Well, uh, you, you have a pitch. Man, what's that? It's gonna be if uh Jojo what drove a Gundam. Now what if Saji Crossroad actually oh, met his my potential? Met his <laughs> oh, potential. That's your good that's your pitch right there. There you go. Imagine this an alternate universe of Gundam Double Low <laughs> where the Arthurian legend comes to fruition. The sweet lord. The King Arthur Mobile Chronicles. Suit Gundam, Saji's a Saji's attack. <laughs> oh, see the Gundam no, round table. No, mobile That's suit Gundam. Amazing. Nice mobile suit Gundam. Reign of the King. Round table of crossword. <laughs> oh, and I can't wait for that episode where that one Gundam sees his wife sleeping with another Gundam. Oh, <laughs> that'd be the season final. finale. What is that? A king without a Gundam. A kingdom without their Gundam or some shit. <laughs> a Gundam without this king. What is a man? Ooh. Oh my god, man! Every, Emmy Emmy winning material right there, guys. Yes, I'd watch yes. it. But uh, and he closes out now. Excuse me while I eat a burger to spite Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> Shout outs to Fear Junkie and thank you for submission, sir. And uh, next up is Yokozuna Bulldozer, and he uh, he starts off as he always does with his usual greeting, "Hello" in capital letters. And his first question is, if you guys were given the title, The Majin, which word would you add to your gunpla to make sure people recognize? Amazing and Imagine are banned. Oh, that's easy. What's that? Explosive. Explosive. The the Bay the Michael Bay custom. Or or yeah, or or uh um yeah, uh Hayokushiki Bay Custom. Nice. Nice. There you go. Golden and explosive. All in one. With 360 camera views. My, I'm a, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take the... Slow uh, motion. I'm going to take a, a pointer from Chef Ramsey and say, stunning. Stunning Gundam. That's mine right there. So stunning. Yes. I would. I uh, thought you were going to say bankrupt because yeah. isn't he about bankrupt? Yo, I don't know. But if that's the case... That's what I always keep hearing. Like, <laughs> he keeps doing that show because his, his, uh, his restaurants are like bankrupting. Goodness. Him. So I don't know. 
I didn't even realize. Oh my gosh. Well, well, Gordon Ramsay, get your stuff, get your shit together. <laughs> but, <laughs> moving on to question number two. He says, if Yori Takeshi from, uh, Build Fighters, uh, that of course is, uh, Takeshi Yori, um, Say's dad, uh, is the Magnum PI of Gunpla, would Reiji and Say be the Dukes, aka the Build Fighters of Hazard? I, I no, guess, they'd be, um, who's that? They'd be Rick and TC. Do Rick and TC? Oh shit! They fly the yeah. helicopter and, yeah. and and do the do the heavy lifting. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? I mean, I mean, if if his dad, I mean, how would you? Cr- I mean, come on, you're gonna sit here and cross mm-hmm. uh, uh, '80s uh, television shows. Nice. I mean, if his dad is Magnum, mm-hmm. then he's got to be he's got to be Rick, and then TC. So who would be Higgins, man? Would that be Mr. Raw? Yeah, Robert Raw. Hell yes, let's go. We just yeah. we just another did another elevator pitch right here. Thank you, Yokozuna. There you go. <laughs> Season three, Gundam Bill Fighters, Gundam Watch PI. It. So many Gundam ideas. Oh my god, they're just flowing today. Thank you very much. Next up, the next question is: Who would win, Azurada and Hayato from uh, what's that show? Um, Cyber Formula. Cyber Formula. And so you've never seen. I've it. never seen it, so I have you no idea. See it. I know. Shame on me. Shame. Fukuda, a Fukuda <laughs> joint, by the way. Without before the flashbacks. Before yes. the flashbacks took over his life. Um, and then uh, the next pairing is uh, Kit and Michael Knight. For those that don't know, that's right. Michael Knight, the Hoff, and Kit, his car. Uh, or, lastly, Heat Vision and Jack. That might be a little obscure to some listeners. Heat Vision and Jack was a pilot uh, featuring Jack Black and uh, Owen Wilson, show's favorite actor, as the voice of his roommate turned into a motorbike. So, mm-hmm. yes, it, a pilot that failed, but produced by Ben Stiller. And, Thankfully. Uh, <laughs> You can find the first episode on YouTube, and it's crazy. But uh, who do you guys think would win? Aserada and Hayato, Kit and Michael Knight, or Heat Vision and Jack? Who would win? It's easy. Who? You can't beat the Hoff, man. Oh, man. It's so, got to be the Hoff. What about your boy? I mean, come on. But you're the only one that's seen Cyber Formula, so you, you actually... I know, but I've seen Cyber <laughs> Formula, but in the rules of the world, mm-hmm. nothing beats the Hoff. Man, come on. Come on. Come what on. are you saying? Man. Nothing beats the Hoff. Hey, man. All I know is they didn't get him to play. All he would have to do... Is to go into one of his uh, his pop his pop songs that are popular in Germany. Oh mm-hmm. my God, Germany! <laughs> Dude, <laughs> can't mess with the Hoff, man. Yo, I'm a, I'm gonna have to go with Heat Vision and Jack, man, because when the sun is up, J- uh, Jack knows everything, bro. He knows means, I means, know everything, and he means, can. It means Jack Black has got more work, and we don't need that in this world. <laughs> Tropic Thunder, man. Come on. Come on. Yeah, but we have he's, that. he's just a piece of it. He's not oh. the full. <laughs> Damn not, not, the, not the biggest Jack Black guy here. Well, so I, I see him as this ensemble guy, but. Show sure. any, any thoughts, sir? Any thoughts? Since, I, you, since you know neither of the other two, you only know one I, pairing. <laughs> well, my question is, which version of Kid are we talking about? Is this like a. Oh, that's a good the point. The red futuristic kit that's like powered by nuclear <laughs> or some shit. That what was it, Kit Two Thousand? <laughs> is this the Mustang? That's a kit? good point. Or is this the remake of Kit? Hey, is, did they remake that show too? We'll go with we'll go with vintage Kit and Michael from the eighties. We'll go with classic. I, I I I guess him. But if you were gonna say the the remodel Kit when you press a button and became a convertible, yeah, yeah, ain't nothing being that shit. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, and with the Hoff. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. I mean you can't that's just that's cool on a different level there, Soul Bro. You know what it's I'm like he's driving around a fucking roofless kit? You serious? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. with that perm? Nah, son, it was flowing. Yeah. 
that perm, and he's got that he's got that leather jacket on with that shirt buttoned down to his belly button, showing his manly chest hair. That's the Hoff. Yes, bitches, bitches, bitches love that shit, man. They, they I'm sure they do. You know what? I'm going to change my answer. Then you know, I'm going to change. <laughs> I'm going to change my answer. What was your answer? He my, visited Jack. Nah, man. I'm a, I'm going to go off. <laughs> Jack. I'm gonna go off. It was Heat Vision and Jack, but I'm gonna go off the reservation entirely, man. I'm gonna go with Hardcastle and McCormick. That's right. Nobody that's knows not, who I'm talking about. But that's not one of the. That's not one of the options. You can't go. Yeah, off. what's going on here? Yo, hard, you can't go uh, off. Topic. I'm gonna go what off reservation, doing? man. This is what you do on Gundam. Yo, man, Breaking that's what the, the criminal and the, the judge. We, come on, this man. Is not the way we do it. A former criminal and a judge, bro. Come on. You can't beat that team, man. What is this, man. Hardcastle and Hardcastle what? and McCormick, son. You don't know these guys? They had the dopest thing, son. McCormick as in salt? Am, hey, man, look. I'm yeah. not even going to go against look, man. Sobro and his TV knowledge. My TV knowledge. I, <laughs> look it up, guys. Ever. Look it up. Look it up. Just, just trust me on this I'm one. sure it exists. I just don't know. I've never heard of this. A former okay. race car driver gets in trouble with the law, and the judge that's about to sentence him to jail says, you know what? You can serve your time if you help me solve mysteries and use your driving skills. And there oh you go. Oh, my God. Hell yes. That's what I'm talking about. 1980s, baby. Oh, God. They did anything in the 80s. They did, right? <laughs> Auto Man. Can I do that then? Yo, why not? Man. Let's, let's just go nuts. Auto Man then. Let's go. What about Turbo Team? <laughs> And screw it. I'm going to go what with What happens when he's cold? It's like, <laughs> he can't even turn to the car. What? Uh, screw, screw it then. I'm going with uh, Speed Buggy. <laughs> I mean, what was Auto Teen? I don't even know what that was. Oh, that was like the early uh, early 80s. It was a cartoon where this dude got zapped. It's called Turbo Teen. He was in his car and he was, driving, he was driving by this military installation. He got hit with this rogue experimental beam and merged him with his uh, Corvette. To make to show up on Saturday, man. Oh, my God. Showed that shit. (laughs) Classically. Turbo teen, huh? Oh, wow. I've never even heard of that. Another Ruby Spears classic. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking horrible. But thank you very much for that question, Yokozuna. We're going to go into his last question here. Uh, And (laughs) he says, in a tire-wearing and sports equipment-wearing future world where entertainment is scarce, which mecha musical would you watch? Number one, Bits. Number two, Side 7 Story. Number three, A Streetcar Named DK. Number four, <laughs> Romari and Zahart. <laughs> number five, My Fair Lady Un. And lastly, number six, Majin Kawaguchi in the amazing Airbrush Exia. <laughs> Neo. <laughs> I already know my answer, man. I'm kind of torn on this one, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I gotta know how Trey's got that evil bitch into the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, being <laughs> such a angel at the end, so it it would have to be covered in Mar- My Fair Lady Un. Number five. Even though mm-hmm. I would love to see a streetcar named DK. I would I too. Mean, that's my that, selection. That's, that's my one A one B. I'd have to say. <laughs> Show man, what what is yours? None, man. I don't watch. <laughs> <laughs> Let it rip, man. <laughs> I don't watch no damn musicals. <laughs> Even though uh, Majin Kawaguchi and the Amazing Airbrush Exia, that'd be kind of funny too. Because if you sell what that's based off of, that's a that's a mind trip. Jesus oh, wow. Christ! <laughs> Man, I need to check that out. But uh, thank you, Yokozuna Bulldozer, for all those crazy ass questions. And that takes us to our final submission from mm. Robo Lizard Two Two Two, Neo's favorite submitter in the world. The that's Robo, you. the Robo collaborator, collaborator extraordinaire. <laughs> 
Your inside joke to that. Yes. <laughs> uh, he's a Robo Lizard 222 is a famous Robo collaborator. He, yeah, he, like, he wants the robot apocalypse. Now. He hopes to rush, usher in the Robo apocalypse and says yeah. he will bow down to our robot masters voluntarily. Son of a bitch. He's, he's just, he's, he, he's from Texas. So that says it all. I'm just kidding. See, they, they don't I'm even, just they sitting, don't even kidding, have, Russell. They don't have to trick him. Russell, they, take it easy. <laughs> they don't even have to trick him like they will. Sobro will. They'll just, they'll oh. just do a, they'll just do a, um, an Android version of, uh, Ryu showing up. Yes. Hey, Sobro, thanks for supporting me all these years. There you go. And then I'll bend over and it'll be hey, night, lights out. I, I want to give you an official Ryu headband. <laughs> As he crushes my dome. Now, now you're part of the Ryu gang. <laughs> As for Texas, my in-laws live in Texas, so I'd be in very trouble if they heard that. No, I, I love my in-laws. But uh, Robo Lizard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I mean. <laughs> wow. Well, anyway, uh, Robo Lizard, his question is, hello, Gundam 3. Minus one. Uh, minus one, but with with a special with a special uh, guest. Um, a certain amount of silliness started on the Facebook page got me curious. If another production studio somehow got their hands on Gundam, who do you think could make an interesting slash brilliant slash ridiculous Gundam? Points are given by the other hosts I, to ideas that are ludicrous and awesome. Sadly, those points don't matter like all the hopes and dreams. My idea would be Disney. Why? Because why not? <laughs> I'll, I'll just do the easy one. Oh, Disney. man. Hey, man, if, if that's the case, I'm going with Warner Brothers. We're, we're just going to get Tex Avery. We'll dig him up from the dead and get him to work. <laughs> yeah, but didn't he say uh, just uh, uh, in general? So you could probably have live action. Yeah, you make a good quite, You make a good point, man. Um, I don't know. Uh, if I had, could have another animation studio. Come on, you're Mr. Movie. Come I, on, you I should know am. I, Pixar actually would not be a bad choice. I know that's like parallel oh, really? to Disney. But Pixar, I would love to see like a 3D Gundam kind of done in the style of uh, Big Hero 6, where it's kind of comical and fantastical. Uh, so, you're, so you're doing animated? Just animated. Why don't you do animated plus uh, live? Live. Animated plus live? Um, animated and live. I'm sorry. And live. Whatever well, I went that route. Well, I'll, I'll you know what? Go ahead. You I'm go. Go do, ahead. Go I'll ahead. do animated mm-hmm. very easily. All right. The South Park guys. Oh damn. Oh, you want to? You want to go? You want to go full on? You uh, wouldn't want to see that. I wouldn't mind seeing it actually. Yeah, I would love exactly. To see that. They would kill that shit. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Every Gundam trope exploited. He said, I, he said points are given for interesting, brilliant, and ridiculous. Yeah. I think that covers the basis of animated. That would be crazy talk, man. I, I yeah. dig that. I dig that. Well, what's your live action choice, man? Oh, it's easy. Surbay. Oh, of course. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's, that's so obvious. I mean, that's well, well then. That's Mark Wahlberg as Bright Noah. Armora Ray as... Probably who's a who's a hot like younger actor right now. I don't know. Your boy Zach Efron. Zach Efron. Oh, yes. Jesus. There we go. Chris Helmsworth as Slegger Law. <laughs> if we're doing if we're gonna be doing um, if we're doing first Gundam. Um, uh, Benicio del Toro as uh, Rio Jose. Look at that. Okay. He's yeah. not, he's not nearly fat enough. He doesn't need to be. He just put on a fat suit and be good to go. Is that yeah, what we talk about? He's a very yeah. serious actor. He would put on the weight. Hey, yeah, look, man. and that's a very serious role. Yo, w- would he flip them for real? Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd have to say for, gosh, who would be Char? Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's a tough one right there. Probably as Girin, who's a real big dick. Christian Bell? Yeah. There I you could go. do that. Yeah, go. I could do that. Moses? Batman? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> He's not no. He's not known for being a nice guy outside of the acting. So you know, he um, wouldn't have to channel much. 
uh, Mirai would be whatever Victoria Supermodel Supermodels available at that time. That's because that's how he gets it done, man. Would Sailor be uh, your girl? Kate Upton. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, of course. I'd, I'd find a way for her to be in that. You'd squeeze her in. It's like she's sixteen. Uh, just go with it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. The Romeo and Juliet loss. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. There you go. So yeah, that that's 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 what we would. Uh, that's how that's how I would do it. Man, my my second choice for production company might be um, Robert Rodriguez because I'd like to see him do a version of Gundam. Man, with Danny Trejo as Armora. Yo, Dan- <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be a hard sell, but I- I'd buy. I'd it's buy. in the future. I'd buy. I wait for this scene where he's uh, he directs uh, the actor playing Bright to slap him. <laughs> oh shit! And just and he, he's and he, just standing there with that face. It's like you want yeah. me to do what? <laughs> That's where we make. That's where we make it classic. That's slap him. It. It, the Daddy Trey is like, yeah, yeah, slap classic. Yeah. Please try. <laughs> is there any way we could re- rewrite this scene? This is a very titular scene. Can, can we get a stunt double <laughs> for Trejo? No, for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Um, man, I, I, for my live action director, I'm gonna Don't go with laugh. You you want you want JJ Abrams to? Direct. I, I'm gonna go with the director that Neil does not think much of because he didn't like one of his Abrams? movies. No, actually, no. Surprisingly, not JJ Abrams. Bullshit. I, I'm gonna go. No, nope. change your answer. No, 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 <laughs> no. Just no. be true. I have oh, thought. I, I have thought about it. this actually quite a bit, and after seeing I, after seeing his most recent movie, did uh, D- uh, District Nine. <laughs> Oh God! I like Neil Blomkamp, and he, the the yeah. work he's able to pull off with his uh with with his camera work and with with the CG with his direction for the CG and everything like that, he'd be a very interesting choice for uh, Mobile Suit Gundam. I think that would be a a, a solid Actually, choice. Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll I'll put you on a different whole different thing. What's that, dude? I want he's good at conveying themes. By the way, I um, want Armuro to be played by Sandra Bullock and Bright to be Ghost Clooney. And have that guy, just those two the whole time. Are you talking, what? Are you what? It's <laughs> a shit movie. Fucking goddamn predictable ass movie. Are you talking about Gravity? <laughs> that movie. I just wanted to interject it so I could hate on it. Oh, what God. other movie has Ghost Clooney in it? I'm Ghost just, Clooney. I just, I wanna, I just want to make it clear to the audience because they probably have no idea what we're talking about. No, they yes, do. Yes. Uh, ne- ne- Neo does not like Gravity by... Uh, by a, <laughs> <laughs> Alfonso Coron. So yes. How, how the hell does that win an Oscar and Sir Bay fucking Bad Boys Two doesn't? You know how, how is this? How do we live in a world like this? Please answer me this, man. It's a crime against humanity. It the, is a crime against humanity. The other director I wouldn't mind taking on this, and it's a it's it's an odd Way choice. Able. Oh wow, wow! You really, you really are out of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> you're really, you're really going for broke. <laughs> I don't know. You always say how you like them. I've seen a lot. Wow. <laughs> Who have you been talking to? <laughs> I've never said that. But uh, this director, I think that she could actually capture uh, quite a bit uh, emotionally in, in a Melissa uh, Gunner uh, movie. The lady um, did the Hurt Locker. Oh, wow. Catherine Bigelow. Yes. Yes. God, why? You were good at this. <laughs> Well, when you said there's only like one real woman, there's only one, only one female director, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, the, the sexist thing that is Hollywood. I have, mean, have you seen Zero Dark Thirty at all? 
Nah. Okay, we well, should. It's a good movie. It's very good. Um, but yeah, she won't like and, it. and she also did Point Break. <laughs> Is that a movie you like? Did you like Point oh, Break? I like Point Break. Yeah. She directed that too, bro. Johnny Utah. And she Johnny and she directed one of the show's favorite movies of all time. She directed Strange Days, so I know she can do science fiction. So yeah, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I think she's definitely got the repertoire to do a Mobile Suit Gundam movie very well. Um, between those two, I, I I'm digging both those. Well, I have two more for you. Okay, go uh, ahead. I'd like to. I'd like if if I can have the power of reanimation. I like to reanimate Run Run Shaw wow. and do a, a kung fu version of Mobile Suit Gundam because I think that would work very, very, very well. Mm. Kind of wow. like um, so. G Gundam take a take on this? Is that what you're talking yes, about? Yes, definitely, definitely. There you go. Like um, uh, yeah, the the Warriors Two or something like that. That'd be that'd be amazing. Right on. Yeah. So um, either that or the McKenzie Brothers, Strange Brew, Mobile Suit Gundam, <laughs> Mobile Suit Gundam, Strange Brew. No, just to clarify for the audience, he's not talking about the director of Strange Brew. He's talking about the McKenzie brothers in Strange Brew directing the movie that's in Strange yeah. Brew. They're yeah. wow. <laughs> With host head the dog as the as oh, no. If you ever see Strange Brew, those two direct a movie in the movie that is classic. It's gold in in the worst way possible, but it's so good. It's so good. I would I would pay money to see that. Twenty years after World War Three. <laughs> You just, I was looking for donuts and beer. <laughs> you just delivered a ch- turducken. <laughs> a joke within the joke. Thank you. Thank you. Show show anything for you. Maybe the guy that did Man of Steel. I know you're a big fan <laughs> oh, of uh, Man of Steel. Zack uh, Snyder. Yeah. <laughs> maybe the guy that was Zod as maybe Armro or Bright. He, he was good. <laughs> I'm going to get you, Shark. Oh, my God. I will find Shark. <laughs> I'm gonna get that guy. <laughs> there we go, man. It's coming together. It's coming together. Any any picks I, though? I have honestly no opinion on the matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anything, Robo Lizard. No, you don't have any favorites you'd want? I mean, come on. Nope. No. All right. All right. Well, <laughs> Robo Lizard two two two. Thank you for the outrageous questions, and uh, may your campaign for the Robopocalypse not come ever uh, ever come true, yeah. ever. After the news today, definitely not. <laughs> Although we seem to be creepily moving in that direction, but uh, thank you very much, everybody who submitted questions. And before we close this episode out, uh, anything you guys wanted to mention um, or, or, or bring up before we uh, before we, we take this on? No, man, it was great to be on the show. I look forward to the next time I'm on. Maybe in another, uh, what, four years? Yes, yes. Uh, It's just been going on a little bit longer than that. Maybe another seven. Five years. Seven (laughs) Seven years. So so about 2021, we'll see show again. (laughs) And uh, my heartfelt thanks go out to him for being a part of this today. It's been a long time coming again. 148 (laughs) episodes in the making. Show finally joined us for an episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed this one because I know a lot of you guys have been asking for show to be on since this started, since the flip the script days. So I hope this was episode was everything that you were hoping for. And the other uh, guys are like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> yeah, we'll probably get that too. Yeah, for those who don't know show, he's... He, he ruined it. He's <laughs> He and I do anime movie night over at... Uh, He's so culturally illiterate. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my God. Who, who, whose words could you be using? <laughs> oh no. But, uh, but, uh, uh, show is the host of Anime Movie Night, which is, uh, which airs weekly 
at uh, tinyurl.com slash shinstation. Uh, I'm his co-host on the show. We come together to do commentary on different anime movies and OVAs. And uh, it starts at 10 o'clock p.m. 10, 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time or Eastern Standard Time on Thursdays at tinyurl.com slash shinstation. There's plenty of episodes archived there if you want to check those out. We've done a lot of sessions, so I hope you guys go there and find some enjoyment on those episodes. And when you have time, check out these websites. Head on over to where the magic happens. mahq.net. Visit there for reviews of many mecha-related animes and manga series. Also join the conversation at MAHQ's official forums at mechatalk.net, where you can find forums for this show and other MAHQ and Shinjuku Station podcasts. There you can comment on the thread for this episode or others and submit questions for future podcasts. If you're looking for previous episodes of Gundam at MAHQ, look no further than Gundam.net, where you can also find information on all of our previous episodes. Also find us on iTunes by using the keyword Gundam, and make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. After listening to our show, your next stop should be Chaos Theater, MAHQ's podcast that focuses on other facets of nerddom outside of Mecca. Hosted by the webmaster of MAHQ, Gundam's own Chris Guanche, and the pedal bear of the South, Tomo Pop's own Pedro Cortez. You can tune into the show at chaostheater.blogspot.com and on iTunes by searching for Chaos Theater. Don't forget that we're also on YouTube, where you can not only find our previous episodes, but extra content as well. Subscribe to these channels when you have time. YouTube.com slash Gundam MAHQ. YouTube.com slash Chaos Theater MAHQ. YouTube.com slash Fighters Ready. YouTube.com slash Shin Station Fight Tube and YouTube.com slash Shinjuku Station. Last but not least, make a beeline to Shinjuku Station's home for live streaming. That's tinyurl.com slash Shin Station. Every week we stream live with anime commentaries like Shoji Ramaro's Anime Movie Night and live podcasts like our new show, Barbecue Night. Don't sleep. Head on over to tinyurl.com slash Shin Station and follow us to keep up with all our future live streams as well as archives of our most recent sessions. And that is it for episode 148 of Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next time. Robotech, the continuing epic saga of a valiant band of young freedom fighters risking everything to save Earth from alien domination. With spectacular action. Brace for collision! High-flying adventure. Let's get on with it! And human drama. Thrill to the Robotech experience. Robotech, weekdays at 3.30 p.m. here on WAXA TV 40. Carry on. Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. Hi, I'm Robin Williams. This is my daughter, Zelda Ray Williams. Uh, hi, I'm Zelda Williams. Zelda, this, this story about you. Yeah. <laughs> What a great name for a girl, Zelda. From what I've been told, um, they were playing Zelda when, I was, when my mom was pregnant with me. Who thought, uh, because we were playing the game uh, Legend of Zelda at the time, I bought one of the first Nintendo systems and brought that home 
with a, a very large TV and set it up. It was Zelda, and it was amazing because it was just, at the, it was, it's addicting. I was playing it for hours and hours and hours and hours. And I think both of my parents really liked the name, and so it just, it stuck. A lot of people come up and say, she named after F. Scott Fitzgerald's wife. No, <laughs> it's Zelda for The Legend of Zelda. Where I was in grade school and girls made fun of me for it. And I was like, ah, oh, mom, I'm going to change my name when I'm 18. And then I, I ended up loving it again. And it's constantly, people are like, that is the coolest name ever. So I actually really enjoy it. You're lucky you're not named Mario or Luigi mm. or, Sh or Samus. Because it would have been Peach if you were And Peach is a terrible name. Oh, no, for Peach would be a rough name for a girl. Peach. <laughs> I would have a... seen no end to the torment yeah. for that one. Better than Ocarina or Epona as well. Epona, yeah, that would be fun. That would be a bad one. I'm named after the horse. Creepy. <laughs> I think they just liked the name for a little girl, and it's a princess as well, so. When Zach said her name, Zelda went, oh, what a great name. <laughs> it's magical, as she is, which is pretty amazing. Spent a lot of time hacking bushes, as I remember that. That's what I said, too. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times just going, and finding out, oh, there's a, there's a, no, there's a dungeon! And then you find out all that thing about where you... And the world, and pushing aside walls, you, especially in the mazes where you push a wall and then another wall would open up. Ocarina had the cool, the instrument was kind of shaped like the controller as well, <laughs> which I loved. All these puzzles and the idea of anything could be moved and objects in the world could be moved. I always thought Link was like this adorable little kid. I had, I had a friend who looked a lot like him, although... Link doesn't really have a mullet. I had a friend when I was growing up that had like the blonde hair mullet and like the cute big ears. He looked like an elf. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> you don't believe me, do you, woman? <laughs> Go again. <laughs> It just merged our faces while we were sitting next to each other. It just turned her into a really scary elf. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>